Welcome to Confident You Radio. This is Julie DeLuca Collins, and I am thrilled that you are joining us for this special programming and episode. You know what? We are getting into the holiday season, and one of the biggest things that I want you to do is to feel confident, feel confident in your own skin, feel confident about finding peace in the middle of chaos, feel confident about living in your purpose and really going out and sharing your goodness into the world. So for this wonderful summit, I actually have gathered some of the incredible individuals that have visited our Casa, Casa de Confidence, and they are here to share with you specifically some of the things that have worked for them. These conversations are designed to inspire you to go from a chaotic life to peace, to be able to learn to love and accept yourself, no matter what the circumstances are, to ensure that you love yourself before you expect to get the love from others. I am also sharing an incredible conversation in which you are going to learn how to turn your voice and your challenges into your victories, because we all have these challenges. We all have these things that pop up that you know, if we allow them, will keep us down. But I want you to know that comparing yourself to others is definitely the recipe for failure. So today in this wonderful summit, we are talking about how to be able to use your voice for change. I am also sharing with you a great interview with someone because we want to go ahead and overcome perfectionism. We want to really come into our own and we want to great, you know, be the queen of our life and wear our crown really regally while serving others. Because let's be face it, all of us are always going to be serving others. We're females, we're givers, we're, we're individuals who, if you're tuning in, you're a lot like all of us that want to just be of service. And I encourage you to remind yourself that you have this crown. So today I'm bringing you these incredible women, um, Kyra Eubanks, who has a vision for creating a global community of student leaders. I am bringing you Christina Gonzalez, the Curvy Girl um, Coaching, Chaos from Peace, oh, from Peace to Chaos, or vice versa, with Connie Graff, and also Raina Axelbird, Finding Your Voice. Thank you for tuning in, and make sure that you follow Casa de Confidence and Confident You Radio. Stay tuned for this wonderful programming. Kyra Eubanks, thank you for coming to Casa de Confidence. So excited to have you. As you know, I asked my guests to introduce themselves and tell us who they are. How do they get here? Tell me your life story as you introduce yourself. Welcome. My goodness, thank you so much for having me, Julie, on Casa de Confidence. My name is Kyra Eubanks, and there are several hats that I wear, including a crown. Um, so a crown! I, <laughs> I love it. Global, 
Yes, yes. I And it's so funny because I always talk about how I've had locks for about 10 years now. And that's been my natural crown until I became Beautiful. Miss Black Florida uh, 2022 for Miss Black USA. But outside of pageantry and being pretty new to pageantry over the last two years, I'm the global correspondent for Global Over Day Seminary and University, which is an interfaith e-learning institution here in South Florida. I'm also the youth representative for New Future Foundation to the United Nations. And I also sit on a steering committee within the United Nations Department of Global Communications. And then I'm the CEO of Bringing the Globe. And that is a really my pride and joy because it really enmeshes all of my interests in terms of being able to empower young people, global leadership, cultural exchange, and more. And I I'm, I'm, would be more than happy to share more about Bringing the World to Florida, which is our flagship Yay! Program. So that's how we met. But I have yes. to say, Every single thing that you said, I love and it resonates. And if anybody is listening, they know that, oh my goodness, from the wearing of the crown to leadership, to United Nations, to uh, faith, everything. It's such a great intersection. It really aligns with my values, who I am, my business, my personal life. And I have gotten to know you in the last uh, few weeks. We were introduced by a friend who was on the podcast last week, Raina Rose. <laughs> I love Raina. And Raina, she is not only good people, but she always connects great people together. And I remember the first time that we spoke. I mean, we spoke for like an hour and a half. I think we lost track of time. We were just enjoying the time together and realizing that we have a passion for not only, you know, traveling the world, but also for um, leadership and being mm-hmm. able to our, especially young women, but really, you know, people of all different backgrounds and demographics, because mm-hmm. everyone has the potential to become a leader if they so themselves as one. Oh my gosh, that is a quotable. Hold on, I'm going to use my new toy. Everybody has the potential to be a leader. Ooh, I like that. I got applause going for you. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, thank you. But it's true. It's it's something that I've I believed, and I believe that 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 mantra or that philosophy really comes from the experiences that I've had. Growing up, uh, being named Cairo, because I remember hearing in the last episode that you had um, with Reina that you talked about the importance of names, right? Mm-hmm. And my middle name is actually Rose, too. So it just is? Yeah, I'm Cairo Denise Rose. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> I love it too. And it's funny because it's like when Raina and I realized that we had the same middle name, we were like, this is fate. But, fate. you know, when you think about a name and what's in a name, Cairo is the capital of Egypt. Mm-hmm. And my siblings were also named after different countries, um, you know, within the continent of Africa. So my brother's Dakar, like uh, the Ooh. capital of Senegal. Yep. And then my sister is Sudan because she's a country within herself. You know, both of us, we were capital. Oh gosh. She's a country. She's a country and within herself. I love that. Literally a country. Trust me, when you get to meet her, you'll understand. But um, when it comes to, you know, my name, I was always really curious about the world because I wanted to learn more about what my name meant. And, mm-hmm. you know, having that history, that background, it made me really want to see more of the continent of Africa. So fast forward, when I got an opportunity to study abroad with Semester at Sea, I went to about 11 different countries. And um, let's see, I was in Europe, I was in Africa, and then I was in the Americas. Those were the three <laughs> continents that we got to touch on. And, uh, and I, it was just 
it was fate, I believe, for mm. me to be on that trip when I did because I got the opportunity to then um, become an Amprakash ambassador in India. Wow. And I taught students who had literally oftentimes never left the country, but they knew so much about the world around them. And it was because people brought the world to them, you know, mm. whether it was international teachers or they would learn um, from guests. And I realized that that was really what made them so unique. You know, and and fast forward to the pandemic, I realized that the conversations that I had with my students and the opportunities that I got to have to really have cultural exchange with them, to share my background as a Jamaican American and hear about their experiences growing up in India, it gave birth to bringing the world to Florida, um, mm. which is an international virtual student exchange program that I created during the pandemic. You know, I think that a lot of people created gain weight during the pandemic, but you created an organization that is going to impact the lives of young people who in turn will go out and make an impact in the world around them. So I I want to unpack a lot of this, but you, you, you know, you are at a place in which there's a lot of different things that you're doing. It's in your resume. Oh, my God, I'm doing this. You're Miss Black Florida 2022. You, mm-hmm. um, you know, represent in the United Nations, all of these things. Yes. But here is what I, I wonder, because we see that outside. We read what somebody does. But mm-hmm. for you, have there been times when you question or second guess yourself? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, even (laughs) thinking about my pageant journey, for example, and uh, when I was first crowned Miss Broward County for Miss America back in 2020, it was the first competition I ever competed in. And there were a lot of doubts, you know, (laughs) just because I realized that, you know, in the direction that the Miss America organization was headed in terms of, you know, innovation and having non-traditional candidates, Mm -hmm. that's what, you know, attracted my mom to even like say, Kyra, I think you should go for this. I wasn't even, I didn't even see myself as this. And I was shocked when I actually got crowned, you know, on the first Mm try. And I realized that, over the last, even over the last few weeks, I'll be honest, it happens where I had an aha moment. It was, I told you, I had hosted a three-day international Mm -hmm. virtual conference for God's You, the Empower You conference. And then that same night, the last day of the conference, I hosted a fashion show um, for the city of Miramar. I'd never hosted a fashion show before. Amazing. I I was running masterclasses for a three-day conference. And to go from that, have a one-hour break, and then do a fashion (laughs) show. I stopped. I looked at myself and I was like, you know what, Cairo, don't ever doubt yourself again. Because anytime Mm. that you doubt yourself and you let that fear creep in, you're clouding your judgment from, you know, easy solutions, or you're clouding your judgment from being creative to find a way to make everything work. You're so so right. And and, and here's the thing. Our brain is so wired to be negative. Oh my goodness. And if we allow that, you, you know, there, there is a coach and it's actually her birthday. So I'm going to give her a shout out, uh, Coach Kathy Hartman from the No BS group. And she's been my coach and I've worked with her in different moments. But I remember her uh, saying this and she's mentioned this to other people. um, But sometimes we get stuck in this broken record. Absolutely. And if we allow that broken record to turn up the volume, that record is always playing in the background. The negativity, the different things that maybe we've encountered. But we have to really, you know, let it play in the background, but not turn up the volume. 
because we Absolutely. can't we can't control whether it plays or not. All we can control is how we maybe bring another playlist, another playlist that helps us create evidence for the things mm -hmm. that we can do. Because if you ask Absolutely. your brain the right question, it will give you the right answer. And you finding evidence that you can do it and never doubting yourself. And listen, we're normal. We're human. We are going to doubt ourselves. But the more that you allow yourself to go out there, um, it's going to make an impact for sure. I completely agree with you. And it's this idea that you don't realize that you've been conditioned to think a certain way about mm -hmm. yourself. I mean, these are self-limiting beliefs yeah. that we have. And that's something that we cover within Bringing the World to Florida within our online modules for students is we talk to them about their identity. And yep. we say, you know, that your identity is not only how others see you, but also how you navigate the world. And when you realize that maybe your identity is something that you haven't necessarily chosen, maybe it was chosen for you. Maybe you heard someone say something to you when you were seven or yep. eight. You never doubted it. You never questioned it. Mm -hmm. And you say, this is, this is who I am at my core. Some of those, those characteristics can change. There are things about me that have stayed the same over the last like 26 years that I've been mm -hmm. on this earth. But then there, there are uh, opportunities where I've opened my eyes and said, you know what? I can be a title holder. I, I can be able to um, host a fashion show, which I never thought I would do. Mm -hmm. So it's true that it's oftentimes just in our head. Yeah, we have to create these these new tapes. And, you know, I actually watched um, I, I was taking a training today and mm -hmm. is it's on unconscious bias. And there's so many different types of biases mm -hmm. that um, even, you know, for as much as I've done some work and researched and, and learned on this topic, there's mm -hmm. a lot of different things. And, and I think that we tend to also create these unconscious biases for ourselves. And Absolutely. it is so important to be able to really question thoughts that we have mm -hmm. because we take for granted, right? Some of the things that people have programmed or the experiences that have shaped us. And, and it's important to be able to say, well, how can I? Or, you know, is that true? Am I thinking um, mm -hmm. that, you know, I'm not able to change or I'm not able to do that? I actually was thinking in the car today. Mm. Here's a little story. Um, so I... Um, I, I mentioned to you that I went to see a client, a, a potential client, and I, it became, they became a client, but here's awesome. what happened. This came about because I was at dinner with my husband and my friend, mm -hmm. and I started to talk to the owner of the organization and mm -hmm. he was there. And, um, and then I just, you know, and, and before I could think twice, I said, you should hire me. And he's like, what? Oh. I don't know what, the, what does that mean? Like, okay. And like, not a lot of people in, 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 you know, I, I always look for opportunities of connecting people, seeing like, Oh, who do I know? And like, how can I bring value to people? Anyhow. So fast forward, I had a great meeting with him. We we're going to be working together. Um, awesome. it's, a, it's a trial run. However, as I was driving home, mm -hmm. I'm like, people need to know this, that there are opportunities in that moment in time that mm -hmm. what you say changes the trajectory of what happens. Absolutely. And we second guess ourselves. And I remember there was a time in my career, I, I was 32, mm -hmm. um, long time ago. <laughs> and I was- <laughs> You wouldn't now looking at you, I'm just saying. Well, thank joking. you, you're so kind. <laughs> um, I, 
I was at, or, you know, I worked for this national company. I was asked to pre- do a presentation at the national convention for the company. Mm-hmm. Hundreds of people there. And I, I've never had a problem speaking in public. I'm fine. You know, I d- did this little presentation. And um, at the end of the presentation, it was phenomenal. Like, it was like, yay me, right? Everything that happened was so wonderful. The people resonated really well. We got the buy-in from from the audience to continue to partner and do other great things and new things we're going to start. So the CEO of the company, Gordon, at the time, afterwards, he was just flying high and he looked at me and he's like, oh my gosh, so amazing. What a great job. Congratulations. And here's a couple of things that happen. Usually when women get um, complimented, we mm-hmm. tend to say, oh, well, thank you, but not, you know, oh, you know, and, and you tend well, to shrug effort. it off, right? It's a team. Right. And it was a team effort, but mm-hmm. I also, you know, my dad was very adamant. He's like, take the compliment, say yes, thank you, leave it mm-hmm. at that. And I remember saying, thank you so much. I appreciate it. And he said, hey, Julie, what can I do to make you more successful? What do you mm-hmm. want? Right. And that and and in that moment, I remember like I didn't hesitate. I didn't think about it. I didn't say, oh, let me get back to you. Whatever came to mind, I said, and this is what I said. I said, I want a race and I want a laptop. And Mm. first of all, you know, again, I'm going to age myself in those days. Not you had not everybody had a laptop. Everybody, if you worked at a building, right, you had your Mm. little computer and and, and I said, I want to be able to work remotely at times. I want to be able to travel and go on the road with sharing with more people who weren't here what we're doing. And that's going to make me more productive. But I also, mm-hmm. it's going to require me to work more. So I need a raise. Mm-hmm. And not a lot of people do that. And there's going to be these moments in time in which you have to speak up for yourself. You have to put yourself out there. You have to say what you want and not... Like think that people know. And the worst thing he could have said is no. Of course. And he said, okay, you got it. Monday morning when I got back to New Jersey, I had my laptop and I had a raise. Right? That is beautiful. And and that's exactly what happens when you, and and, and you're never, you know, never going to hit a hundred percent, you know, and get it. But ask, you never know unless you ask. And that's so important when it comes to confidence. I completely agree with you. And as you're telling that story, it was making me think of times in my life in which I had to speak up and had to go out of my comfort zone. Mm. And I think that it's really important to go out of your comfort zone and to ask those important questions because you're so right. You never know. It could be a yes. And if you let that fear stop you Mm -hmm. from, from getting that yes, it, it really does change the trajectory of your life. And my my example is my mentor, Queen Mother, Dr. Delois Blakely, who is the mm. executive president for New Future Foundation, which is an ECOSOC, United Nations um, NGO. It's an ECOSOC right. accredited NGO. And, and NGO is a non-governmental uh, organization, okay. just for those people who don't know. Yes. Thank you so much. Yeah, you're welcome. And- <laughs> My Was dad always me? reminded me to say that because he were, he did work for the agency of international development. So he had an, oh. and he worked with a lot of NGOs. And every time I would use acronyms, he was like, you need to use the real you name. To remember the acronym. Like, okay. Yes. You're so right. You're so right. Yeah. There's like a lot of talk where people be like UNHQ. And, right. UGC uh, and YRSE. And yeah, I understand exactly what you're saying. But specifically <laughs> for this uh, 
yes, EcoSoc accredited non-governmental organization. And I remember that I was hosting a um, the con- one of the conferences that we have um, for the God's You Empower You conference. And we had a guest speaker who was Queen Mother, Dr. Dolores Blakely, and she has been associated with the UN for over 50 years. And I just mm. remember hearing her speak, being just amazed by her. And at the time, I had always wanted to find a way to um, to go, first of all, to the UN headquarters. I'd, I was always curious to know. But more than that, I knew that I had something within me that would allow me to be of value. And I realized that I had, a, I didn't quite realize what that value would look like. Um, but I knew that my interests in, you know, international development, what I was studying in school, international relations, I knew that I needed to talk to this lady. And what I did was after moderating the event, I'd never spoken to her a day in my life. I pulled her aside. I said, Queen Mother, I want to learn from you. I want to be mm. an agent for you. And this is something that, you know, she gets all the time, right? Yeah. She saw within me, she actually had me go through quite a few hoops and she wanted to make sure that I could um, be able to be a part of her organization. And then I guess eventually represent it. So I started off as an intern and then I moved up to a youth rep several years later. And then I became a part of the youth um, representative steering committee um, for the United Nations Department of Global Communications. And we're actually, uh, I'm the co-host or the co-lead for Storytelling with a Purpose, which is a youth interview series that Mm -hmm. I'm um, launching as part of the steering committee initiatives. Um, But I'm collaborating through Bringing the Globe as well as through my NGO. And it's all about being able to share not only what, youth are doing in their global communities or their local communities, mm-hmm. but relating it to the sustainable development goals that have been outlined by the United Nations. So there's 17 goals that touch on all different areas of life from, you know, life on land mm-hmm. to you know, life below in, in the water um, and more. Um, and there's some goals that all countries um, or member states, I should say, have signed on to agree to work towards this 2030 agenda. That you know, being said, that's amazing. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say that being said, when I asked Queen Mother, you know, several years ago, I want to say it was at least five years ago that I wanted to be mentored by her. I had no idea that fast forward, I would be doing what I'm doing right now where we're getting ready to launch this um, this month, launch this this series. We're starting off with the first youth envoy to the African Union, Miss Aya Shebi. And she has literally, I mean, she is incredible, um, absolutely incredible. And you can look her up or I can share some information, share a link um, to her story. But I had no idea that I would be doing what I'm doing now. But if I hadn't, if I had been hesitant to ask her that mm-hmm. question, then I wouldn't be where I am now. You see it's what I'm saying? Oh, so good. And 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 for those people who are not familiar, Queen Mother Delor- Delois Blakely is mm-hmm. an African former nun and the current religious leader of the Pan-Africanist writer, activist, and humanitarian. She's a goodwill ambassador to Africa and the United Nations. And mm-hmm. she represents 55 million displaced Africans um, mm-hmm. of the translative transatlantic slave trade. And I think that you need to go check her out, look her up, because she is so congruent with what she believes in. Mm-hmm. And and sometimes we have these deep convictions in us and we think that, you know, oh, my effort is not going to do a lot. Exactly. But it takes one person saying yes to creating a movement and a ripple effect. And why not you? Why not you? 
Um, the other thing, too, that I wanted to touch is that the 17 goals that the United Nation has by 2030 is no poverty, zero hunger, good health and well-being, quality education, gender equality, clean water and sanitation, um, mm-hmm. um, affordable and clean energy, a decent mm-hmm. work and economic growth, industry innovation, reduce inequality inequalities. I, I don't have glasses on people. I'm sorry. You know me. I don't like to wear my glasses. Sustainable cities and communities. Number 12 is responsible consumption and production, climate action, life below water, life on land, peace and justice and strong institution and partners for the goals. And again, you know, the nations that have signed on to this, I, I watched a lot of this and followed it again. You know, like I mentioned, my dad worked for the AID. So mm-hmm. although we have cut cable and not watching the news, some of these things are the things that I still go back and look to because mm-hmm. I grew up with that sense that I can create a ripple effect. And these things are are definitely things that are important to me in I think that everybody needs to sign on for sure, because who doesn't want clean water, first of all? And if you've never been to a wor- another world, another a third world country, another place where there's no clean water, mm-hmm. it's it's tragic because that can really impact everyday life. And, uh-huh. and I mean, just just little things. But, you know, I digress. No, no, I, I agree with you. And I, I think what you're saying is absolutely true. I mean, I've been blessed to have traveled to 26 countries by the age of 26. And so I've been to Amazing. develop and developing, thank you, developing <laughs> countries. And I, I'm that person who brings around, I have like a, um, a USB and a UVC sort of sanitizer. There's like a sanitizer mm-hmm. that I use to like sanitize the water. Ooh, and I've had to do that. So yet. Definitely, I'll definitely get you onto that because Ooh. It's true that when you don't have clean water, for Mm -hmm. example, there's so much more that you have to do. I mean, taking time out to either purify the water yourself, or I had students when I was living in India where they would say that their families would oftentimes have to walk, you know, considerable distance in order to get clean water Mm -hmm. to then bring home. And that water could be used for drinking. So it could be potable water. It could also be water that would be used for, let's say, washing you know clothes or dishes right. or whatever it may be and so of course the students that I worked with were of all different socioeconomic <laughs> backgrounds but recognize that some of the most vulnerable communities have to do so much more in order to get those resources to get clean yeah, water for sure to have access to quality education and more these disparities are not okay and this no. is something I'm very passionate about in terms of being able to close those gaps mm-hmm. and creating connections between students of different backgrounds and different cultures who all have very similar missions of, you know, what what are they passionate about? If they're, if they're passionate about climate justice mm-hmm. or um, and climate action, for example, or are they passionate about being able to empower young women? They need to realize that they're not alone yeah. and that they're like-minded leaders or peers who are right there that can support them and also teach them a little bit about their world as well. You know, the world is, is a, it's a large place, but That's we true. can make it a better, smaller place if we mm-hmm. can stop looking at the differences that separate us, but really think of the commonalities that we have. And mm-hmm. and that's something that I I forget at times, mm-hmm. you know, that, that even people around the corner, right? They... Mm-hmm we have more in common than we have things that are are different or things that we don't believe in the same. 
And mm-hmm. I'm hoping that especially now during Christmas, then we can kind of stop to think about like, okay, I may not agree with you on fill in the blank, right? Mm-hmm. But, you know, you love, you care, you bleed the same. So we, let's look at how can we support each other and create mm-hmm. environments in which we're not afraid to have candid conversations, but respectful mm-hmm. conversations and bring a little bit of each other's perspective in as well. Exactly, exactly. And it reminds me of the conversations I had with my students where we talked about everything from, you know, differences in marriage traditions Mm -hmm. to discrimination that they had faced because, you know, several of my students, I would say um, the school that I was working with, um, they believed in education breaking the cycle of poverty. And a lot of the students came from the former Dalit caste. So for Mm. people who are not quite aware of this caste system, you know, you had sort of like a tier where, you know, the the Dalits were not even, they were considered untouchables. And so mm. they weren't even within the caste system and they weren't allowed to marry above the caste either. And so there were people who were literally stuck in the cycle of poverty yep. that if they weren't given an opportunity or given exposure, they would have been, you know, stuck in that, that same place. Even though the caste system has been abolished, in many ways, there's still people who are are still reeling from the effects of the system, even if it's uh, psychologically or even if it's socially and it's no longer, you know, policy driven or it's no longer part of the law. And so we have to recognize that as well. I agree. Well, Cairo, I have two questions for you. Please. And I'm going to ask the first one. Okay. Why should we care that somebody else mm. has the stigma of being part of a caste system or is discriminated within their own people if they're somewhere else that it's not where I live? Why should we care? My immediate answer is why shouldn't we care? I mean, when you when so you good. I'm of, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> when you realize that, for example, Julie, you and I may come from different backgrounds. I know mm-hmm. that your family, you talked about your family being from El Salvador um, and America, I believe the U.S. and El Salvador, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. With me, it's Jamaica and the U.S. as well. We may have different backgrounds, but at the same time, as you said, there are common denominators. And when you look people in the face, especially let's say that it's not really affecting you right now, right? In your day-to-day, because maybe you don't leave your city or your town, but you step outside of your world or outside of your head or outside of focusing on just yourself. And you realize that there are people who aren't necessarily in the same space as you. They're not necessarily, Mm. they don't have the same access to the same resources that you do. And it could be you, you know, today you may be fine, and then tomorrow it may be different. I and I always share this story now. I used to be so embarrassed and so ashamed of this, but growing up, I grew up in an upper middle class family. My family owned um, settlement companies in uh, the DMV area, so DC, Maryland, Virginia. In case people were thinking I was talking about the DMV, like where you get your license. <laughs> but uh, you know, I grew up and it was a very comfy, very like I I had everything I ever needed. And mm-hmm. when the real estate market crashed guess who was affected? I mean, we moved at least 13 times in the span of over, I want to say between five to seven years. A lot of that, honestly, I've blocked out in terms of those experiences. Mm -hmm. My family, my my mom will sit casually like, oh yeah, I remember like we used to have to park at the McDonald's and like go in and like, you know, wash our hands there and try to freshen Mm -hmm. up. I don't remember any of that in high school. 
But what I do remember is that I went from someone who had everything that Mm -hmm. she needed, right, to someone who didn't really know where her next meal was going to be. And that created empathy. And I think Mm -hmm. to answer your question, like, why should we care? It's because you never know what could happen to you. And you never know that, you know, you realize, for example, that there are people who may not necessarily have all of the, the, the money per se, but they have the potential And if you Mm -hmm. think about human capital, like even from an economic standpoint, there's untapped potential that you're missing out on by not necessarily pouring into these young brains and these young minds because they are our next leaders. So why should you care? You see what I'm saying? Like this is, it's so much more than us. Even when we pass and Mm -hmm. we transition into, you know, the next, whatever your spirituality is, right? At the end of the day, these are going to be the next leaders. And you should care if you want us to be able to have a sustainable future. And it's a legacy that you you leave behind to the people that loved you and, you know, will miss you if you're gone. But then when you see the legacy... you know, in my book, I talk a little bit about my grandmother and I, I and, you know, there's other amazing individuals who I talk about in there. But I, um, the legacy that she left behind of mm-hmm. caring and pouring and planting seeds into people, there are days mm-hmm. in which maybe I'm having a bad day and mm-hmm. I will get a random message for someone from someone who attended her school or, you mm-hmm. know, and then learned from her perseverance or, you know, heard her play the piano or taught, it was taught by her to play the piano or mm-hmm. someone who my grandparents paid for their schooling. You know, it, it, it's like my grandparents are gone, but the lives that ripple effect again, that, that was created. Um, and my, mm-hmm. my grandmother didn't live her life to do these things so that, oh, look how great I am. But she lived it because that was just one of her values. And she put those back into myself, my mom, my sisters, you know, the, the value system that we carry is hopefully continuing to, you know, help the legacy that she had. And in Absolutely. turn, you know, I, I don't have any kids, but I'm hoping that some of the stuff and some of the the, the little um, drops of, of things that I do will help and impact somebody else's life in a better way so that um, maybe something I say makes a difference for them, you know, or something I do for them. And, and, and I think that that's important. We never know how what you do today is going to may have an impact overall. For sure. You have an idea. And you know how I see it too is, uh, again, because I come from a very interfaith perspective, <laughs> I know that there are people who often say, oftentimes say that, you know, they can see the light in someone else. Mm. They can see the God in someone else, right? Whether you're religious or not. But I believe that we're all inextricably connected to one another. Mm. You know what I mean? In, in yeah. the sense that you, there's something about you that connects and reminds me of me. There's an mm, element yep. of you. And it's this, it's important to recognize that, um, that we have, like you said, so much more in common than we, we don't. Um, and, and even recognizing the simple fact that by helping you by some way, chance, like the law of attraction, it's going to come back to yeah. me. We have a saying in Jamaica where we say, you know, you lotion someone's hand, you get lotion too. You get moisturized. Oh, as well. for sure. For exactly. sure. I love that. I love so that for sure. Helps. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when I when I moisturize or put sunscreen and dance hairy back, <laughs> I will have so much extra in my hands that I can do my face. 
Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So you're you're helping someone else, and by helping someone else, it comes back to you, whether you meant for it to or not. That's right. You now Dan is going to be a little upset that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking about his we're hairy back. We're, we're not gonna tell him. <laughs> he's gonna listen to this, you know. He's he's the one who he will he will edit this before we post oh, it on, on on Sunday, and then he's gonna like maybe choose to delete it, but hopefully not. Tell him not to delete it. <laughs> Please, Dan, don't delete it. <laughs> uh, so funny. So funny, yeah. So we we that's that's the the beauty of having my producer editor in my home. Then you know we we get to record and we get to chat, and then um, I you know gets to hear the episode before anybody else does. <laughs> oh well, I can't wait to hear what he thinks about this episode. Well, you know he's he's so excited. Oh wait a minute, hold on. I'm going to use my other. Um, hold on, let's see. He is going to think this. His heart's oh, gonna be touched by that. Oh my gosh! Can you I believe really that? hope so. I and hope well, so. And Dan, well. when you listen to this, just know that we are we're really enjoying ourselves, and we look forward to getting your <laughs> feedback on this. Oh, <laughs> uh, for sure. So here's my other question to you, and this is a very serious question. And it's very important to me because I happened to um, when I had my big birthday, mm. people knew me well, mm-hmm. and you know. What I got from them for my birthday, it does not compare to what you have, but how heavy is the crown that you got when you were crowned? <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. Tell Let's me about see. that. I have two crowns. Oh, now. you have, okay, okay. <laughs> cool. I have two crowns. I have my local um, title holder crown from Miss America, and then I have my state title holder crown from Black USA. You know what I would say is the crown can get a little heavy. It mm. can be. When you first put it on, you're like, oh my gosh, you know, you're so excited. I, I remember I was like walking around the house, you know, with my <laughs> crown. I was so happy. And then after a while, you're like, you know what? This is for special occasions. There okay. Especially if you're going to be, you know, out and about for several hours. Mm-hmm. I remember for hosting the fashion show um, this past month. My mom was like, you have to wear your crown. And I said, I'll wear my sash <laughs> because I'm very proud to be a title holder. But after mm-hmm. like, you know, six or seven hours, it, it gets a little it heavy. It gets heavy. Yeah. It gets a little heavy. When I turned 50, my, uh, my girlfriends, it's funny because there were two different girlfriends. They each send me crowns because, you know, we were in lockdown and I was supposed to have a big birthday party. And so they know me well, because I do have a couple like little, you know, tiara, the little things that I wear because that I've gotten for myself. They got me like little blingy, shiny. Like oh, these sure. friends really freaking know me well that knew that I needed a crown. <laughs> Everyone needs a crown. I Everyone agree. Needs a I crown. agree. I agree. <laughs> I am a big proponent of crowns. And here's the thing. Sometimes you, you may not get a, a, you know, a crown from Miss America or, mm-hmm. you know, the pageant circuit. But mm-hmm. my darn it, go out and get yourself a crown because there's things that we do every day that are worth getting a crown for, for sure. Whether you're dealing with your kids or your husband or you're accomplishing little things and moving yourself ahead, you have to you have to celebrate and remind yourself that you are reigning over your life for sure. 
I can I couldn't agree with you more. And you know what I realized is that yes, the crown is really beautiful and it's very blingy. And <laughs> as someone who likes sparkly things, like you know, diamonds and I mean yes. my birth sign, my my I should say I'm an, an Aries and April baby. And so I'm an I'm, April baby. Oh, when in April? 26. Oh, snap. Are you your Taurus? I'm a Taurus, yeah. Gotcha. Okay. April babies rock. Yes, they do. It's, it's, it's see, we, we get to celebrate because I celebrate the whole month. Oh my gosh. See, I need to start doing that because like oh, the please. thing about it with my birthday, I'll forget. Sometime. When is your birthday in April? April 15th tax day. Oh, I have a couple of friends. Actually, Dan's brother was born on tax day also. Oh, snap. Mm-hmm. You know what I've been saying since I was about 10 or 12 years old? I used to say, that I should be getting like 0.000001% of like all the taxes. It's accrued. a good birthday gift. I really should. It's, should. it's my birthday. But what I was saying about the crown is that you ha- you realize that you have a social responsibility because when you mm-hmm. have a crown on, it's something that brings people to you. First of yeah. all, they may be curious about the crown or they may think it's really beautiful or it may be a conversation starter but people are watching you that's right and I think that that's the most important <laughs> lesson that I think any title holder of any age can learn is that you have a responsibility when you're wearing that crown not just to appear very beautiful but as many and I would say all of the title holders I've met they realize that they are a role model mm-hmm. that they are a they are sort of like a, a local celebrity yeah. and They are someone that people oftentimes look to, even if they're looking at them in admiration at first before they open their mouths and then they're shocked by how articulate they are or how eloquent they speak. At the end of the day, it brings that attention. And so it's like, what are you going to do with that attention? Yeah, for sure. And I think that, you know, here, here's the thing. And and, and I know that a lot of people is like, oh, why do we need pageants? And, you know, there's that whole, Mm -hmm. you know, thing, whatever. I'm I'm not even going to get into it. I, I, but I, but I want you to realize that you're right. When someone, whether you know you're a pageant uh, title holder or whether you are in a position of leadership, absolutely, people look to you. And it doesn't mm-hmm. mean like, oh my God, you know, let imposter syndrome roam because we all have mm-hmm. that. But really right. try to figure out because when someone, when when you least expect that someone watches, what is it that you want them to take away? from how mm. you are carrying yourself and what you are doing. Completely so, agree. Mm-hmm. Um, Kyra, you shared a quote, and I want to ask you a little bit about this. Um, Through continual investment, I will become a better servant leader and a legacy builder through my personal entrepreneurial endeavors. In order to accomplish this, I will take concrete action on a daily basis to stay laser focused to intentionally advance my goals. Mm-hmm. Okay. I've had a lot of people here on the podcast and a lot of people have shared their quotes, but wow. <laughs> Tell me about this quote. This is like intense. Why did you choose that? This is, so, you know, uh, one of my mentors, and I, I think it's very important that we have mentors. Um, <laughs> this is, I mean, he is, been such a, a blessing blessing to me, I should say. His name is Kevin Boucher, and he is um, one of the directors at Operation Hope, um, mm-hmm. and he's part of Hope Global Forum, and incredible man. Um, but he was teaching me that it was not only important to have a business mission, so it's important to, for example, have a, a mission statement that tells you 
okay, black, black or white, you know, black and Mm -hmm. white and and, in very black and white terms, what your business is about so that, you know, if there's a joint venture opportunity or other endeavors, does this fit into my mission or not? That's important. So good. And he took it one step further and he said, okay, once you have your business mission together, you must also have a personal mission. And this is my personal Mm -hmm. mission. My personal mission really is all about servant leadership, really being able to use the gifts and talents that I believe that God has given me as part of my purpose to then be able to serve, um, you know, those around me and to make sure that in order for me to be able to be the best servant leader that I can possibly be, I have to make sure that I'm taking action every single day. So whether it's through fellowship programs that I've been a part of, or if it is, for example, um, opportunities for networking or just skill building, anything that I learn to do, I make sure that I am finding ways to then repurpose that and give it back to either my students or put it in the form of workshops or events and more. And I just wanted to say that, uh, my computer was about to shut off. <laughs> I've been working on it since like seven this morning. Good so job. I was like, Good job saving that second. one. <laughs> <laughs> but guess what? I didn't stop. I no, didn't you stop. didn't. I, I'm like, look at her go. Um, Cairo, I, I love that. Um, you know, when I was laid off, the night I was laid off, it was March 24th. And there were a lot of different things that happened between me hearing the news and going to bed. And Mm -hmm. this is one of those evenings that I don't remember sleeping, that I remember being up because I've never been fired from a job. So Mm -hmm. losing a job and saying, okay, we don't need you anymore. And it was amicable, you know, it was, and I totally got it and I understood. And I knew that this was the right thing that the company was doing because of the pandemic and everything going on. Got it. But I stayed up through the night because I knew that I was going to go on to business for myself. I was going to launch my organization. And Mm -hmm. as I was like planning and strategizing and thinking, um, I remember reaching for my phone in the middle of the night. And um, the first thing that I started to type out was my mission. And I don't think that I've I've ever shared it, but I want to share it because I think that this is something that a lot of people don't do or they kind of sort of know but they never nail it down and it's Mm -hmm. not perfect by far but my Mm -hmm. mission is to empower women uh in and to to empower and support women in business by connecting them to the resources providing the mentoring networking support that they need um i am a servant leader and my aim is to help them become the best version and go confidently in the direction of their dreams so, and, and it was something that was sort of like this North star mm-hmm. in my business. I teach women, they have to have a personal brand. They have to be very clear with what their values are. They have to be very clear with their strengths and weaknesses and what they bring to the table for others. And then to figure out who they serve. And that's really the basic and the foundation for their business or in a career or in, in at home. That is a very basic thing that you really should know. And by knowing that, then you can build everything else on top of that. Be clear on who you are. Be clear on what's important to you. Because as you're setting goals, if you're not clear on what your values are, you're never going to take the daily action that will get you to your goals. I completely agree. I completely agree. Because it's like, 
you have a destination that you want to go to, but there's no roadmap. And so how do you actually get to that destination unless you have clarity that <laughs> it's going to take about 200 gallons of gas is going to take right. this amount of time. You're going to stop these many times, you know, and, and the change, the, the plans may change, you know, maybe you have a plan a and, mm-hmm. and plan B is slightly different, but as long as you're headed towards that, that end goal, right. You'll still get there. I mean, yeah. I think of all of the, the times in my life in which I thought it was going to go a B and C and it went more a <laughs> than a two. And then, you know, yeah, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And and it's important to revisit. And, you know, I'm so glad that we're talking about goals as as we're kind of wrapping up, because this Mm -hmm. is a time of the year where people start to make goals, where people start to set an intention and create Mm -hmm. um, a plan. But as Mm -hmm. we know, many people by the time, you know, we're ending or Martin Luther King Day in the middle of January, their plans are out. Yep. What would you say to the people who are starting to take stock and say, this is what I want to accomplish next year? What are some tangible things that they can do or work towards? Because you have accomplished a lot in your young life. And, I, and I'd love to hear what your take is and what can you share with the listeners? Absolutely. Um, there are so many ways in which we can go about this. I think the first two that I would say right off the top of my head is ha- have a coach, you know, have a coach, have an accountability mm. partner, okay. have someone that you can be able to hold yourself accountable to. Because let's be honest, sometimes we say, uh, I think Tony Robbins said it best. He said something along these lines where, you know, something will be tan, but then we'll say it's brown just to say that we're right, you know, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. we need someone to say, no, actually that's, that's tan. That's beige. Oh my God. That's so good. <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard that. That's so good. <laughs> so that's one is, you know, having someone who will keep you accountable mm-hmm. and then two, you know, creating daily habits, even if they're small, that you do every single day, even if it's during the workday, for example, that mm-hmm. will get you towards those goals. Because, you know, sometimes we get so excited and January 1st starts and we say we're a new person, but then we're not actually taking any actions or we haven't created any habits mm-hmm. to really anchor that identity, that new identity that we have within ourselves. And so for me, for example, I've committed to meditating every morning, right? Meditating and reflecting. Mm -hmm. And then I also have um, what I like to call, I forget the term um, that was used, but it's basically, uh, I have a list of priorities and I rank them um, and I have my six priorities for the day. Mm -hmm. And then what I do is I make sure to work on priority one first until it's completed. And then I go down the line And I make sure that whatever doesn't get done that day moves to the next day. But I'm constantly remembering what it is that I need to get done so that it doesn't fall through the cracks because that happens way too often where we have an idea and we forget about that idea. We forget, oh, wait a second, I actually found a shortcut. You know, it's a, you know, a project that I'm mm-hmm. working on and, and you don't write it down, right? And you don't keep up with it. And so it, yeah. Goes in the back it it goes in the back of your brain. Your brain is thinking so many, like 60,000 thoughts a day. Come on. Mm-hmm. And you want to, you know, you want to remember like, oh, I have laundry. I have to move from the washer to the dryer. <laughs> right. Like you have to put your pride, you have to put them down. And, uh, you know, and I have to say, I did not pay you or tell you to say what you said, but that's exactly what the premise of um, my, you know, I talk about it on the podcast all the time consistent action, making sure you start with simple habits, simple habits. I mean, that's 
part of my book, right? That's the name of my book, Simple Habits to Live Life. You imagine why? Because what you do every day gets you that traction. And I think that, you know, you have to definitely prioritize what's important to you. Mondays, I actually host, um, and I have to say, I'm going to continue to host it, even though it is very poorly attended and I don't take it personally. I host from eight to nine. I call it froggy hour. Mm. And it's basically, have you ever heard of the concept, eat that frog? Oh, so you yes, have yes, to yes, eat the that. things that are hard or, you know, uncomfortable or difficult to do. Eat it. Do do that first during your day. So in yes. froggy hour is because most people have the Sunday scaries on the or the Monday morning blues. And what I wanted to create is a space where they can come in and either accomplish or plan out their week or really put themselves in a place where they're going to have the support system. That's not a coaching call. You just log into Zoom and then you say, okay, this is what I'm working on. Great. Turn off your camera. I'm going to work on my stuff. And I've been planning and, you know, typically it's a very lonely time, except for Patty Hanna, who is my consistent every once in a while show up kind of person. But it's there for people who want it. And again, we'll maybe I need to move the time from eight to nine, from seven to eight or or nine to 10. I don't know. I have to think of something because I would like more people to eat that frog and come to froggy hour. Absolutely. And I love that concept. Definitely send me the information. Oh, I'll send it to you. Yeah. I can jump in. I'd love to, because it's so true. Like what I do first thing in the morning, I start, you know, I I wake up around 5.00 AM and then Mm -hmm. 7.00 AM I start working. And those first two hours, I do things I don't want to do. You know, I, I, I get myself up and I use the, the Mel Robbins, like five second the rule. Five second rule I, yeah. Sometimes I have to count backwards if I have to leap out of bed that day. And some, you know, oftentimes I'll wake up and I'm like, yes, you know, especially mm-hmm. recently because bringing the world to Florida is oh, launching so and we're getting good. ready for a conference in March. And so I have so much to be excited about, but when there are mornings where I didn't sleep that well, mm-hmm. or, you know, it's going to be a long day. I know it's going to be a long day. I get myself up and I make sure, okay, what can I do now that is the most uncomfortable? Yeah. Because once I get it done, that's that big win. And yeah, that for carries sure. me throughout the day. So yeah. it's all, it's all strategic. It's, like I remember there was someone, I think it was Bob Proctor who said this. And he said that, um, I think he might've been quoting someone else. I'm quoting Bob Proctor, quoting someone else, but he was basically saying that, um, why do you think CEOs are so successful? They mm-hmm. do the things that they don't want to do, but they train oh, themselves, sure. they condition themselves yep. to be able to do that. Absolutely. And, you know, in, in the CEO retreat that I did and the one that I'm doing, that's one of the things that I, I train my, my people who attend. If you're going to be the CEO of your business, of your life, you need to be able to just do the thing. And maybe it means looking at your numbers and seeing that you didn't hit the mark and you didn't make the income that you wanted to. Or it means that you're going to make decisions that are hard, but make them. Because when you take charge, then you are definitely acting in that role. Um, You talked about the conference that is coming up in March, and that is on March 20, 24th, 2022, mm-hmm. and it's from mm-hmm. 7 p.m. to 8.30 p.m. And mm-hmm. the website for that is Bring the Globe. And we're going to put this in the show notes. But if you know anybody who can benefit from this conference, so tell us um, a little bit about that in, you know, in, in, in a quick bite, soundbite for okay. people who are listening so that they can connect with you and tell us where people can connect with you as well. 
Absolutely. I would love to. Okay. So our website is www.bringingtheglobe.com. So that's B-R-I-N-G-I-N-G, the globe. Com. And if you are interested in learning more about the conference, more information, more details will be added onto the website, especially in the next few weeks, because we've been doing so much in terms of getting everything together for the <laughs> monthly workshops that we'll be offering to students. Our goal is really to be able to impact 5,000 teens by June 2023. And so we mm. have our work cut out for us, but we realized that through the programming that we have, we're, we're not only going to have um, biannual conferences um, starting in the spring and also fall, but we'll have monthly workshops that begin in March um, 2022. And then on top of that, we'll also have programming such as a TV show that Raina and I are going to be launching in oh the first gosh. quarter as well. You guys are awesome. Thank you. <laughs> and we're going to, we would love to have you on as a guest um, because we're all about highlighting and emphasizing entrepreneurs and leaders. And we want to show teens and, and students that there are leaders, there are role models that they can look up to, that they don't have to go on Instagram, for example, or mm-hmm. maybe several degrees apart from them, but they have people who they can be inspired by, you know, who are doing exactly what they wanted to do. Yeah. You know, there's so many people who would love, so many teams who would love to hear your story, for example, and say, oh my gosh, you know, my family's from El Salvador, for example, and right. if she can do it, I can do it too. And yeah. so it's important to help teens recognize, um, for example, the exposure, access, and opportunities that are available. And that's what Bringing the World is all about, is bringing the world to students, bringing leadership development, and also cultural exchange. So if you'd like to learn more about Bringing um, the World to Florida, which is the first program of Bringing the Globe, go to www.bringingtheglobe.com slash landing. And if you're interested in donating and helping us achieve that mission, It's www.bringingtheglobe.com slash donate. And then as for me and my angles, oh, should I stop? Yeah, no, so good. I'm saying it's so good. Wait, hold on. I'm going to give you some uh, applause. Yay! Oh, I'm so happy because you said give a bite. So I want to make sure. No, you're good. I I am actually, my brain is already working on something. So go ahead. Keep saying what you're saying. That sounds good. And then as for me, as I shared before, I uh, I host conferences, I host events, I hosted a fashion show, and I've done work throughout the years working with organizations like um, the United Way of Broward, for example, New Leaders Council, also Congressional Black Caucus as well. And so if you're interested in being able to book me as a speaker, it's www.cairo, that's C-A-I-R-O, speaks. S-P-E-A-K-S dot com. And my Instagram is at officially underscore Cairo, C-A-I-R-O. So good. Okay. So I'm going to break up this little goal for you. Please. You have 5,000 students that you want to impact by June of 2023. So that means that if you start in January, people, uh, Cairo and Raina um, need to impact about 278 students per month. If yes. that, they push back into into March, then obviously the number changes by the month. However, mm-hmm. they are providing these resources uh, at no cost for the students. So mm-hmm. they are going to need the support of women who are willing or men cool dudes who are willing to have a ripple effect in the world. And this is a very tangible way of doing it. So please make sure that you check out Cairo. If you didn't hear the episode with Raina Rose, she was uh, the previous episode. And again, I wanted to 
Um, you know, I met Cairo after I recorded with Raina. And the reason I wanted to share these episodes in December, I am bringing you episodes of amazing single women who are making an impact in the world in their own little way and letting you know that, you know, we don't have to wait for the right time for us to do the right thing. We don't have to wait till we're married, till we're older, till we're younger. You know, life is short. Go out and live it. Live your purpose and find what your mission is and fulfill it. So with that, Cairo, thank you so much for visiting Casa de Confidence. Um, will you be back? I would love to. As Perfect. long as Casa de Confidence's doors are open, oh, I'll, please, I'll walk girl. right in. <laughs> and when you come to Connecticut, we'll even have wine for you. Okay. Oh my gosh. I love it. As long as there's like a little Prosecco. I don't have my crown on. Oh, so you know what you should. You, okay. So my friend Erica, um, she, this is her signature drink and I'm going to recommend it to you. Okay. She drinks Prosecco mm-hmm. with a splash of Saint Germain. It is delightful. Next okay. time you're out, tell your bartender you want some Prosecco with a splash of Saint Germain, which is elderflower liqueur. It's delicious. Okay. I'm writing that down. And also we have um, audio and recorded uh, That's right. content. I will come back to this <laughs> without a doubt. Thank yes. you so much for having me. Well, I'm thank you so, so much, Cairo. <laughs> and don't forget, go confidently in the direction of your dreams. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Confident You Radio. This is Julie DeLuca Collins, and I am thrilled that you are joining us for this special programming and episode. You know what? We are getting into the holiday season, and one of the biggest things that I want you to do is to feel confident, feel confident in your own skin, feel confident about finding peace in the middle of chaos, feel confident about living in your purpose and really going out and sharing your goodness into the world. So for this wonderful summit, I actually have gathered some of the incredible individuals that have visited our Casa, Casa de Confidence, and they are here to share with you specifically some of the things that have worked for them. These conversations are designed to inspire you to go from a chaotic life to peace, to be able to learn to love and accept yourself, no matter what the circumstances are, to ensure that you love yourself before you expect to get the love from others. I am also sharing an incredible conversation in which you are going to learn how to turn your voice and your challenges into your victories, because we all have these challenges. We all have these things that pop up that you know, if we allow them, will keep us down. But I want you to know that comparing yourself to others is definitely the recipe for failure. So today in this wonderful summit, we are talking about how to be able to use your voice for change. I am also sharing with you a great interview with someone because we want to go ahead and overcome perfectionism. We want to really come into our own and we want to great, you know, be the queen of our life and wear our crown really regally 
while serving others. Because let's be face it, all of us are always going to be serving others. We're females, we're givers, we're, we're individuals who, if you're tuning in, you're a lot like all of us that want to just be of service. And I encourage you to remind yourself that you have this crown. So today I'm bringing you these incredible women, um, Kyra Eubanks, who has a vision for creating a global community of student leaders. I am bringing you Christina Gonzalez, the Curvy Girl um, Coaching, Chaos from Peace, oh, from Peace to Chaos, or vice versa, with Connie Graff, and also Raina Axelbird, Finding Your Voice. Thank you for tuning in, and make sure that you follow Casa de Confidence and Confident You Radio. Stay tuned for this wonderful programming. Welcome again to another episode of the Casa de Confidence podcast. I have with me Becky Smoke, and I had the pleasure of courting her through and building a relationship with her in Clubhouse. I happen to really love her insights, her wisdom, her way in which she is always looking to evolve, become better, but also teach others. And she is got some really exciting things cooking. So I want to introduce her and have her just tell us who she is and, you know, welcome to Casa. Thank you. Dude, that was clever. I like that. I like it. And that <laughs> well just done. came out. I just pulled it out of, you know, where... <laughs> Those are the best. I always enjoy when I get those. And then I just have to like pause and be like, that was really good. That was really good. I know. Just like give that moment. Um, No, I, you know, it's fun. And I really love that you said you courted me. I haven't been courted in. I did. I I wanted you since I've heard you. I think what you were talking about, it was a book room with Kate. And I was like, she would be such a great guest. Yeah. yeah. And sometimes I think to myself, this is going to be such a great guest. And then, you know, the attention deficit of all shiny by the time I get to like, oh, I should write an email. I should. And, and I have like a list of people that I keep in. Um, although I may want you more than somebody else that maybe I met a week ago, I, I actually go down the list and I write the emails and say, or the messages and say, Hey, I was wondering if blah, 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 blah. So, but yeah, I I wanted to have you. And I know that we talked about you coming into the podcast and we were trying to find the right time. And then I got COVID. So we had to put that off and I still have that sexy COVID voice going on. (laughs) No, it's really nice. Honestly, like, thank you. uh, We have a cold going around the house and I was like, thinking maybe I was getting it and I was like, Ooh, like I'll have a good voice for this, but no, I just have like, no, you sound great. No, I know. I just get like, I just have the sneeze, which then like makes me remember that like I had an 11 pound baby. Um, every time I do sneeze, I'm like, well, well, I haven't had any babies. And let me tell you, this coughing has, uh, you know, left me with like, Oh, that's a situation. All right. So, Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I can't wait to stop coughing. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that's brutal no like so the the book that i had talked mm-hmm. about was the boy the mole the fox and the horse yeah and i have a stack of these books in my house and i just like constantly giving them to people anyone who needs it it's mm-hmm. it's have you gotten it yet i have so okay hold on a minute let me see my coach actually sent me the book when you were talking about it i don't even know hold on is it in here no, I must have put it. I must have put it in the bookshelf. Um, 
he's very good. Like he, he, I don't know if he heard me talking about it. Um, and he's not on clubhouse. Um, but he's very good. Like once I would say like a quarter, I usually get a gift from him and it's like either a book or he sent me an avocado plant. I, my tripod, he sent me. The growing avocado can't grow that inside because it will not winter well in Connecticut. So yes, I'm, I have it inside. It's been almost a year since I got it. And I I do not do well with plants. And he he named he he's in Florida. My coach is in Florida and he grows oh. them in Florida. And so I get, first of all, I got this um I got this bag and it was dirt. I'm like, what the hell is this? What do I need dirt for? And then I got another package and it was actually the pot. I'm like, okay. I'm like, and he's like, did you get my gift? And I said, yes. But, you know, I didn't like, I was going to ask like, what do I do with it? And I thought maybe, um, and, and he's like, you know, I really hope that, you know, you continue to grow. And this is a symbol of, you know, you're I'm like, well, okay, that's nice. And I, and people hear me talk about all the time about how I, I don't grow any plants. I have two plants that I've had. I'm not even going to say how long because um, I'm going to jinx them and they're going to die. Yeah, and no, all my plants are called petunias. And this is petunia one and three, because I am probably, I have purchased petunia 10 by now, but they end up just dying. So now this avocado tree, finally, the thing came and it came in a, like a tube from FedEx. Looked like a poster. I opened it and it's like the stick with the little thing wrapped in a paper towel. Like, okay. And he's like, you got to plant that. It's a money tree. And I was like, oh my God, you're making me plant something. This is going to die. It's like, don't think that way. Just plant it. All you have to do is put it in the ground. And I did. And for a long time, it was just like a stick. And it was very indicative of my business too, because for a long time, my business was just like, okay, it's just there, but like nothing is blossoming. And then all of a sudden it got a little tiny sprout of a leaf. And I'm like, oh my God, I better really pay attention to this and take care of it and make sure that I'm doing, is it getting enough sun? Is it getting enough water? And then it's it grew another and another. And then... I was like, whoa. And that I noticed like within the parallel of my business, I was getting clients. I was, you know, moving along. I'm like, this is so great. And then all of a sudden the leaves started to die and fall. I'm like, I'm killing it. Shit. (laughs) And anyhow, but now it's, I think it needs to be replanted to a larger pot and it is inside and it is in, in, it faces south. It's like I wonder where our windows in the living room where there's more light. But mm-hmm. some of the leaves are about this big. And some of the oh. leaves are this small. And it's really, really, really tall. And it's just a stick. I'll send you a picture of it. It's very odd for sure. Yeah. At, at some that's that's really cool. Now my question is like when the leaves are starting to die, like were you struggling your business? Like is this like a voodoo doll? I want like when one of the leaves died, I lost a, a, my first wow. high ticket client, um, and I lost her not because you know she didn't like working with me, but um, she was diagnosed with cancer, and she's like, uh, I really you know 
Um, and, and it's the second time that, you know, it was a reoccurring cancer and she was really struggling. And she's like, I can't, my business is not my first focus right now. And although, you know, she had worked with me for six months and she had gone on a month to month program, I really understood, you know, and, and then the second leave, um, there was a company that I was working with and then they said, you know, this has been great, but we really can't afford, you know, your services anymore. I'm like, oh, okay. So I'm, I'm very, um, I forget what the word is. I, I, and, and it drives my head, uh, superstitious. I, I, I'm like, I, I'm like, is that a sign? Drives my husband crazy. Um, and then when, when the leaves started to grow, I was like, oh my God. Okay. Keep the eyes on the prize. And sure enough, like it's blossoming and it's growing. And I have some amazing clients that I'm working with. There's so many opportunities that have come up. Um, but yeah, it's, it's so, I, yeah, okay. I make those connections. Mm-hmm. There, like, Julie and the magic avocado tree. You know, you got your tree yeah. going. It's it's interesting. And he does, he sends those to everyone. And in his, um, he's made a video. I don't know if it's in his Facebook page, but in his, he made a video where he's talking about growth and what it takes to grow and what it takes to nurture relationships and the same thing with plants. And he has all the little starter seeds that he has of the avocados and he sends those to he actually has a client one of the people that um he was a guest on the podcast he was living in um south africa when he started working with trevor and he sent them the avocado tree and now he went back to la he brought his avocado tree with him so it's it's fun it's fun to see that well it's kind of well and and not to like shit on your superstition because like we all have our thing right but it's almost that that confirma- confirmation bias, like working in your favor. Like the more specific you are in something, the more universal it is, mm-hmm. right? Okay, so like if I like am talking to a group and I reference like loading the dishwasher, like being very specific of that, chances are somebody's been on either the side of having loaded it wrong and someone being mad at them or being the one that's mad at the person loading it wrong, <laughs> you know? And it's just like, getting really specific and we just, yeah, make it yeah. fit. So your avocado tree, like, yeah, you know, it was fit that or it has magical powers. And, it may um, have magical powers. I, I, I yeah, you better name the lead with your clients. Yeah. And then like, if one starts to Ooh. die, you can call your client be like, okay, a couple things, get to the doctor right yeah. away. <laughs> Don't like watch where you walk. Like, yeah. Right. I know. That right. Oh my but God. Uh, no, that's, I, I that's fun. Um, I have no idea how we were talking about why we were talking about the tree. Because we, we started talking about the book and how he sent me the book. Oh, and he sent you the tree. There you go. So, so Becky, why don't you tell people about who you are and what you do? Where do you live? And yeah, tell us more about you. Yeah. Well, as an avocado rancher, I, um, (laughs) (laughs) I love it. No, I, you will not be getting one of my avocado trees. So I live in Iowa and, and what I, what I do is um, it, it's interesting because you've caught me at a part point in the business where it's really transitioned um, a lot. So I run a cooking school. That's how it started about nine years ago. I got diagnosed with type one diabetes, started really looking at what I was eating. I always um, 
grown up in a household where we ate like organic food and stuff. And I kind of went on a deep dive of like, what is actually like what's healthy, right. Versus what is just marketing. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I I started a cooking school at Becky's Mindful Kitchen. And I did cooking classes for adults and kid camps. And, you know, two years ago, we built a whole new house and a commercial kitchen in the basement. We have, and we started building out this entire like adventure playground in the timber, you know, goats Mm -hmm. and chickens, farm, all that. I love that. Behind all of that, though, was this um, underlying like secret that I was carrying and the fact that like for 20 plus years, I have been dealing with an eating disorder of some sort. Mm. So I was hospitalized with anorexia when I was uh, you know, 13 years old. <laughs> and then um, that developed into bulimia. And that, that secret was just preventing me from really doing what I wanted to do and, and speak in the way I wanted to, mm. because here I was running a mindful cooking school and talking about like mindful cooking and mindful eating. And right. then like, you know, fingers down the throat, head yeah. on the toilet four times a day. So I felt like a very much a hypocrite and I mm-hmm. didn't like feeling that way. And there's a lot of shame with that. Um, and I, and I struggled so much yeah. to, to try to get under control to no avail. And it was, this feeling of 20 years of, you know, studying and, and therapy and all this stuff and feeling like I had all these tools in my toolbox, mm-hmm. but no key to get into that toolbox. And it was just driving me bonkers. Um, this uh, March of 2020, I don't know if you remember, but like a pandemic came to town. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, yeah. It's, you know, some people still, still remember those. Yeah. Yeah. Those and, and, you know, some, some, in some places it's overextended. They're welcome. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much everywhere. Um, so what, and um, so COVID hits and me being who I am, I'm like, yeah, you know, this seems like a really good time to like totally go into recovery and stop this like 20 year, mm. um, you know, dance with bulimia because like, how can a pandemic be like an extra stressful time in anyone's life? Like let's do my version of sobriety at the right. same time. But it, it honestly worked because mm-hmm. here was a time when like the, it was so, the gravity right, of like, getting sick right. because I have a daughter who has lung issues like that. Like mm-hmm. I'm like, I can't be screwing with my health. Yeah. Also, I couldn't go to the grocery store with the same ability I could. Like I also like my ways, my kids were home, my ways of like keeping this a secret, mm-hmm. like we're, we're gone. I'm like, all right. Yeah. You like, were, you were in a place it, where you were so exposed and uh, in, yeah. in, in the routines that um, kept, you know, the behavior that you've had for so long, all of a sudden, um, you know, are you, you know, you, you didn't, you didn't have a place necessarily to, really hold it under, under wraps. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, so, you know, like I, I took it on and then, you know, I got to the point where um, I'm, I'm a big fan of vulnerability, but I'm a bigger fan of um, making sure that you own your story before mm. you, you share it and yep. you, you don't be vulnerable. Um, you know, if, if someone's reaction to your story is going to impact you mm-hmm. and how you feel about yourself, yeah. then you sharing it so so true oh my god that that, i i want people to hear that again and i think that sharing your story it has to come from a place in which you own it right yeah and well and and not be affected yeah people are going to have an opinion about your story 
And you should be okay with not caring about what that opinion is. Yeah. No, if, if you're, if your mindset, if you're, if you're any of your emotions, if your happiness is dependent on someone's reaction, mm. honestly, in any case, then yeah. you ought to keep your mouth shut. Yeah. Um, Agreed. So it was waiting till I got to that point. And then I, you know, posted it mm-hmm. on my Facebook page yeah. and made it public. As soon as I did that, leading up to that, Julie, I'd started making a transition of like writing about mindfulness before then, mm. like social media was like random photos here and there right. of like a class. And that was it. Um, I started writing about it. And then I, as soon as I will share my story of my struggle with bulimia and, and all that, it legitimized so much what I was saying. I, my fear of like, oh no, people are going to think like I'm a fraud. It was really the opposite. Instead, like, yeah. it was like, oh, okay. Like she's not just like spouting off this mindfulness crap, having never like applied it to her own life or right. never had it struggled. Yeah. And I said, that's when like the business are shifting. And mm-hmm. so now Yes, I still do cooking classes. Yes, I still do like events out here for kids and we have mm-hmm. wood fire pizza oven. It's so fun. Where my purpose and passion lies has been in more of the realm of holding these workshops on like mindful leadership, mm-hmm. on storytelling, um, working yeah. with queens and teens on you know mental health, going to businesses about leadership. Mm-hmm. Um, what's kind of like different about my approach is um, it's all based in the philosophy of stoicism mm, and yeah. um, so, uh, stoicism is like so misunderstood. I always feel bad. It's like that, like misunderstood kid in high school. Yeah. Um, and it also like a lot of times um, being a stoic is seen like, same, like for men, right? There's not a lot of female stoics right. out there. And so I'm a bit odd in that, in that way, a bit of a misfit. But it's been really fun to open people's eyes to stoicism mm-hmm. and show like it doesn't mean you are void of emotion because like yeah, and that's the misconception know. people have that stoicism is about not having any emotion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and instead it's about like the idea of like again going back to that owning right mm-hmm. of responding not reacting like emphasizing like making sure your emotions and emotions you have are helping you and not hurting you. Right. Absolutely. That's, I think that key thing. And, but yeah, like that's huge. I think, um, you know, with, um, with an eating disorder or any type of, um, behavior, um, there, there's something that gets us going. Right. And I, I mean, I think one of the things that I've been dealing on the other, side of the coin, you know, weight has always been an issue for me. Um, I've never considered myself as having, being overweight. It's really weird, right? But I am. And I lost 40 pounds, but through the pandemic, I gained a lot of it back because I fell off my, um, my routines and I started to fall back into bad habits. Um, but the mindfulness piece, right? And, and for me, when I overeat is because I'm looking for that buffer on the emotions that I'm not looking to see. Yeah. And I think that this is um, when I am really paying attention to, you know, what's bothering me, what's going on, then it's easier for me to stay focused on, you know, how do I nurture my body? How do I um, do the things that make sense for me? I started, you know, exploring clean eating, because I have an autoimmune and I know what my body feels like 
when I'm not eating things that nurture my, me as opposed to, you know, and, and yes, we, we can go down that rabbit, but whole for you in the posts that I've seen on your Facebook group, um, you know, you, you, or even your post on Instagram, because, and, and again, it's the storytelling piece of it that you are seeing, you're letting people see into you and there's a rawness to it. But I think that you're also allowing people to say, I can see myself in the overarching theme of what she's writing about. And that's really touching. Well, and I appreciate that. And I like, and I know, you know, as you said, like the idea of the mindfulness in recognizing like, oh, okay, this is what this is doing for me. And Mm -hmm. one thing with what I teach and when I talk to groups, it's about making it like approachable and practical mm-hmm. and sustainable. I feel like mindfulness is a word that's thrown out there and yeah. a little bit of it's like it's kind of demystifying. Like what is mm-hmm. what does mindfulness mean? I don't do yoga. Like mm-hmm. I like I have tried, I injure myself with yoga worse than I do with jujitsu. Like I do jujitsu, mm-hmm. I'm good. Yoga, yeah. like I'm out for weeks. I've, it's and I don't meditate either on the standard mm-hmm. way. It's recognizing like what, you know, mindfulness Mindfulness is simply just like awareness, right? right and being and present. Me, yeah. And, and for me, with they sort of recognizing like, oh, okay, bulimia, like I spent all this time battling it, right? Mm-hmm. Like seeing like, oh, I got to get over, I got to get through it, all that. And recognizing like, oh, okay, like she's, she's a really good friend. She's trying to protect me. And recognizing mm-hmm. like a lot of times these things we see as like our vices, like they're trying to protect us. Yeah. And, and it's so when I start feeling really triggered and like, you know, trending in that way towards that, it's I'm gonna pause and be like, okay, awesome. Hey, thanks for the heads up that I mm-hmm. am overwhelmed or anxious about something. Right. You know, like now I know, like it's a great friend in the sense of like alerting me to things. Right. And and then just, you know, taking that approach with like fear, with all those things that anxiety, everything we see as negative. I hold through mm-hmm. the three part series on kind of like hello, anxiety, my old friend, like recognizing like, yeah. hey, like anxiety can be there for you. Right. You cannot let it like, I'm always like, okay, welcome it into the house. Like, mm-hmm. not, like let it in, but make sure you establish the house rules right. and anxiety not establishing it, you know, mm-hmm. um, with that. But it's, you know, a lot of people have said like, okay, what are you going to do? Like you run a cooking school, like how you change the name of your business. Like, are you not? And I'm like, no, no, no. I'm like, the kitchen, mm-hmm. it's a place of gathering, right? Yeah, for sure. You don't have to even like eat in the kitchen to have like really amazing conversations in that yeah. kitchen. And My kitchen really is where we probably, you know, like I said to you earlier, we come in through the house and using the back door, which is right. We don't even have a mud room. We just come in right into the kitchen, but the kitchen is where we, talk. We have a lot of conversations where we have our little dance parties. Um, we, um, you know, just laugh a lot. Um, so yeah, it's, it's such a central place and it's where things are made. And I think that if you're designing a new life, if you're designing, refiguring out how to manage your mind, the kitchen is a great place to come up with that. It's like, uh, um, you know, I when I used to teach and I used to train teachers, 
um, I used to encourage them to do to do a lot of cooking activities to teach math. And I think that um, this is, you know, or teach science. And I think that, you know, our life, things need to add up in a certain way. And in our life, we also have to have the right combination of things that create an outcome that we want. And all of that can happen in the kitchen for sure. So I love that that's your brand. And I love that that's what you're doing. Exactly. And like with, especially with kids, um, you know, because I'll have a couple hundred kids each summer come through and throughout the year, (laughs) you know, a few thousand kids are coming through here and they all know that they're not, if they screw up, like they're not allowed to start over again. So like my rule is, is like, you don't get to dump it. Partially it's because like, I don't want to pay for more ingredients, right? Like Mm -hmm. that's just a, I'll tell them that like, you guys are eating my inventory as it is because you just spilled an entire gallon of milk. But um, it's uh, saying like, hey, where, like, where did you script? Okay, let's make something new out of it. Like, mm-hmm. we're not going to like, okay, we're no longer making this, you know, whatever right. the recipe was. Let's turn this into something else. How do we fix it? Yeah. And because like in life, like we don't get to home. It's just like, you know, hit like restart, right? You know, <laughs> kids are playing all these video games where you have how many different lives and you get to right. just like start over again. Yeah. Like, no, that's how it works. We, we got it. And so that's where like my, I bring in the stoicism mm-hmm. of the, you know, my favorite phrase, there's kind of like two that I repeat every day to myself. And one of it is the amor fati. Amor fati is Latin for like embrace your fate. Mm-hmm. So like, like, all right, like, like not just even like accept it, but right. like love it. Love it. Like, embrace it. Like, yeah. Like, yeah. Like, this happened to me. All right. I'm going to love this and find a way, right, to turn mm-hmm. that obstacle into an opportunity. And, yeah. and the other one comes from, a great story from Teddy Roosevelt. Um, I'm a big fan of, of Teddy Roosevelt. I'm just like learning about his ways. Definitely had some things I don't agree with, but that's mm-hmm. how it goes with right? um, But he tells a story of being on this hunting trip in Montana mm-hmm. and like everything's going badly. Like everything that could go wrong is going wrong. And he has a friend with him. At one point, you know, the weather's turning and, you know, Teddy looks at the weather and he says his friend, like, oh, I'd rather it wouldn't storm. And his friend who's just whistling around Long, you know, stops whistling, turns to Teddy and says, well, I guess we aren't getting our rathers on this trip, are we? And then mm. goes back to whistling. And the idea of like, we're not getting our rathers right. is something I speak to my kids all the time. Yeah. <laughs> like, we don't always get our rathers. We get mm. what we get. And so yeah. like, how do we, how do we work that? Yeah. And that idea of like, you know, that process over the outcome, right? Understanding what's in our control and what's not. We have a habit of thinking we're in control of a lot more things than we are, oh, right? For sure, and for sure. So much of our anxiety is based on those externals. And so if you're able to break down what can I actually control, your anxiety just like almost, you know, it just it dissipates, right? It mm-hmm. dilutes it. Yeah. And, and with that, like always practicing, like what could go wrong? I am like the person, I'm all, I'm, always looking at every single thing that could go wrong mm-hmm. being what are those things I can, you know, what can you control? For? What is the control yeah. in your environment? And, and exactly. here's, I think I want to unpack a couple different things that you said. Um, I think that when, you know, you're doing these cooking classes, um, what a great lesson in mindset uh, in a growth mindset for your, mm-hmm. for your kids. Right. Because, this is what happens in life. 
we're not always going to do the right thing or have the right ingredients or, and maybe we intended to X, Y, Z, but life is like for me, right? I didn't intend to go to a speaking engagement, come back and have COVID, but what can I do to control what's going on, right? And how can I still show up? And if, even if I can't achieve what I set out for X, Y, Z because of the circumstances, how can I make this work for me? And how can I make the best of it? And I think that that's something that people don't focus because they're trying to control the things that are outside of their control instead of trying to control themselves, their thoughts, their actions, and the results that they're going to get from the actions they take. And the same honestly goes with cooking with, you know, and, and honestly for most of it, like we do a lot of like um, fire starting and archery and stuff like that. Ooh, with the so mindfulness cool. stuff. Um, Cause like archery is a huge good example of what's in your control and what's not. And same with starting fires. Um, but uh like safe fires. Um, but when I'm doing the kitchen, one thing I always tell people is like, Hey, like in this really life, like what is success for you is very different than someone else. So like what you mm-hmm. think tastes good yeah. is going to be very different than what I think tastes good. So when oh, for sure. I tell people like all, most of my recipes I teach are just like a base recipe. I'm like, okay, now you have to customize it to fit your taste. Yeah. Or if someone says like, Oh, like the idea this is way too spicy, you know, or I didn't like it, it was too spicy. You know, I was like, okay, well, cool. Like, if you know you don't like spicy foods, like, why did you put that much pepper in? Right. You know, like, recognize, like, you do not blindly follow, mm. like, somebody else's recipe. Yeah, like, just- I, I'm not very good at following recipes. <laughs> uh, I'd like to bake. I'd like to cook. But for me, like, I'll, my husband laughs at me because I'll I, every Christmas or Christmas Eve, we typically have an open house and I make, and I pull up these recipes uh, that I plan out a month in advance. And then when I start to make them, I'm like, yeah, I'm not adding that, or I'm going to add this or, and they really are my recipes now uh, because I, I customize them. Um, but when you were saying that as well, you know, I, I, my husband made a chili, I don't know, maybe like a couple months ago. And he was so proud of himself. He was like, this is delicious. And I went and I tasted it. I was like, oh my God, it is so, and I like spicy. I I can't even put that in my mouth. And he's like, do you like it? I'm like, no, it's awful. He's like, what? I'm like, yeah, I'm not eating that. I'm not. And and it's the thing that, um, and then he stood on his ground. He's like, well, I think it's the best thing I've ever made. And I'm like, good for you. And that's, I think, what happens, right? Take the ingredients that life gives you, figure out, you know, maybe there is a guide, but make it your own. Because I think that you are going to be so true to you by adding the things that make sense for you in whatever situation. No, it, it, yeah. I mean, it's it's funny how people get very, especially kids too, like they want the recipe, right? They want to know right. how much. And how much? like- I like piss people off because I'll be like, all right, because sometimes I'll teach classes and I do like my online ones, my public, they're all free. So I did like 200 last year during COVID. Oh my God, that's amazing. It was like, I I won't do that again. That was a lot. Um, But they start up again for free next month. But I'll say, okay, like put a, like a, you know, I have my own measure, like, you know, a dollop, right. Or like a (laughs) glug and like, I'll give them approximate measurement, (laughs) but I am you know, I'm a bit of an asshole and that like, I will I not get exactly what you're wanting. Um, because it's not about, I don't want you to follow a recipe. I want you to figure out for yourself yeah. what 
so it works for you. And it's just the same thing of like, it's that mindfulness, right? Of recognizing like, okay, like taste it. A lot of people don't taste why they cook. And um, one thing I always tell people is like a great mindfulness exercise is if you're making something, put all the seasoning in, except for the salt, uh-huh. taste it, and then add the salt and taste again. I'm going to have the to try salt that. Allows you, the salt allows you to actually taste all the flavors, right? Mm. Um, before, you also, you'll taste the oregano, you'll taste the garlic, you'll taste the flavors. So figure out for yourself in your life, like, what is your salt? Like, what is it mm. in your life that allows everything else to all of a sudden, like, be more vibrant, right? Like, mm. what is it that when it's not there, life's kind of like, nah. But when you have that, when you find your salt, life gets pretty beautiful. Oh my God. I, I love that. So I'm going to have to try that. That is so really awesome. Fun. I think that, you know, and, and going back to what you were talking about with the whole mindfulness approach and, you know, realizing that it's not necessarily sitting on a, on a, you know, meditation pillow and clearing your mind and going, um, if that's your jam, more power to you. But for those people who are intimidated by this whole mindfulness process, you know, mindfulness for me, do I meditate? Sure. But my mindfulness moment that I really look to every afternoon to incorporate into my day is I make a cup of tea and I really am present in watching the water heat up and listening. And then when I pour that into my either teacup or teapot and just pouring the water and watching the water go and then putting the tea in and then I'm using honey these days because of my throat, but typically don't. But all that moment of just being really aware to the senses, the watching the water, listening, um, it's a mindful moment. And then when I bring it back, whether I sit here or in the send-in, I you know, taking that first sip and being really in that moment, because that's my little break opportunity to just reconnect. And that mindfulness is something that helps me reset. And when we allow ourselves, you know, the things that we do every day to just create this moment where you're really in the moment, as opposed to like, oh, being on the, uh, texting someone while you're making your tea or you know, talking to someone while you're trying to wash the dishes, but just really creating these um, routines and rituals can make you a little more peaceful and present in your life. Oh, I love that. It's such a wonderful practice you yeah. do. I, I guess it's, that's really good. And like, I um, I do that somewhat with it because I'll give them like a raisin mm-hmm. or a blueberry, right? Yep. And out. It's like, okay, don't chew it yet. Like first, get, what do you what do you feel? Right? Right. Like, what is it? Yep. Awake the senses in a different way. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's a lot of fun to do that. And I think one thing I've run into, especially with like teens and then honestly with like um, a lot of businesses and entrepreneurs, it's like that issue of mimetic desire, right? Mm. Like we think ourselves like, oh, I, I want to do this. I really do. Cause we do see what's working for someone else. Right. Like we see like, oh, they're doing that and Alex Ray, like, I really want to do that. And <laughs> taking that step back and saying like, okay, what is it that really brings me joy? So that idea of that salt right. is like, you can start recognizing like what things like, <laughs> what ingredients do you have in your recipe that mm-hmm. actually are not really doing anything to make it taste better? What are those yeah, extra ones? That's yeah. so, that's and, so true. Um, Becky, you know, there's one story um, 
that, you know, and I, I told you about this when you first posted it on Instagram. Um, but I'd love for you to share a little bit of the story with your daughter and the baby check, because I think that this is such, and I, I think I talked about this on the podcast at one point. Um, because so Yes, you did. And this is a funny okay. thing. Okay. So I was this way, right? Like the world happens in weird ways. Um, I was listening to that episode. It was, it was with Molly Dare. And so I said, yeah, Molly. And I was like, oh, I love Molly. I was like, I'll listen to it. So I was listening to it. And I got to that point where you mentioned that story with my daughter. Well, that <laughs> day, my daughter was working. She had to write a story for English class. And <laughs> it had to be where you learned a lesson. And she was writing that story. It was really? never writing it down herself. And that same day that I listened to your podcast, we referenced it. And so I played it for her. And uh-huh. like her, like she was just, uh, the you know, that, that smile that kids right, get. Right. Like, like, don't want to look like they're like so incredibly impressed and blown away. They want to like still look cool about it. But really <laughs> they're like, what? Um, so the story is, is my daughter, uh, she was, we had um, all baby, like 24 baby chicks. And they're mm-hmm. only like, three or four days old and they're in this tiny like a smaller coop and she had her cousin on FaceTime who lives in California so she's trying to show him it so she has her phone in there and she's walking through kind of crashed over and she sees this little chick run right in front of her and she thought that like she just couldn't stop it in time and her foot landed on it and she felt it crunch underneath her foot and I'm downstairs Honestly, I think I'm clubhouse. Um, and <laughs> she comes running in and like calling me. I run up and she has this baby chick in her hand. And it's this white baby chick. And there is there's blood coming out of his beak. It is like, I look, I'm like, dude, I'm like, she's like, I need to save it. She's like, I stepped on it. I need to save it. I have to solve this problem. And I looked at her and just said, hon, I don't think, I think this one's past being saved. And <laughs> she just looked at it. She was like, no. She's like, I have to make this right. And she acknowledged in that moment, she was, I know, mom, I know it won't, it may not live. She's like, I get it. I know that I have to do something. And so I'm like, all right, do it. What do we need? You know, and she went, she got, she got gone. She went down, she grabbed the 18 gauge needle. Like we've had injured animals, chicks before mm-hmm. from like camp kids squeezing them too hard. Um, so we know like girls see that they okay, had the collapsed lungs. So right. she got to work doing it and she just, she did it. And what what struck me so much was like, she just, she was able to make that jump between saying like, I like, I screwed up, right? Mm -hmm. This like, it's on me recognizing that like, you know, there's that quote of like, it doesn't like, we don't help ourselves by bemoaning our troubles, right? Like, right. We don't do anything. Like there's no use in bemoaning trouble. Like we don't make any better. Get to the action. And so she was able to skip that whole little chunk of time. Most of us like beat ourselves up. Yeah. Right. And like, or we try to like dump it on someone else, you know, say like, oh, it's a chick's fault. Like, oh, or like, this is too small. Like we immediately try to blame someone else. Right. So she accepted it and moved on and got to work. And I was watching this and I just felt this like feeling like I wish so badly yeah. that at age 10 or oops, 11, uh, <laughs> I knew, I, I knew how to sidestep shame. Yes. And, and blame. that's a big lesson at that age, because like, I remember at that age, I, I, I it, it's probably one of the things that has haunted me for a while. You created an environment for your daughter where 
it was acceptable to not only make a mistake, but fix it. And in, mm-hmm. in, in, I think that in our world, we're so afraid of people's reactions because we have been created environments where it's okay and we get a badge for failing. We live in, an, in, in a world where we get the badge for getting the A on the test and not for actually attempting the test. And I think that that's a big, a big, um, you know, thing that allowed her to move forward. And we need to create these environments. But I love that whole story in how yeah, um, you know, it unfolded. Built from yeah, well, I appreciate it. Yeah, it, it made her. It it was a uh, and she got she did get an A on her story, which she was really proud oh, good for of. her. Um, and it's so funny because she, she got she's like I got an A. She's like, but I know Mama's not what really matters. Um, <laughs> followed up about like, but. Uh, she, it's the idea like confidence is built not by like the matches we win, right? Yes. Like if you're going to like that arena, it, it's built by the ones we lose. Like it's that idea, like you know, I love the Seneca quote of like you know, I judge you misfortunate because you've never lived through misfortune. Mm. You've never been challenged. You've never had the opportunity to know what you're capable of, right? And and it's just you know, it's that going out and choosing to to see those things as like, all right, like I got this. Mm -hmm. And if I don't get it, like if I fail miserably, like I'm going to fail successfully. You know, it's that over and over again. And I hear so many people like they, they use the word hope. I get like very grumpy (laughs) about the word hope um, because I'm like, hope is not a plan. No, it's not a plan at all. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like some people, like I always say, like you're hoping so you don't have to do like, Mm -hmm. no, do don't hope. And yeah. it's looking at like, where are you actually making those steps? And so when I work with, you know, teenagers and I look, work with adults in these businesses, it's like, okay, they'll say like, oh, I really want to be X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. Well, how are you going to do that? Or, well, I hope to do that. No, like, no, make a like, plan. Oh. Um, yeah. We need to celebrate also, you know, the, the people that choose the hard. Because choosing the hard is sometimes what we run away from. We, we, we don't choose the pain. We don't choose the, 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 you know, I've said this before, you know, the currency to our dreams is that the, the challenges or, or, the, or, or the pain that we go through. That is the currency that we have to pay to get the things that we want. And the more that we allow ourselves to build the skills through failure, the easier it is going to be to be more motivated and confident to continue to move forward. But we need to make yeah. it a point. And, and we, we don't live in a society. So I love that you're teaching individuals that. I love that you're setting the environment for that. It's, it's, so, the, it's so counterintuitive. The sign behind me, you can't read because it's like backwards. But it says, don't be afraid to take whisks. And here's the story behind why like this is actually like the idea of like choosing hard. So I, when I was younger, had a speech impediment, right? Mm-hmm. And where I say my R's as W's, okay. which really sucks when your name is Rebecca Russo. So I was Rebecca Russo my entire childhood, right? Mm-hmm. Like now as an adult, I'm like, that's the cutest thing ever as a kid. Not so cute. Not so cute. Um, so, so I would have said risks as whisks. Mm. Um, and so when I came on, when I said I didn't have this, when I made this sign, I was like, oh, that's so clever. And then like, I didn't take the time to realize 
But every time I say that, it like it's me honestly facing a fear because I have like a panic moment of like, oh crap, am I saying it? like because I say wisps and uh-huh. I think I'm saying it wrong, and I just like have a slight meltdown every single time. Mm. But it's a reminder to me though of like, all right, like choosing the hard. It has things as silly as like the sign you put in your kitchen yes. that like challenges you to like like live like your days of a speech impediment, you know, and, mm-hmm. and really emphasizing and really living that idea, like the impediment to action, like leads to action. Yeah. Stands in the way is the way like Marcus Aurelius, like he had it right on that one. Uh, and in choosing, you know, there's, uh, you've heard of this Hercules at the crossroads, mm-hmm. right? Yep. You know, that, yep. that, that parable is idea like Hercules, like, he chose virtue. He chose the hard path. He chose all those, you know, challenges. He could have gone the way of vice, you know, she offered him a really sweet deal. Um, but he chose hard. Yeah. And it's, and it's, and to me, that's so significant. It ties with what you said, which is so beautiful, which is the fact that it's not even just about, you know, like what comes at you turning that obstacle into opportunity it's seeking out (laughs) opportunities of obstacles right it's 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 making a conscious decision of i'm going to go this way and courage is something we need more of (laughs) i think you know i always i tell group that you know courage um courage courage is contagious calm is contagious and COVID is contagious like we want two of the three c's you know like forget about COVID let's stick with calm and courage but and that courage is in vulnerability Mm -hmm. so it's and it is in vulnerability of like owning your courageous moments right you know like people have this like fear of like talking about moments of courage because they're afraid people are gonna say like oh you're just like you know you're too big for your britches or or you're broken People are going to point out that we're broken. And I think that we're so afraid of the meaning that, you know, what are we making mean that we're broken when we really are just human? And, you know, it's it's the thought that we have about what we're doing or who, who we're, we're, we may be a beginner at something as opposed to, you know, being at an expert zone. And I think that that's a little bit of what we need to normalize more. And this is one of my aims with a podcast is to really talk about like, you know, when when someone sees your curated beautiful pictures, because you have these beautiful pictures, you um, you also have uh, the cooking classes coming up. Someone may be like, oh my God, she knows how to cook. She teaches people how to cook. This is so great. But you have to dig deeper and see that, you know, you didn't get, to where you are just randomly. You've had to struggle. You've had to learn. You've had to build something. And that takes time. And those are the things that we need to normalize, that there is time that needs to be invested into anything worth having. Yeah. Um, that's always, you know, my my way of looking at it is it's easy enough to get a flame. It's a lot harder to get a fire, right? Like mm. a flame versus fire thing. Yeah. And I always, you know, I you know, when I try to sound like, like I'm in the know when I'm talking to high schoolers, um, mm-hmm. I always like be like, you know, you can go viral really quick on like TikTok. I've learned to right. say like TikTok and I'm Instagram now because that's yeah. even, yeah. Um, but I'm like, you know, you can go viral, right? And you mm-hmm. see these people going viral. That's a flame. 
right? right. The fire is those who sustain it. Absolutely. And so many people and so many like adults too, when I do these workshops, they'll get that flame going, right? But they didn't take the time to like prep their stuff. They don't mm-hmm. have their kindling ready. They don't have everything like that. They rush to try to get to the fire because I make it all a competition, right? Right. To play to their, they're, they're so focused on winning on that outcome, right? Mm-hmm. Which is not in their control, especially when like you have someone like me come through and I'll throw in obstacles. Like I'll go and like put out their fire halfway through. Like, all right, mm-hmm. start over again, right? Like, yep. That's like, I better hope you know, you, know, you better hope you know how to prepare. So flame versus a fire and mm. fires take time. And, and yeah. also sometimes people get lucky and that mm-hmm. idea, like you don't, don't look at the person, like, don't look at the exception to the rule. Right. I always tell people like the exception to the rule, that person who is like really successful and they just got lucky, right? They haven't had to struggle. Right. It happens. They are the stunt driver that is actually driving, like makes that jump over the cliff in a movie, right? Mm-hmm. Don't follow that car because you're not making it to the other end. Right. You're not making it to the other cliff. You're falling down mm-hmm. to your death in the middle. Yeah, like, don't follow that driver. Follow the one that actually is following the detour path and like the mm-hmm. safe route. Be like, it yeah. is just, it's so I think it's so easy though, because you do see those people, right? And um, yeah, and we want to, you know, we want to see, we want to see the glory. We want to see the glory of it all. But when, and when the reality, you know, comes, like you said, like in the example of TikTok, um, uh, you know, you, someone will see your video and be like, oh, that's so awesome. But are you really having an impact in the life of somebody else? Whereas if you're showing up consistently, you're sharing uh, from a place of authenticity, you're maybe teaching something the value and someone consistently comes and watches your video every day. The impact you're making in that person's life is so much greater than someone that maybe was amused by you for a little bit, you know, and I think that that's what we forget. Um, yeah, we, we all forget that, like, yeah, like my relationship with death is a little different than some. Like, I, I'm a big fan of like thinking about it and like not being afraid of it because it's happening to all of us. Yeah, it's so, like, to really all of us. Have you? And did that, you listen to the episode with my friend Seth? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was a good one. Yeah, he's- that, yeah. That is one to listen to. Yeah, he he really is someone that. Um, that's why we get along so well. Um, because this whole concept of death and it's happening to all of us, we need to talk about it more. Um, yeah, and people but don't. It, yeah, because I mean, like it, even the person who has the most money, right? Like that, you know. Yeah. Being the stoic, great time. I'm reading all the, the works. You know, it's so amazing to have the journals of like a Roman emperor to read, mm-hmm. right? Marcus Aurelius, and he talks about like he's gonna be dead just like the person you know who, who raised the seat like all people like he's an emperor he's gonna die just <laughs> as everyone else will right, right. all they're gonna be dead at some point mm-hmm. we're really gonna end this on a high note so we're all gonna be dead um so like that's our equalizer yeah it's like you can be as big of a hit as you want but there are some really big hits thousands mm-hmm. of years ago, people that we don't even know the names of, right? Yeah. So it's not about your legacy. I'm not a fan of legacy. Mm-hmm. I think that that's outside of our control, right? Right. Just like your reputation is outside mm-hmm. of your control. Yeah. Respect outside your control. Dignity, that's in your control, right? So like uh, preparing for like, if someone's like going on a podcast, right? And you're like, okay, I'm nervous and looking at like, well, what am I nervous about? Right. What's my, am I nervous that people are going to hear me and think I'm an idiot? 
why would I be nervous about that? Like I have no control over what someone thinks. Mm-hmm. So I waste time on that. Yeah. And, and how we define success, right? You might Agreed. give a speech and you'd be like, oh man, everyone booed. It was an absolute failure, right? How do you know? Like, how do you know it was a failure? Because oh, for sure. you don't give time. Time mm-hmm. tells the truth. Give us yeah, time. And, and we don't give time enough space no. to actually no. show us the fruits of our labors. And, and I think that this is something that um, when working with entrepreneurs, I see a lot that they're looking to always, um, you know, oh, how come I try that and I didn't get this? I'm like, well, because you tried it and you got to keep trying again and you got to keep getting better at it. You can't just decide, oh, that didn't work. I need to move to the next thing. Um, mm-hmm. And that's very what important. What I ask groups of women is mostly women. Men don't, I don't fall into it. But to describe them, like who here has purchased like, like some kind of like anti-wrinkle cream or some mm-hmm. skincare product? You use it for like one week. You see no change. You assume it's pointless. Right. So you put it in the back and forth. And like everyone's going like, yeah, no, that's of course. done that. Right? Like it's like, yeah. and you see like it takes four months. You're like, well, screw that. Like we want that instant result. Yeah, for sure. Uh, it's what the world is, is making us. Um, I know that we're running out of time and I want to be oh, sensitive yeah. to you. But um, I, so I, I have a niece that it is a bagel addict. And she lives in Miami. And I was thinking, can we sign up for your for your co- your bagel cooking class? How do your classes work? Can anybody register? Tell me a little bit more about that. Okay. So super easy. Um, my online classes start November 6th. Mm-hmm. And all my classes, almost all of them are gluten-free optional too. Awesome. And I try to make sure that's an option for everyone. You, they're totally free. There's like zero hidden like, there's just no catch, like no catch to it at all. You sign up on my website. So just Becky's mindful kitchen.com and you register on zoom. Mm-hmm. The first 100 people join on zoom and okay. then everyone else can watch live on my Facebook page. Cool. So you do have to make sure you like, like my Facebook page. But what I do is I have um, an assistant watching the Facebook feed mm-hmm. and then she's letting me know what questions are happening there gotcha. um, because Dear Lord, I can't do both. Um, yeah, and then those on Zoom, those 100 people on Zoom, it's so if you know you can ask questions in the chat or like unmute and and ask me to look at your dough. Like there's almost always one. Oh my god, how in all classes where there's like, can you look at my dough? I'm like, all right, dough check time, and so we go through. And then those who can't join live, it's fine because all the classes are saved on my Facebook page, and cool. so you go back and rewatch them there. Oh my um, god, how fun! Fun. We have like up to about five thousand people joining live last winter. That's amazing. It was so. It was what was so cool about it was like you had people from around the world, right? And we're all just like connecting. So like the whole thing is a shared human experience, Mm -hmm. and I can't solve all the world problems, but for one hour, like I can like bring us together, no matter what your political beliefs, in the name of like carbohydrates. I love it. it. feels good. It feels, mm-hmm. it's fun. It's a Pixar style. So like I make very inappropriate jokes that go over the heads of children. Yeah. Usually land with the kids uh, or with adults, um, Perfect. you know, with bagels, we always have bagels do kegels. So that's mm-hmm. why you want to make sure like when you're making yeah. a bowl. Like, <laughs> if there's a class with honestly, Julie, if there's a class where there's anything with balls or nuts in it. I result to me like a 13 year old boy. Yeah. And like, 
And it's bad because people egg me on too. And then it's just, it's not, it's not professional. My web camera falls like off at least like once per hour into a pot of boiling oil. Like it is, it's fun. I love it. It sounds like it's right up my alley. Um, On the 6th, and I'm going to go register or at least register my knees. Um, But on the 6th, I am running my uh, CEO um, planning session for 2022. Uh, and I'm inviting a bunch of women business owners. But if the work, if the schedule works, then I am going to be there for that because I yes, need to that's do that. Filmed. The 20th is bagels. So make sure you can do oh, the, the 20th. 20th. Okay. So I'm going to go look. And then you're mm-hmm. doing, I saw, was it um, muffins, English muffins or scones? Yeah. So there's okay. scones. Um, and then there's, I also, what I'm doing this year, which is different is I'm, having guest instructors. I'm trying to find people who from around the country or globe who like love to bake. They don't have to be professional at all. And they Mm -hmm. have like a story, right? With their food. So it's all about the story behind it. So I have someone from Boston, outside of Boston, so your area Mm -hmm. doing a cookie dough cheesecake bars. Right. Like I know. And then um, a pie, a wonderful baker teaching Thanksgiving pies and doing English muffins. Oh, wow. You know, remind me to connect you with my friends. Um, they, um, they're called brown butter. You should check them out on Instagram, but they made, um, they, they started a pop-up bake shop throughout the last couple of years. And then every, and they started to get a following and started to like a huge demand. And I mean, their stuff is freaking unbelievable. Um, and now they're actually getting a brick and mortar, um, which is insane, but you know, they started in their kitchen at home, just baking these deliciousness and they make these things that they're my favorite. They're called crustatas and they're sort of like these crusty flaky and they do some savory and they also do like the sweet where they put like preserves or fresh fruit on them. But I like the savory because it's like um, sun-dried tomatoes and corn and oh, so good. But yeah, connect with them. Maybe you uh, guys yeah. can collaborate because they're they're super awesome. They're two sisters. Um, and they just made Dan's um, cupcakes. And, you know, they made the cake for my birthday. So we love them. Oh, my gosh. I will look. That is awesome. Yeah. I am a big fan. I'm a big fan just of taking things. If you make macarons in the classes and croissants, things that you yeah. think you probably My friend do. also makes macarons. Yeah. Did you listen to that episode? She's no, one of the first episodes. Um she wants to buy a farmhouse and actually you guys should also connect. She's in, in Illinois, uh, outside of St. Louis in, in that area, but she, I would love for her to teach in that ground class. Oh, she, she's it's probably, and I, I've been to, I've been to Paris. Her macarons are better than anything I had in, in France. They're unbelievable. Um, and she does now she has a baby that it, she's due any day now. So, but I'm going to connect you guys because she just was able to afford to buy her dream farmhouse and she's going to make a commercial kitchen. You guys should really, but check out her episode. It's, it's on, it's, she's yeah. probably my third or fourth or fifth guest. Her name is Caitlin mm-hmm. McCracken. So. I love that name. Darn, I really like that name. Yeah. Oh, it's just like, yeah, I was like, damn, you have a good name. She has you, a good name. I think what's so admirable about you and so wonderful about you is that you are able to, I don't know, you, you know, everyone I've listened to on your podcast, they bring in such a unique twist, right? Their mm. own uniqueness. And you are beautifully talented oh, thank at you. allowing someone to be themselves thank and you. you never change. 
And I think that's what I love about podcasts. I'm such a podcast junkie for the most part. It's like when the host stays the same and that consistency. And you are so consistent every time I've heard you talk about anything. I've never, like, I can hear you and be like, that's Julie. Right? Like, and and that's, that's, it's comforting. Oh, well, good. You know, what you see is what you get. I'm not perfect. And I've got a lot of uh, growing and changing and evolving to do. It's a process, right? We're all in this together. Uh, but I, I certainly, I have to give props too to Dan. If it weren't for him um, pushing me to do the podcast, because I probably have talked about it for as long as he's known me uh, or as long as podcasts have been around. And he pushed me to take the leap. And now that, you know, he is really a true partner in this endeavor. Is, um, and you have other podcasts too. It sounds like he's doing, like, yeah, I know, so he's, you might he's, get your nephew doing a podcast too. Your nephew yeah, is awesome. Yeah. So we had a lot of fun. Um, we had my niece on there as well. I think that was like, I was, I was down in Florida in April. So any t- anywhere that I go, I try to have guest uh, co-hosts. So super fun. <gasps> I think it's great. I appreciate yeah. your time. And Thank you I, for coming. And where can people find you, Becky? Um, so website works to contact me. Um, Facebook is like my Facebook page. I don't have a Facebook group that I run, but my page mm-hmm. is definitely kind of where the community is. Yeah. Instagram is kind of newer for me. As you know, I write long posts. <laughs> and so <I> love <laughs> Instagram it. has like a, an edited version of it, which mm-hmm. always like surprises me. They're like, oh my God, it's longer on Facebook. It is. Um, but it's usually better to read. Uh, so Instagram or Facebook, and then to contact me directly, you can the website, and that's where the free classes are. Yeah. So, so make sure that you check out Becky, everything that she's doing. Um, such great wisdom and insight in all her posts. The last one that um, she shared about uh, the the mouse. I oh my god! Not only was I laughing, but I was with you a hundred percent all the way. Uh, I've been there. <laughs> so go I check don't know her if you out. Saw it on Facebook. On Facebook, that that got some controversy. I had I, did. I, I saw had that. people very very angry messaging me. But um, I will say, too, I almost forgot is I will be having a free online um, like girls group for like teens and tweens. Um, oh, fun! Confidence and just and then also like another like um, teen for teens uh, mindful leadership. Course. Oh, I love so it. Online, just doing it free. I want to just mental health is important. We mm-hmm. need to be talking about it a different way. Absolutely. Um, final plug of like working with some people on bring awareness to like teenage suicide. Yeah. And so really important thing. If you are listening and anyone listening has like a teenager or, or going to be a teenager, make sure that they have the contact info of like their friends, parents, yes. and they know their friends address and they have the phone number. There was a, um, a local teenager whose life could have been saved, but his friends didn't know where he lived. Mm. They didn't have a phone number of his parents and they didn't have yes. a way to like get the cops. To so the tragic. So yeah. simple thing to do. Make sure you have that contact info. Um, yeah. And on that. That get is another a great home. message. Really ending high on, on suicide. Well, so here, here's the thing. Help. If one it life can be saved you. because of this message, it is a worth message to have. And I think that we need to um, create environments and communities where we look out for each other. The world is hard enough um, and we don't have to do it alone. We have each other as long as we're willing to step out and, and, mm-hmm. and be the light for somebody else. So 
hang out in the Casa de Confidence. That's right. So come back to Casa anytime. I'm so happy that you're here. And I will see you maybe in the clubhouse uh, streets. Thank you so much, Julie. Thank you, Becky. You're the best. Bye. Bye. Welcome to Confident You Radio. This is Julie DeLuca Collins, and I am thrilled that you are joining us for this special programming and episode. You know what? We are getting into the holiday season, and one of the biggest things that I want you to do is to feel confident, feel confident in your own skin, feel confident about finding peace in the middle of chaos, feel confident about living in your purpose and really going out and sharing your goodness into the world. So for this wonderful summit, I actually have gathered some of the incredible individuals that have visited our Casa, Casa de Confidence, and they are here to share with you specifically some of the things that have worked for them. These conversations are designed to inspire you to go from a chaotic life to peace, to be able to learn to love and accept yourself, no matter what the circumstances are, to ensure that you love yourself before you expect to get the love from others. I am also sharing an incredible conversation in which you are going to learn how to turn your voice and your challenges into your victories, because we all have these challenges. We all have these things that pop up that you know, if we allow them, will keep us down. But I want you to know that comparing yourself to others is definitely the recipe for failure. So today in this wonderful summit, we are talking about how to be able to use your voice for change. I am also sharing with you a great interview with someone because we want to go ahead and overcome perfectionism. We want to really come into our own and we want to great, you know, be the queen of our life and wear our crown really regally while serving others. Because let's be face it, all of us are always going to be serving others. We're females, we're givers, we're, we're individuals who, if you're tuning in, you're a lot like all of us that want to just be of service. And I encourage you to remind yourself that you have this crown. So today I'm bringing you these incredible women, um, Kyra Eubanks, who has the vision for creating a global community of student leaders. I am bringing you Christina Gonzalez, the Curvy Girl um, Coaching, Chaos from Peace, oh, from Peace to Chaos, or vice versa, with Connie Graff, and also Raina Axelbert, Finding Your Voice. Thank you for tuning in, and make sure that you follow Casa de Confidence and Confident You Radio. Stay tuned for this wonderful programming. Today with me, I have the pleasure of speaking to Connie Graff from Chaos to Peace. Connie, I am so thrilled that you are here. Why don't you tell us a little bit about you and what you do and who you are and where you came from? We'd love to learn more about you. Thanks, Julie. And it's such an honor to be here. Thank you so much for the invitation. 
Yeah, so who am I? That's a loaded question. <laughs> um, I am a Swiss girl, so originally from Switzerland, but living in Vancouver, Canada mm. since 2003. Um, I, I am a nature girl. So if, if you want to know anything about me, you know, like I love living on acreage. What I do mm. here now, I have horses, dogs, cats, chickens, ducks. I wake up in the morning and my ducks are laughing at me, which makes me happy. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and I help people, you know, like the, the short, the short version is like, I help people declutter and organize their life, but, but it's, I don't like the word declutter so much. So <laughs> what I actually do is I help people, um, decide what is important in their life Ooh. and then focus on that and and then the rest that clutter that chaos will fall away and this is true for physical clutter it's true for digital clutter often mm-hmm. too it's true for mental clutter which is one thing that um i think we all suffer <laughs> from oh, mental absolutely. clutter and this is one clutter that I suffered a lot from. And I still kind of like, I'm like, we are all on the journey anyways, all our lives. But I mean, if something trips me up, then it's mental clutter. Yeah. yeah. You know, I think that there is no matter how organized or precise or um, minimalist you are, I think that there is always going to be an area of your life that you're looking to improve upon. And yeah. mental clutter That's certainly something that from time to time, I have to go back and check myself because I think that um, there are those areas in which um, parts of my brain, maybe if I am not vigilant, I end up um, struggling with. And that's Mm. why for me, the mind work and really being able to manage our mind is so important. And that really aids to how well we show up in different parts. But I want to unpack some of the stuff that you said. First of all, (laughs) you live in one of my favorite cities in the world, Vancouver, Canada. Mm. I have been skiing up in Whistler Mm. and um, it's probably one of the funnest times that I've had. And I've Mm. visited Vancouver at other times as well. I've been to uh, Victoria Island as well. And it's a terrific place. So how did you end up in Vancouver from (laughs) Switzerland? (laughs) Yeah, well, thanks to my uncle. So the Mm -hmm. brother of my dad who lives here since 1969 or 68. I may get this wrong a little bit. Um, So he he moved to Canada first. Well, they went him and his wife, they went first just for a one year uh, thing, which you did back then a lot. You went a year abroad. And so Mm -hmm. they went to Montreal in the East coast of Vancouver. And then before they went home, they took a trip across country with their car and ended up in Vancouver and thought, Oh, this is beautiful. Let's just stay here for a bit longer before we go Mm -hmm. home. And over 50 years later, (laughs) they're still staying a bit longer. (laughs) And when I went through my accounting degree, um, they were having a big party in Switzerland. And he he got the commitment and the promise out of me that I will come and visit. And I'm eternally grateful (laughs) because finally I did go and visit. And I'm 
And I still remember to this day, we, he came and picked me up at the airport and we drove to his house and somehow I just felt so at home. And mm-hmm. Don't ask me why, but I was just like, oh, this feels like home. Oh, that's <laughs> so amazing. You that's know, how I ended up here. <laughs> I, I, um, I actually have a cousin that lives in Geneva. And mm. my husband and I got to spend some time. So that is the only part of Switzerland. I still want to go to Zurich. You're from Zurich, right? Yeah, from the Zurich area. So just uh-huh. like yep. suburbs of Zurich. Yes. And yeah, and that's the German part of Switzerland. Mm-hmm. Geneva is the French part it's of Switzerland, French. which yep. is in a way quite different. Well, it's similar, but still quite different. Yeah, I think people don't language. realize. Yeah, different languages and and even the little nuances within culture. And I think that I have seen this in Canada as well, that even within the different provinces, there's, Mm -hmm. you know, it's still Canada, but there's some little slight nuances. But Uh, I think you guys have that too in the States. No, for sure. For sure. You go from the south to the north to the Pacific Northwest to Texas, which I think is all land by itself. But but I always hear too that New Yorkers are uh, kind of like uh, yes. uh, people we, on their own. We <laughs> so. are, are we are own, and I call myself a New Yorker because it, it really has been the one constant in my life. Um, but yeah, it, we, we're yeah. certain kind of people, and I, and what I tell people is that if you ever visit New York, um, you're either going to love it or you're going to hate it. There really is no in between when it comes to New York City, especially the city, the New York State part. Um, it's it's so dif- different and from place to place, but it's it's a beautiful state. It has everything. Um, now you 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 said you had horses. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I love the idea of having horses. I keep telling my husband um, I need a horse. He grew up with horses, mm-hmm. and he rolls his eyes and says, "No, we don't have enough land." Which to me, a city girl, I think we have a big <laughs> enough yard, but apparently it's not big enough for a horse. <laughs> How many horses do you have? Well, I have, I always say I only have two right now. I used to have more, but now uh-huh. it's two and they're seniors. They're with me since 2004. So oh, wow. they're part of the family and they kept me sane during the pandemic too. I bet. <laughs> I bet. Horses are, you know, like I, I, I have dogs, but I had a horse when I was little. I used to ride in El Salvador and horseback riding. You know, horses are majestic animals and they have such, uh, um, I want to say intuitiveness about people. Do you mm. find that? Yeah. They're healers. Healers. Yeah. They're healers. They also, they mirror um, your state. So if you're mm-hmm. like, if you're, you can't fool a horse. So if you're just in a hurry or if you're, not doing good, the horse picks up on it right away. And um, that's why a lot of like leadership training mm-hmm. is done with horses. That's why a lot of healing work or um, I don't know the exact word right now. It slipped my mind, but with disabled people, like mm-hmm. mentally disabled people, mm-hmm. physically disabled people, they, they work. There's lots of programs that work with people, with horses and people like that mm-hmm. because they're healers. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so that's why I'm saying they kept me sane. <laughs> I, you know, I that, that's incredible. Them. Tell me a little bit about what what are some of the things that that uh, as you walk through the pandemic and being in lockdown and, and what what was that like and how did they keep you sane? Yeah. So, yeah, I've, um, 
for, first of all, when the world it was shutting down, I was in Switzerland. Oh, wow. And, um, and from here, from North America, uh, it always looked like it was worse in Europe than it was here. Mm-hmm. But when I went to Switzerland, it didn't like that was end of February 2020. It didn't look like it would be a problem. So I come to Switzerland. The first week I was there, I was supposed to be there for four weeks. So I was there the first week. Nothing seemed to be really a problem. That was end of February, beginning of March. And then the second week, that was like, what was that? The 15th of March when every, was when everything shut down. So just mm-hmm. the week before, it started to get weird. And I'm getting this gut feeling. Like I have a... Um, if, if my ego doesn't get in my way, I have a very strong intuition. Mm-hmm. So I got this intuition and gut feeling, I have to get home. Mm-hmm. I have to get a flight. I have to get going. And everybody around me said, you're not. No, and just relax. And it's no, no big deal. And all is fine. And, and I'm like, no, no. And then, and then Wednesday, I decided, okay, this is, I need to go. I, I need to. And so I was on the phone, was very stressful, got a flight back that was scheduled for Sunday and I flew back. And while I was basically flying back, the world was shutting down. I mean, it was crazy. And I still think like, if I wouldn't have had this, um, this gut feeling, I don't know what would have happened. Mm -hmm. I would have been safe in Switzerland because that's where my brother lives. So I would have been okay, but I don't know what would have happened with the horses and everything. So that was, was my main concern. So then I flew back and, and then like, who, like, if you remember back, who could believe it? We all thought, well, yeah, we shut down for two weeks and then the world Oh, that's exactly what we thought. I still remember because everybody told me, oh, you're coming from Europe. You have to isolate yourself for two weeks. And I'm like, I don't care. I isolate for two weeks. I'm so glad I'm back. Yeah, of course. And with my horses. And yeah, here we are 18 months later, or even I think it's soon 19 months later. I I keep losing count. Um, I actually had a doctor's appointment earlier and it was a yearly physical and we were going through all these different questions and catching up because it's been more than a year since I've seen her. And I, I just kept thinking, wow, how has the world changed? And, yeah. you know, I, I certainly couldn't have imagined. And But I'm so glad that you listened to your intuition. Do you feel that people um, tend to have the opportunity to listen more to their intuition but ignore it? Yeah, I think a lot of people ignore it. And, and I do sometimes too. I mean, and I think we all had that experience when something goes wrong or sideways it doesn't even have to be a big thing and we say to ourselves I knew it mm-hmm. why like why did I say yes when I wanted to say no or why did I say no when I wanted whichever whichever version yeah. no and but I think it's also because we often I don't know how you grew up but I grew up like Switzerland is very left brain very structured very right. analytical very don't show your feelings <laughs> Don't talk about your feelings. Don't feel your feelings either, if you can help it. And, um, and and so we kind of didn't grow up trusting this inner voice. And I always had it. And I always noticed that when I listen, things go good. <laughs> or, or at least I'm warned. I was often warned by my, by my inner feelings. And, and I could prevent certain things. And I think a lot of people don't do that a because we're we're never we're never encouraged we're never taught we don't we don't I think we grow up 
like when we are born and when we're little kids, we know. Mm-hmm. But then if we get shut down yeah. by the world around us, and, and I'm not blaming anybody because they probably all didn't know better either. Like hate, we're right? slowly learning to know better. Um, but so they're, they didn't know better either um, or they had no time or they were stressed out and they didn't take it serious. And um, and then you learn to not listen to that. And yeah, so, but I think maybe the pandemic even helped a little bit um, changing that. Also, mm-hmm. I think the times we're in right now, we're more open talking about intuition. We're more open talking about um, this soft stuff rather than just all the analytical. I mean, you came from corporate too. I was in corporate. Don't talk about feelings or anything. Yeah, feelings feelings are one of those things that are very um, difficult. And you know what? Um, Here's our, our, I I have to say, Yogi, stop it. (laughs) He has to make an appearance in the podcast. He has decided that he is going to be an active participant. Um, So he's scratching. I don't know if you can hear him. I can so, hear him. Yeah. I was wondering. <laughs> it's, and he does it not in the carpet, but he does it in the hard part of the floor. So he, yeah, he's trying to be a part he of confirming that we need to listen to our feelings. More. Yeah, he, he's actually probably mad at me because, like I said, I was out of the doctors and I went to work out this morning. So typically I'm home. And maybe I run out for a little bit, but I've been gone for the majority of the day. So he's like, <laughs> where have you been? Now I'm going to make noise. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, you're, you're right, though. I think that there's a lot of people that, um, you know, it, it's we we get that passed on from our families. Right. It's mm-hmm. how they were brought up. And it comes not only when it comes to intuition, but I think like our mindset and the way that we mm-hmm. tend to to view yeah. things. You and I are very aligned um, in which uh, we are like minded um, you are in life coach school scholars. Is that correct? Yes. Double. Yeah. No, not, not double diamond, but diamond. diamond. Oh, well. I wish I was a double diamond. But a well, diamond. Tell me a little bit about what your journey has been like and how did you um, start with uh, scholars? And for those of you who don't know, life coach school is, uh, was founded by Brooke Castillo and Brooke Castillo, um, is an amazing individual. That's who I have learned so much from. She trained my mentor, Corinne Crabtree, and I follow both of them. And you and I sort of align because you are part of that universe. So tell me a little bit about your journey. Yeah. So I'm a podcast junkie, <laughs> producing <laughs> podcasts and listening to podcasts. And it's funny because I think Brooke was as a guest on a James Wedmore's podcast. And, but where I actually clued off was when Corinne Crabtree was at Amy Porterfield's podcast. Yeah. (laughs) Talking about weight loss and whatever, because Corinne Crabtree is Amy Porterfield's weight Weight loss loss coach. Yep, yep, absolutely. I met Amy at at an event with with Corinne. So yeah. Yeah. And then, and so then, and then I remember and I thought, wait a second, Corinne talks about Brock and Brock isn't Brock the one that I heard on James <laughs> So Then I started listening to, to Brooke's podcast, the Life Coach School podcast. Mm-hmm. And it just blew my mind because like I said earlier, I mean, one of the clutter that I suffer the most in my life is mental clutter. Mm. And um, so what Brooke talked about was just mind blowing. And then just before the pandemic, um, my life kind of fell apart in um, in 2019. 
And that's when I decided, okay, I, I can't do this by myself. I know already my brain is, is just going to get me in a place where I don't want to be. So I need help. So I signed up for the life coach school mm-hmm. in August, 2019. And uh, it has been amazing. As I'm, Like I said, the horses got me through the pandemic, but Brooke <laughs> and her work got me through the pandemic just to to realize that your thoughts create how you feel and then it creates Mm -hmm. your reality, you know, and it doesn't mean you always feel great. One of my favorite sayings from Brooke is everything is 50, 50. So even if you reach your dream goal, life is still 50, 50, meaning 50% of it is awesome. And 50% is going to suck. So (laughs) I agree with you. And just to realize that this is how life is and not constantly judging ourselves. Mm -hmm. But if you would talk with the coaches that I get coached on, because we get coaching every week right. in Brooke's um, mm-hmm. program, which is really awesome. <laughs> you will hear that every week. Connie comes and says, I'm charging myself for. <laughs> so, but I think like just the awareness to catch yourself that you judge yourself again and then redirect your brain. This is, this is, this is what the work is. And uh, it's amazing. Sorry. Okay. Sorry about that. UPS is here now, of course. All right. I'm sorry. So take it from, hold on. Sorry. I can't believe this is happening. This never happens. Sorry. Yogi. Don't worry. Yogi, you in or out? I am laugh. so sorry. I can't believe laugh. it happened. Oh. Laugh, laugh. It's all good. It's all good. <laughs> laugh. Good. It's, it's all good. <laughs> okay. Did I, I don't know if I told you, um, he's been a little nervous, I think. Oh. So he, um, we had him taking medication mm-hmm. and then uh, his liver was uh, elevated, his liver enzyme. Mm-hmm. So we took him mm-hmm. off the medication. So he's been like, I think his brain is like, what is going on? <laughs> He needs, he needs the model and Brooke is the, he needs the model. I know he needs to model his brain. Um, <clears throat> so you were talking about your awareness and mental awareness mm. and um, some, maybe take it back from there. And if not, yep. we'll just edit <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the power of editing. Yeah. The power of editing. No. So uh, awareness, I feel like is, um, is so important. And in this, in the stressful world we have today, mm-hmm. um, which everybody talks about, which is, uh, <laughs> I think we're like, if you would go with Brooks model, you would say, yeah, this is just a thought. And it might not thought. be true, <clears throat> but we get sometimes in this frenzy and we think things are a certain way, or, or we have to do things a certain way, or we have to, and we have to, we have to, and just the awareness that this craziness is going on in our brain and that we actually have the power to change it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's not easy. Let me tell you, I always joke and say to people, if you struggle with physical clutter, I can help you. It's so easy. <laughs> the, the hard part is the mental clutter. The mental clutter, I think in, in, I think that a lot of people, and I, and I say this in the podcast a lot, um, many people don't realize that there's mental clutter in their brain. Mm-hmm. Because they've been living with it for so long. And although that's creating a lot of discomfort for them, the c- discomfort is sort of like that frenemy 
it's the familiar. It's the so familiar. that's kind of how how I see it for myself. You know, it's like it's familiar. You're so used to living in this beat up negative and you may not even clue off that it's negative like absolutely <laughs> you just think it's the truth that's how it is you're not realizing and and it's so familiar that when you're trying to do something new then um it's so unfamiliar and so uncomfortable even though it technically would be more comfortable no to think uh-huh. positive thoughts but it's uncomfortable because it's unfamiliar <laughs> that's right that's kind of um the, the that's, issue that's when our brain starts to go with danger danger this is new i don't think i like it but it really is good for us right and it really is something that is freeing but it takes a lot of time and process to be able to do that um when you work with clients and when you're working with individuals and helping them clear some of that mental clutter and you know i love um the name of your brand from chaos to peace but it's not like flipping a switch it's a process Tell us a little bit about what you do in your process in working with individuals. Yeah. So they often come because they do have physical clutter. (laughs) And I always joke and say, if you wanted to know how to clear physical clutter, you Google it. I just looked the other day. I think it was 50 50 million hits when I put in how do I declutter. So it's not that we can't find any information how. You know, mm. the, the, the harder part is to get our brain on board. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when I talk, when I help my clients, or we, we're talking about, well, what's going on in your brain? So why mm-hmm. can't you? And, and there is several different um, obstacles that people in, um, come across. Like some are so scared to give something away because they think if they give it away, they will need it tomorrow, even though they haven't used it and oh, they haven't sure. needed it in years. But if they give it away now, they kind of will need it tomorrow. It's that scarcity mindset. Um, others, um, they just feel like, oh, I have no time. They don't realize how much time actually all this stuff, whether it's physical, whether it's um, digital, whether it's mental clutter actually takes from them and how much time they would gain. And, you know, I also come from finance and I can always throw into like you're wasting and losing a lot of money too um, with all this clutter. So it's just like we're walking through this and it's it's very individual with every single client, I'm also working very intuitive. So like when I listen to somebody, like I just had yesterday a phone call, uh, a coaching call with somebody and she was struggling with some paper clutter and she was telling me about that. And I'm like listening to her and I'm like, I know it's not about the paper, you know, and it's often, it's really not about the paper. So I'm like, your brain is tricking you. And so it's, it's, Again, awareness and being on to our mind and what is our mind telling us? So you, for example, have an item in your, like you have a lot of clutter in your home and it's, we would have to define clutter and that could be a longer um, conversation, but it's Mm -hmm. definitely something you don't love and you don't use. Like if, why do you have it then? Right. So then it's just hanging around in your house. And we all have to a certain degree things that we don't use a lot or we don't mm-hmm. use and we don't love. But if it starts to take over, it starts to have an effect on our brain. It stresses us out. There's lots of studies about that. So when you have this, just the awareness. So, okay, why can I not 
let this go? Or why do I, I often talk about boundaries too, or how this stuff brings us certain safety maybe or comfort, even though it's uncomfortable, it's like just the thought we talked about. All this stuff gives us a certain comfort. We think like, oh, we're safe because we have all this stuff. So nothing can happen. Yeah. And so it's, it's very individual how you start working with the client. And it's so much more. It's never about the item like the item itself, it's the whole story and the whole mental clutter and often also emotional clutter that we have behind it and that people never question. Like we said, also with mental clutter, we sometimes don't even know we have mental clutter. We should think that's how the world is and that's how my situation is. And this is the same thing. Well, I just have to keep this or, you know, and so it's um, it, it goes so much deeper. I I think that, you know, one of the work that I have done for myself, and I am by no means any type of perfection when it comes to clutter, I think that there's always an area that I'm like, oh my gosh, this is getting out of control. But I have found that I am looking for a level of um, security when it comes Mm -hmm. to, you know, the things that I hang on to. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I, and I place a lot of meanings and I'm making it mean more than it really is. And that's a little bit of the process when, you know, my dad died. um, He was very meticulous prior to him passing. Hmm. He decided and he all throughout his life, he never liked clutter. He was in the military, so he was very precise. I -hmm. used to at one point make fun of him because his closet was like so organized and his hangers would be like, half an inch apart from each other, all everything color coordinated. And the more that I get older, I tend to go in that direction. Um, but I, when he died, he really got rid of everything, um, gave away everything. And I think he had the one suit he wanted to be buried in. And he had really like papers, gotten rid of papers. He sent packages to everyone with pictures mm-hmm. and things that he wanted people to have. Um, and I, I remember thinking I could never go through my stuff while I'm alive mm-hmm. and then, um, get rid of it, Yeah, get rid of everything. And I, and, and, and I've been really, it's been six years and I keep going back to that notion that, mm-hmm. um, we can't take anything with us. And what, mm-hmm. you know, the love that we have for people, the memories that we have, are not because we bought this little tchotchke somewhere or because we have the t-shirt. And I know people sometimes buy a mug of all the places they visit, yeah. um, but the memories are not held there. And, yeah. and I've been working through that. Um, yeah. So, so I, I want to say two things. So what a gift from your dad that he did that, that he took yeah. care of his own stuff. Just imagine, mm-hmm. like I often say, it's so hard. So somebody passes on and then, the relatives who are in so much grief have to go through all this stuff, mm-hmm. which is often clutter. Like, but right. then you 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 feel you feel so ambivalent whether or not you can let it go or not. So, right. what a gift that he did that. So, my grandmother did that too, mm-hmm. and I only realized that later. I didn't like. I admired her for it. So she. T- turned herself into a nursing home herself when she felt like, okay, now I'm starting to, um, 
slow down in life. And she was still in good health, but she said, I want to move now into that place when I'm still good and when it's not an emergency. And I felt that was such a, a, an, I don't know, I admired her. And I said, the longer, the older I get, the more I admire her. And so she did that too. So for her, she was then in that nursery home. She didn't really have a lot of stuff anymore that we had to take care of. What a blessing, you know, contrary to my mother, when she died, she had lived 40 years in that house and never got rid of anything. And we're like, for two years, we're kind of, (laughs) yeah, Yeah. so that. And then the other thing is too, is like, yeah, we hear this a lot. Oh, you can't take anything. We hear it, but I don't think we really get it until you are in the situation. And this is another thing that I learned. And that's also the pandemic um, taught me Uh is that when you look at something from the outside and then you decide, oh, I could never do this. How can you say that? Because you don't know when you're in the situation, you might think completely different. And your dad might have thought, I don't want to leave this up to my loved ones. I don't want to leave this up to my daughter to have to clean up all this, this stuff. So what an act of love from your dad. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I, um, I had a lot of mixed feelings, right? Because there was, when I walked into his room and things were gone, it's like, Ooh, but then like, there's certain things that I didn't have to worry. Like, what would he want? Or, and I think that that was a lot of peace of mind and that was really a gift. And I think that um, if anything, it was an act of bravery as well. Yeah. And not to say that, you know, we are all in the same spot, but I do believe that um, we, we need to continue to work through, through that. And the most important thing that we can clear of is, to find peace is to really begin to sift through, you know, what are your thoughts telling you about your environment, about the things that are around you? And, and when you talk, when you talk about like the the other part was when you talk about the things that you get or that are left over from somebody who passed on, Mm -hmm. like, I'm not, I'm not saying you have to just get rid of it all. Right. But how much are you honoring somebody by having boxes and boxes and boxes right. of those stuff in your basement or in your garage? Oh, I mean, for sure. For sure. It's not. So I always encourage them to rather have something that is somewhere in their life that mm-hmm. reminds them, that brings them positive memories because the like in the beginning it's just hurt. Like my dad died when I was 20. So mm-hmm. I mean he's gone now for. 23 no 33 years it's crazy wow. I'm old <laughs> I, no, I always not. say I'm living on bonus time he yeah. didn't get as old as I am wow. I live on bonus time but so I have a few things from him I have something he gave me when he was already sick and um, I have other things from him and they're all displayed in my home so when in the beginning, it's all pain, pain, pain. But the, the longer it goes, you start, luckily, our brain starts to focus on mm-hmm. the good things. And so when I see these, I remind, it mm-hmm. reminds me of the good things. And this is how I honor him. So he's part of my life still, even though he's not here. And this is, this is kind of like, <clears throat> and it's a journey to get there. I totally understand right. for people uh, who just lost somebody, you don't go from today to tomorrow to feel this way, right. we can take little baby steps to get there. And, yeah. and baby steps understand. are great. Baby mm-hmm. steps are great. Thank you for sharing that story, Connie. I, I know that, you know, with my dad, I actually wear a ring 
that mm-hmm. he gave me. And he gave it to me when I was 20, uh, mm-hmm. 21. I turned 21 when he gave it to me. And it's probably one of my most important possessions. Yeah. And when I wear it, I look down on my hand and I wear it on my right hand and mm-hmm. I look at it and I'm writing and I always think of him. Um, yeah. And it's, it's, it's definitely a gift. And I think that um, we need to take a look at how, because in our relationships, when we have mental clutter, physical clutter, or digital clutter, it does affect our relationships as well. Have you found that to be yeah. the case? Oh yeah. It's, it's, it has a ripple effect because, and, and I think the, so I'm no scientist, but I, I love to geek out on that stuff. I, I'm so, with you. <laughs> so there is all these studies that actually show now that a chaos around us um, stresses us out. And then the stress, what are the effects of stress? We all know it. When we're stressed, we're mm-hmm. short with our loved ones. Right. So it definitely has an effect on the relationship. No, we're, we're not showing up our best. So it has an effect on our business too. We're not showing up at our best. And at, at most of all, we're not showing up at our best for ourselves either. Yeah. You know, I often say decluttering is self-love. And I don't mean it just in this, um, kumbaya way but I mean it like really in a practical way if you reduce your stress in your life yeah, that's actually the physical clutter that's something that you can do for your health that mm-hmm. you can you can do for your mental health but also for your physical health because um I think I read a study and I forgot now from what university, but they were saying that a lot of stress creates heart disease and, um, and uh, you have, um, um, how you say that the stomach uh, issues, you have all kinds of like your whole nervous system is on alert all the time, which um, we know that when, so from the fight, fight and flight reflex from our ancestors when they had to run away from the disabled <laughs> tiger, um, we're, that always that comes up. So when our when our body is in this um, fight or flight in this stressful um, state. It shuts down everything that is not important. So it shuts down certain things. So yeah. um, just because we talked about Corin Crabtree, um, it also has an effect on our body weight. Oh, for not sure. Because we're not eating healthy when we're stressed out. We're less I, I agree with you. You know, it's it's very interesting. Um, I have been through the process of losing weight through the No BS program and through the pandemic, I gained some of it back. But, and there were multiple different things that I've been able to identify. But one of the things that I noticed, um, and this happened at the beginning of the summer, and it, I mean, obviously it's been more than a year now, but in the summertime, I realized, huh, my pantry is a mess. Mm-hmm. Like my pantry is a disaster. Yeah. And typically, and, and I have a little motto that I, I say in my home and it drives my husband crazy, but my motto is, it's a happy house, it's a is a tidy house and a tidy house is a happy house. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and <clears throat> our pa- our pantry had gotten out of control because mm-hmm. I had bought, uh, you know, obviously going into, into lockdown, I bought tons of food. There mm-hmm. were tons of stuff there. And of course, um, then we were doing, um, we were doing thrive market. So they, they send us food and, mm-hmm. and I realized so we're not starving. <laughs> no, we weren't starving, but I, I couldn't even open some of the shell because it pulls out, yeah. right? And I thought, this is a stressful thing for me. No wonder I've gained weight because yeah. I can't see what I have 
when I open it, it's like a, a stressor, like, oh, and, and I, you know, you, you're trying to get something out. So you're not dealing with it. And you're yeah. just shoving it back in. And I realized that I needed to, so I, I went back and I opened the pantry. I reorganized it. And all of a sudden, like the clarity for like, okay, now I know what food is available. Mm-hmm. And I started to see that I could organize my uh, food planning better. I could um, be more aware of what I was consuming, but it mm-hmm. definitely had to do with, with some of that. And I think that that's something people don't pay attention to. Yeah. And, and this is, this is where I'm saying um, how, how the, it has an effect on. So you said a happy house is a tidy house and this is probably true, but I'm not like, I'm not OCD and I'm not Marie Kondo or anything. Oh, neither so, am I for so, sure. What what I what I ra- like to people to realize is more like forget about the house and how the house feels. Mm. Look how you feel, yeah. and yeah. So this is where I'm saying like, okay, if you have a cluttered pantry or a cluttered fridge, if it's too much in it. So one of the definitions of clutter is too much in too small of a space. That's exactly what happened in your pantry. You had too much in there. So you couldn't see the trees for the the wood, you know, for the woods or the wood for the trees. And so then you already have resistance to even go there. So Mm. then take out or thrive card or whatever you said it's called It, it. it sounds so much easier. And this is also why I said decluttering is self-love because what you want to do is make your life a little bit easier. How can you make mm. your life easier? And if something is organized and you can see what you have, it's so much easier to go in there and grab that mm-hmm. and cook that. Right. And it takes less time too, you know, than if you have to go in there and you're like, and and again, think how, you, how you're feeling. Like you go mm-hmm. in there and you're like, Oh my God. And you just close the door again Yeah, and forgetting that even though you have the door closed, it mm-hmm. still has an effect on you because your subconscious knows what a mess is in there. Oh, for your sure. Your subconscious knows that there is food in there. Dealing that with it. Yeah. Yeah. It's so true. And then, and then I want to just throw that in too with the financial uh, clutter. So then you spend all that money to have your pantry stuck, stocked, mm-hmm. full yep. with food. But you're ordering in from Thrivecart because uh-huh. you don't want to go there. And then maybe that stuff expires. And then we wasted food and we wasted yep. money. And we, and in the process, <laughs> we, we freak ourselves and stress ourselves out completely. Oh, that, so- that's exactly my stressor. I will say, um, you know, I was brought up in a home in which um, my grandparents were, were uh, very blessed. Um, we had a home that, you know, we, it was a little bit more affluent than most in, in the country in El Salvador, we had a lot more than other people had. Um, so for me, it was really ingrained in me that, you know, not to be wasteful food, you know, there's people starving and and I've, I've done a lot of work with Corinne on this, right. Because for a long time, throwing food out was such a, um, challenge for me, but you're right. Like for me, like I, I, I beat myself up and I judge myself for the waste. Mm-hmm. I, I, I have a hard time with that. Uh, you and I have a friend in common. Uh, speaking of food, uh, you interviewed the terrific David Orozco. Yeah. Um, tell me a little bit about what, um, what were some of the uh, affinities that you had with David? And for those of you who haven't heard the episode, 
um, of David on my podcast, he actually, we, we, it was one of the first interviews that Dan actually jumped on because he wanted to ask us questions mm-hmm. um, about our eating habits as a couple or something to that effect. But uh, you know him as well. What are some of the affinities that you and David Orozco have? Well, so <laughs> we were both um, on Pat Flynn's webinar mm-hmm. that he did together with Buzzsprout, who is now my podcast host, yeah, because of Pat Flynn. And for some reason, like, you know, sometimes how you meet people and you don't really know anymore, but somehow we started talking with each other in the chat. Never happened to me before. We both <laughs> didn't have a podcast yet. We both said we wanted to have one and we both committed to each other to starting a podcast now and then having each other um, on, on the podcast the as a yep. guest. And so to honor all this, I actually, he was my very, very first guest on my podcast. Oh, that's terrific. And, and because of it, because it was really like this stranger that I met <laughs> during a webinar are in the chat <laughs> that's it's such, great. It's such a wild thing and so his podcast is called one small bite and I love this so much because what I say a lot is a few minutes a day keeps the chaos away or baby mm-hmm. steps and he he says one small bite so we were talking all about how little changes make mm-hmm. such a big difference you know yeah, we sure. talked about on my podcast, we talked about how a cluttered counter space, for example, mm-hmm. can lead to weight gain or to unhealthy eating. We don't always always have to talk about weight, you know, like a lot of people always talk only about weight. It's not just weight, it's our health. Like, yeah. or am I eating healthy? And you know, from Corinne Crabtree too, is like, we intend to eat healthy. We put mm-hmm. it on a protocol and then our brain tries to talk us out of it. And why? Because we're so stressed. So mm-hmm. him and I, we were talking a lot about that. And, and he is in, like into nutrition. He is yep. the expert there. I have no idea. I kind of know <laughs> how I need to eat healthy. Um, and, and, and I notice when I'm not eating healthy and then just go and find out, okay, what happened again? Yeah. Where, where did I lose my awareness? So there's a lot of that um, that common ground that we can't change our lives from today mm-hmm. to tomorrow. We're not uncluttered from today to tomorrow. We're not eating healthy from like from eating chips and and whatever else to the next day. We're eating only broccoli. Yeah, <laughs> oh, for would sure. Only eat, I love broccoli, but I wouldn't want to eat it every day and all day long. So these small steps and small steps. Absolutely. And I'm a tiny habits coach. So for sure, I, I, exactly. I with that and his message, you know, when we we met through Pat Flynn as well, who oh, I adore, he's so terrific. Uh, David and I are part of the SPI pro community. So um, we get to chat here and there. And I need to check out um, the episode with you in his podcast. I heard the yeah. one of him and yours. So I need yeah. to go check that out. It's um, it fun. It's over a year ago okay. since I was okay. on his podcast. Yeah. So so I, I just, will, you have to I, scroll down a bit because I, I think I, he, 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 his episodes are, and, and I, I started listening to him probably, it must've been right after you were on there. Um, because we started talking maybe in October. Mm. Um, no, maybe November. It was November because then he was on Last my year? show. Yep. And he was yeah, on yeah, my yeah. show. That was way before because yeah. I started my podcast February, 2020. I think he was a little ahead of me. Yep. 
So he did before, and then I was on his podcast in 2020. I would say mm-hmm. first half of 2020, was, yeah. I was probably on. He was on my show January. He was, the, I think, the first show of the year, or or it was Corinne, mm-hmm. and then it was David. So mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, and he does such great work, such great work he out there. Does too. he's an yeah. amazing individual? I um, I actually was in his neck of the woods back in May. I went mm-hmm. to visit my mom and I promised him that if I came down to Georgia, I would, you know, yeah. give him a ring. And I did not do that, but I, I need to do so. So <laughs> how are you going to make that up to him? <laughs> I'm going to make it up somehow. You know, he will, we'll, uh, we'll have to figure it out. Um, Connie, you have, um, I noticed in, in one of the, um, on your website that you have an accountability grew from chaos to peace accountability program. You want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So like I said earlier is um, like, if we wanted to know how to declutter, like even if we're talking about mental clutter, there's so much information out there. But what often happens, we notice we have the best intentions and then we're not doing it. It has some, it's also mental clutter. We're more reliable to commitments we do to other people than Mm. commitments to ourselves, which is a sad part sometimes no like we're like we have an appointment with a client or with a friend we would never want to let let that person down we make sure we're on time if we have a commitment with ourselves for something that we're intending to do or intend not to do whatever um we kind of flake out often (laughs) and Mm -hmm. so accountability sometimes just helps to get you started it's an um so i offer it as a it's very low price in, for you to just have somebody who holds you very lovingly. I'm, mm. I'm, <laughs> I'm not a, like I'm not a drill sergeant, but I can be very direct. Mm. And I, I always cut right through the truth. But I, I offer that. So I check in with them once a week. If you sign up, you get an email once a week that asks you certain questions. And I expect mm-hmm. an answer back. Okay. <laughs> and, and then you can even ask a question there. But I expect an answer, uh, an answer back. So it's what, what did you intend to do? Mm-hmm. What did you actually do? Okay. <laughs> what is your biggest struggle, you know? And we intend to do a lot. Like, I don't know whether you're like me, Julie, but we have sometimes these lists, what we all, all right. want to do. We always think we get this all in one day mm-hmm. and then we're maybe, we're not getting it done. And then when you think back, you're like, what the heck did I do all day long? <laughs> our brain again took us into- yeah, Our brain goes in multiple different directions. Yeah. You know, for me, I, I stopped. Um, I don't keep a to-do list. I set up three priorities for the day yeah. and that's it. Yeah. I cap it at three exactly. and those are the three. And, and I've, I allocate time in the morning. I call it my, my um, processing hour. I have a processing hour in the morning and I have a processing hour in the afternoon. And these are the times in which I check email. These mm-hmm. are the times in which I go through and I plan some of the things that I need to do and some of the tasks that for instance, if an email um, it's going to take me more than three minutes to answer somebody, um, it's going to go on the processing time. So I go mm-hmm. through, I delete, I respond, and then I start to go through the emails that I needed to respond to. Um, I, I have a couple more questions because I know that we need to wrap up, but who inspires you, Connie? Brooke Castillo, totally. Corinne um, Crabtree too, she's just as amazing. So th- there are these badass women, these yeah. two badass women 
who completely succeed in their business mm-hmm. and are so um, honest to the outside where they're still struggling, like both of them mm-hmm. talk about um, their struggles. They, they, but they're, they're fierce, fierce and fearless leaders, kind of like they yeah. really inspire these two. Um, yeah, no, totally. That's terrific. I love, I love that so much, but I will have to say that I, I'm inspired by you because, you know, your journey going from having an accounting degree, moving to a new country, starting a new life, um, living this, this life that you define, right? And now mm-hmm. you're helping to um, define, help others go and find the peace through some of the simple, small actions to take control of their life. So I'm inspired by you. That's so, you know, you're awesome. So you need to give yourself some credit for everything that you're doing. Yeah. And it's not always a walk in the park. You know, it's like Brooke Castillo <laughs> says, everything yep. is 50, 50. And sometimes the 50% that is awful lasts mm-hmm. sometimes for a whole day or for a whole week, you know, it's like, it's not, um, yep. Yeah, it's not always a walk in the park. It's not always a walk in the park, but it's worth doing. Um, For you, do you consider yourself a confident person? Um, I knew you were going to ask me that. (laughs) And I was thinking about it. If I'm in the good 50%. If you're in the good 50%. (laughs) Um, If I'm in the not so good 50%. Excellent answer. Yeah. To me, confidence is um, to be scared to be anxious and do it anyways Mm -hmm. it has a lot to do with courage so I strive to be confident and courage courageous but I can't always be it and I have to learn to um, have my own back and uh, like if I'm in the other 50 Mm percent to say okay today is not the day I'm going to be confident today is the day I'm going to be under the covers and yeah having our own back is so important It, it, it is one of the most important things that we can do and I think that a lot of us um haven't learned or have forgotten how to keep promises to ourselves. And that's when we, we really um, create a lot of the mental anguish that we can have. But with people like you being there to support others, I know that it's, it's uh, definitely something that people can overcome. Connie, how can people find you? You find me on my website. That's probably almost the best way. It's conniegraf.com, but I write my name, the European way, so C O N N Y G R A F, and that's the hub. Um, for, you could also find me on Instagram. There, I'm. I am Connie Graf. Mm-hmm. Instagram is my favorite place to hang out. If Yay. we talk social media, and I try not to hang out too much on social media, but if I'm hanging out, then it's on Instagram. I find Perfect. the atmosphere there <laughs> the nicest, mm-hmm. and. And of course, my podcast. So if you're not sick and tired of listening to me yet, uh, I'm not at all, not at all. I I am so glad I discovered your show. Um, You have made the rotation and I need all the, I actually started to listen to your latest episode because it was a short episode, but uh, my drive to the doctor was actually 
um, shorter than I anticipated, and I didn't even get through it. So yeah, I need this week, it, Matt, this week, Matt. Clutter yeah. is unmade yeah. decisions. Yeah, mm-hmm. lots of people don't realize. <laughs> That's absolutely unmade decisions, and I think that uh, we need to try to encounter them and not stop procrastinating. So thank you for being on the show. I'm going to put all your information in the show notes, and people can definitely connect with you. I am honored that you um, are here, and I look to continue to collaborate because you, you are amazing, and I'm so proud to know you. Right back at you. You're so amazing as well. Oh, and we, we connected, I think, a week ago. And it seems yeah. like... I, I, so I feel like I've known you and you're you're amazing. So thank you, yeah, Connie Graff, for being here, part of Casa de Confidence. And don't forget, go confidently in the direction of your dreams. Thank you. Welcome to Confident You Radio. This is Julie DeLuca Collins, and I am thrilled that you are joining us for this special programming and episode you know what? We are getting into the holiday season. And one of the biggest things that I want you to do is to feel confident, feel confident in your own skin, feel confident about finding peace in the middle of chaos, feel confident about living in your purpose and really going out and sharing your goodness into the world. So for this wonderful summit, I actually have gathered some of the incredible individuals that have visited our Casa, Casa de Confidence, and they are here to share with you specifically some of the things that have worked for them. These conversations are designed to inspire you to go from a chaotic life to peace, to be able to learn to love and accept yourself, no matter what the circumstances are, to ensure that you love yourself before you expect to get the love from others. I am also sharing an incredible conversation in which you are going to learn how to turn your voice and your challenges into your victories, because we all have these challenges. We all have these things that pop up that you know, if we allow them, will keep us down. But I want you to know that comparing yourself to others is definitely the recipe for failure. So today in this wonderful summit, we are talking about how to be able to use your voice for change. I am also sharing with you a great interview with someone because we want to go ahead and overcome perfectionism. We want to really come into our own and we want to great, you know, be the queen of our life and wear our crown really regally while serving others. Because let's be face it, all of us are always going to be serving others. We're females, we're givers, we're, we're individuals who, if you're tuning in, you're a lot like all of us that want to just be of service. And I encourage you to remind yourself that you have this crown. So today I'm bringing you these incredible women and make sure that you follow Casa de Confidence and Confident You Radio. Stay tuned for this wonderful programming. Please introduce yourself, my friend. Hi, Julie. Thank you so much for having me on the Casa de Confidence. Woohoo! Um, <laughs> hello, listeners. My name is Raina Rose Exelbeard the First. I am the CEO. 
Chief Empowerment Officer of the Rose Grows, where I am super passionate that all young people, no matter their background, their health condition, their financial status, wherever they live in the world, every young person should have access to personal and professional development. And that's a little bit about me. So brilliant. Oh, such a girl after my own heart. First of all, because for many years in the interwebs, I have been known as New York Red Rose and whiterenrose.com is my blog if people want to check that out. That um, is so cool. And I and red roses, pink roses are my favorite flowers. So the fact that um, your middle name is Rose, but you have this beautiful tribe of women, of young women, um, it's needed. We need more programs like this. But before we talk about Teen Tribe, I want to talk about you. Tell me your story. Who are you? Yeah. So naturally, anything with roses, I love. Um, it's my middle name. It's so funny. When I was growing up and my parents would call me Raina Rose, I absolutely hated it. But as an adult, um, I've really grown to love and adore my name. Mm. And asking people why their name their name is one of my favorite questions to ask oh anyone. God. And so to understand a little bit more about me, my middle name Rose comes from my grandmother who was a Holocaust survivor. Mm. Her sister was named Rosa. And unfortunately during the Holocaust, her and her baby, they were hiding from mm. the Nazis and for half a kilo of sugar, they were murdered and sold out. Mm. And when you, when you say like, who, who are you? Um, I don't just think about my 29 years of existence on this planet. I think of the mm -hmm. series of decisions and sacrifices that my parents, my grandparents, and my grand, my great grandparents um, created yeah. in order for me uh, to, to be here. Raina, I, I have to say this touches a chord in my heart. Um, you know, I read the diary of Anne Frank. I was 13. It's one of my favorite books. It impacted me. So later on, my first husband is Jewish. He had family that, um, had been Holocaust, um, survivors. He actually has a cousin who is, you know, someone who I adore who lives in San Francisco and works with Holocaust survivors. So I've been uh, privileged to meet people who have impacted this world in such amazing ways because never forget, right? Mm -hmm. And they carry the, I, I don't want to call it a burden, but they carry the torch for the people that no longer are here. And I love that you know that you have um, that um the memory and, and remembrance of the people that um, you that came before you. Right. And I love that. So thank you for sharing yeah. that. Yeah, I would say, you know, a couple of things. First, I have I have my parents to thank because at a young mm -hmm. age, you know, their their example through, you know, my mom taking care of my father's parents like mm -hmm. they were her own. Um, you know, my father obviously got his emphasis on Holocaust education from my grandfather. Right. who. Um, was not only involved at the state level with Holocaust education, mm -hmm. so was my dad when he passed away. My older brother in Memphis, um, you mm -hmm. know, is, is filling out his term 
um, a position appointed by by the the governor. And mm-hmm. so for me, I've always had a really strong Jewish um, identity, but I wasn't really challenged to learn my story until mm-hmm. I started experiencing anti-Semitism in college. Yeah. You know, I think I, that this is hard for people to understand if you've never been discriminated or or just uh, um, singled out because of where you come from. Uh, what right. was that like in college to experience that? Well, so when I was 18, I went abroad to Israel for a year before mm-hmm. I went to college. Um, I was in the army for three months. I did archaeological digging. Did you um, do, wait a minute, did you do Friends of Israel? Um, yeah, uh, that was my my volunteer yeah. Israel program. My yeah, ex-husband did that. He was in the army. Oh my God, what a freaking, of course, you know, my ex-husband's an old man now. Sorry, Mark. Um, <laughs> we love you, Mark, wherever you are. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so he did Friends of Israel. That's really cool. Yeah. And, you know, my whole intention there was, first of all, the only reason I went to Israel was because it was this opportunity that was always talked about mm-hmm. in my camp. And I always knew it would be something that I would do. It's just as I got closer, there were more reasons of why this was so great for me and why this was so great for me. And mm-hmm. I can tell you academically, I could have gone straight from high school to college, no problem. Right. But socially and emotionally, I needed the space to get Mm. away from my family, to feel independent. It was really the first time in my life as a woman, I felt sexy and smart and confident Mm. and independent and really celebrated, you know, for who I was. So that year changed my entire life. And so I I was so excited to move to Florida go to college, study business, make a lot of money, and then go into (laughs) politics. And the first week of school, when a boy said to my face, a really cute boy said to my face, that Israeli soldiers drink blood. I was like, do I look like someone who would drink blood? And when he was saying all of these things to me, I didn't have facts to to back up Mm -hmm. what I was saying. I just had stories and experiences. And in that moment, when you say like, how did I feel experiencing discrimination? Yes, I grew, I, I grew up a very proud Jew, but in that mm-hmm. moment, when I first experienced anti-Semitism, mm-hmm. it wasn't you're violating my religion. It wasn't, I'm so smart. I know the history and, and you're wrong. It was this country changed my life. And I know that what you're saying is wrong. It's yeah. almost like somebody saying something bad about your best friend. Yeah. And so it was through that challenge that I realized my grandparents survived the Holocaust, but that's all I know. Right. I lived in Israel, but I couldn't really tell you where it was on a map. I couldn't show you that history. So mm-hmm. through getting involved with all these different nonprofits, I got the opportunity to travel. I got the opportunity mm-hmm. to have resources to plan events on my campus, which gave me confidence and gave me connections and gave me experience. And I was really ahead when it came to organizing in college, because as a teenager, I was never a straight A, you know, student. Mm-hmm. I was certainly never like the star athlete, but my whole life, I've always had a commitment to service and through my commitment to service, that's how I've been able to develop my leadership skills, my communication skills. Mm. So it was, it was through a complete accident that, um, I found my passion and it was through learning my story, embracing my story. Not only did that propel me to success 
so much quicker, right. but it taught me how to create opportunities to inspire other people to share their story, to learn yeah. their story and to empower others to listen first, share second. Yeah. You know what? And here's the thing. And I think that we're so quick and I am so guilty of this at times and I have to continue to work at being better for it. Right. Um, I do not want to be the person who is speaking too much and is not listening enough and it's not hearing because listening and hearing are two different things. But I think that it's so important that we make it a point to really embrace the stories of somebody else um, yeah. because and as, it's key. Yeah. And as someone who lost a parent a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. for me to inspire young people to have those conversations, yeah. ask those questions, listen to your grandparents' story while you yeah. still have the privilege of them being here. Oh my God. So good. Such good advice. You know where I, what rabbit hole I went down the other day, the other what? night? Oh my God, this was a freaking rabbit hole. I typically don't, my phone shuts off, right? At 9.30, it says, hey, it's time to get ready for bed. <laughs> and then at 10 o'clock, it shuts off, notifications, whatever. But I happen to get a notification and I don't usually have them turned on, but it was on, what is that app? The, uh, you know, the Ancestry app. And it says, oh, your DNA has changed. I'm like, really? (laughs) I didn't feel anything. My DNA doesn't feel like change. Okay, let me go check it out. So I went in and then all of a sudden I was, and it it had like, you have hundreds of matches in the world. These are the people you're related to. And I started to go down my, this rabbit hole. And, And I realized that, you know, I was very close to my mom's mom from El Salvador my dad's dad and dad's mom. I knew my my maternal, my paternal grandmother, not as well. I didn't get to spend, you know, didn't live with her for a long, I would spend time with her in New York. She would come to visit in Miami, but it was the kind of thing where um, I heard some stories, but the amount of stories that I've chipped away from learning from my cousins and other family, the stories are amazing of the people that I, that came before me. And, you know, my, my, my grandfather, um, his dad, they came from, um, they came, well, my family would always say Italy, but it's not Italy. It's Corsica. Um, but there were two brothers that came and left everything and worked the, and, and, and bought a farm. And it was like that kind of thing where we don't know where we're coming from. And I think that those roots that are there can really help us to ground us and yeah. create um, just a, a starting point for us to go anywhere we want to go, knowing that totally. the people that have come behind, before us have given so much for us to be here where we right. are. Right. And I almost feel like I've never had this thought before, But I almost feel like historically, we've tried to pass on a lot of that stories through stuff. Like this was the cup, this Mm -hmm. was the table. And eventually that stuff starts to add up, you know, I'll never forget like when COVID first started and my mom Mm -hmm. decided like, you know, hey, I'm going to redo this house that I've been in my entire life and the one that I grew up in and I'm getting rid of all this furniture. I was Mm -hmm. like, mom, I'm so proud of you of 
letting go of some of these things, because Mm -hmm. sometimes instead of honoring the story, we start telling ourselves a story of like why we need to like accumulate, like, you know, accumulate all these things. And we think about where technology is today. Mm -hmm. I tell so many of the students I mentor, like, Hey, do a podcast with your grandma. You don't have to put it out into the world. Yep. But do a podcast with your grandma and you will be so grateful yeah. when you're older that you have that. You Absolutely. Know, if, you see, if you wanted a video done, like I, I was at a bat mitzvah party the other <laughs> night, I was laughing with somebody. You used to have to pay thousands of dollars to have a photo montage at right. your party. You just have to hire an expert. <laughs> right. And now your iPhone will do it. So well, it's just a oh, matter for sure. of you know, how intentional do you want to be about mm-hmm. creating time yeah. to support those stories? Because you know, it, it's, if you don't make the time, it's it's not going to just like happen. You it's going to go and, away. And here's the thing. I actually, one of the colleges and where I volunteer for the leadership program here in Connecticut, um, the, the young women have to choose a project. And actually, um, Angelica was one of my mentees. And... Um, they worked in a project and they called it the Voices of a Silent Generation, which is that World War II generation. And their project, because it's a social action project, was to actually go into the nursing homes and go in and record the stories of the people in the nursing homes. Because some of these these elderly people are not getting visits by family and they feel alone. And why yeah. should we have these stories die with them, right? Yeah, so. you know, one of my favorite questions to ask people of that age is what's one of the most beautiful memories you have from your from your life? Mm. One of the things about like listening that I've learned in the last couple of years is when you ask a powerful question, you almost have to count to a hundred in your head because the other person's thinking, and if you interrupt them while they're thinking, they're not going to share as deep of a, of a thought. And I'll never forget this older gentleman started crying mm. and he looked at me and he, he was a Jewish man. And he said, when I was in the American military during World War II, letting Jews out of concentration camps, that was one oh. of the most beautiful memory <laughs> from my life. And, you know, we can never look at people and assume, you know, <laughs> their experience or, or their values, you know, certainly when, where I met that man, it was a really, really, really nice nursing home. So certainly mm-hmm. he must have done well, or his children must have done really well for him mm-hmm. to be there. It just goes to show, you know, from 90 plus years of living yeah. that, you know, that's the, that's the experience you still reflect on at, at your old age. Yeah. And, and I have to say, you know, there's nothing um, that can, you know, I've been to the Holocaust Museum in DC. I've been to Israel several times. It's Israel's, so pro- cool. Israel's probably one of my most favorite places on earth because it is modern, mystical, is ancient, full of history, full of life. And mm-hmm. they're everywhere you turn. Um, I have to tell you a funny story. When I first went to Israel with my ex-husband, we were dating at the time. 
Um, and, and, and I, I used to work at a church. I was the confirmation director in charge of junior high youth ministry as well. But we go and, you know, here's nice Catholic girl, nice Jewish guy, go to Israel. And he, I, I always knew that I wanted to go to Israel. Right. But of course, in my brain, we're going to visit all the Christian sites. (laughs) <laughs> now, my ex-husband went to high school in Israel. He did um, Friends of Israel. He'd been there in the army a couple times. He had visited countless of times. So, of course, he knows Israel. And Israel's it, it's not a very big country, by the way, people. Um, its You can go, I think, five hours from one end to the next. And anyhow. Smaller than Jersey. <clears throat> smaller than Jersey. Correct. So now um, we go... And I'm like, well, what am I going to see the Christian sites? He's like, oh, don't worry. So we rent a car. And the first thing is, I I forgot where we were going. And we're driving from Tel Aviv at the airport, you know, where the capital city is, to Jerusalem. And all of a sudden, there's like two young guys in the army walking at the side of the road. He pulls over. I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, oh, we're giving them a ride. They're soldiers. I'm like, what? We're going to get murdered. Are you kidding me? Anyway, so for those people who don't know, this is just what you do. And he basically would open up the the map and he would show it to the people that we would pick up, the hitchhikers, because we did this for the entire 10 days that we were there, right? So he would show them the map and he would say, okay, where do you want to go? And they would say... (laughs) Oh, and this is, of course, okay, I'm going to date myself. Uh, Pre-GPS. Yeah, this is pre-GPS. This is before (laughs) the year 2000, okay? So um, a map, and they would point, and then we would drive and follow the map. And then he would hand me the map, and he's like, okay, what religious thing you want to see around there? (laughs) That's that's how I saw Israel. And then we would get to the religious site. And he, he, you know, he would like, okay, would get out. And he's like, oh, look, there's a tour in English. Go step up with them and go walk. (laughs) And then it ended up that there happened to be this tour that um, they were all, they were, they were English speaking, but we ended up like meeting up, meeting and coinciding with wherever they were going. So it was so funny because then you go to the, we went to the Dead Sea and they were there. We went to the Mount of Olives. They were there. We went to the River Jordan where they were baptizing them. And I, my ex, Mark, is like, go stand in line. Get baptized point, again. Like, we're going to call the cops. This lady is following us everywhere. <laughs> anyway, it was so funny. I actually just um, found some of those pictures from the Israel trip. I should I should scan them and post them. But it's so funny. I was I'm, I was thinking like. Oh my God, look at this cute little outfit I had going on. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I loved it. It was, it, and I mean, like, yeah, I could talk about Israel all day, but what's your favorite place in Israel? Oh God, there's so many. Um, Tel Aviv, like, will always be like my favorite city. Uh, <laughs> I could see you thing. as a Tel Aviv girl. Like, New York, Miami combined, but yeah, smaller on the beach. On the beach, um, for sure. 
but something really special. My first three months in Israel, I lived in this teeny, 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 tiny town in the middle of the desert called Arad. And what was really spectacular about Arad, besides the fact at the time it had like three street lights and like two, two restaurants, Mm -hmm. like that was it. Um, Every morning and every night, because we were literally surrounded by sand in the middle of the desert, the sunrise and the sunset, even for my apartment, the Mm. whole apartment would fill up with like all of these colors. And it was just like this almost real life magical kaleidoscope that you could get nowhere else unless you were in the Mm. middle of the desert. (laughs) Oh, my God. You know, um, have you ever heard of the the city of Spad? Yeah, yeah, Spad, of course. Okay. That's the most mystical city. Yes, in thank it, you. So. Thank you for knowing that. I love that you know that. It is the mystical city of Spad. Most candles for um, the Shabbos or um, any holidays or the Hanukkah candles come mostly from Spad. Uh, yeah, but it okay. is a mystical city. And we we got there. I don't even, this is not our first trip. It, I don't know. It was another one of our trips, but we got there in the middle of the night and we we're staying at this hotel and it was so dark. We go in, like we knock on the door, right? And like the innkeeper, and it was a fairly sized, not not a big, you know, chain, but it was like a good size hotel, not a tiny pension or something small, right? Um, anyway, so I remember like in the morning, we opened the windows and there were this mountains, beautiful mountainside and the sunrise just coming through. Oh, my God. Yeah. Netanyahu also. Oh, my God. Oh, Netanya is so beautiful, too. Oh, gosh. Yeah. You're yeah. making me want to go. I need a trip. <laughs> I listen next summer. That's on my vision board. It I, is? I'll, see, I'll see you there, sis. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. So good. Yeah. It, it, what, where else have you traveled? Um, so I was just in Italy this summer. My brother got <laughs> married there. Fun. Um, it, it was a blast. It was different because I'd been to Italy before, but that was like mm-hmm. with a very lazy ex-boyfriend. So like we did like some things, but like yeah. mostly just like did stuff that we could have done here in America. Whereas yeah. my brother and his wife, they've been to Italy tons of times. So going with them, um, yeah. going with them. Um, I, I truly felt like, you know, I was getting this really cool, authentic experience. Oh, so fun. I've been really blessed to bring groups of teenagers to Poland for Holocaust Remembrance Day to go really? camps and, uh, lead them also in Israel, uh, mm-hmm. not only to teach them about the history and things that I wish I had been exposed to when I was a teen, right. um, but to also give them the confidence so that when they go to college, should they experience, you know, any discrimination like I faced, um, you know, they, they have a lot more resources and, and knowledge and how to right. handle that. Um, I've been to Panama. Um, mm. That was an amazing trip. Cuba was incredible. Um, You've traveled, I, girl. I like it. Yeah. That's why we know, get along. I, I love to travel. I love to take pictures and pick out outfits and do my nails all cool for all these places. But also um, through the years, I've learned that when I travel, I really like to learn about the Jewish history Mm -hmm. and I like to write about it and I like to post about it because 
I realized with my personality and my experiences and my connections, yeah. most of the people I'm friends with are never going to go to a concentration camp. Most of the people I'm friends mm-hmm. with, no matter what their background is, most likely are not going to learn about the Jewish history in Cuba. But me, as their friend, yeah. Raina, when when I talk about it and I relate it to art or fashion or food and things that they care about, um, then, you know, I'm really creating opportunities for for other people to learn yeah. as well as for me to teach. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that this is something that a lot of people don't realize that, you know, there there is so much more than we can learn Um and then if if we if we get the chance to be with someone who has traveled and been to different places, then we have an opportunity to understand each other better, right? And exactly. and know and that house. yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, you live in Florida. Mm-hmm. What's the best part of living in Florida? That every day feels like spring break. My friends are five years old to one hundred and five. Um, you have all walks of life. There's always things going on. Um, where I live, the community is like very well taken care of. The city's mm-hmm. very clean and everywhere you go, it's always like very well manicured and gorgeous. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, in Tennessee, we'd certainly have some gloomy days and living in Florida, you know, not every day is always going to be a great day, but certainly yeah. when I'm driving around and I'm outside and my environment is vibrant and beautiful. Uh, that has a, a lasting impression on on my soul and on my productivity. I I don't understand how is it that you live in Florida and I've known you because we met through a mastermind. Um, yeah, but I I can't believe that I think I've been to Florida twice since I've known you and we never met up. So next time I see my sister. We yes. must meet up. I know you're in Boca, but we definitely need to meet up. Um, Raina, yeah. you, you know, you, you are an accomplished young woman. Uh, and, in addition to having traveled, you're starting a non-for-profit. You run this this teen tribe that you're changing lives. You're an author. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah. So the name of my book is called The Girl Who Said Hello to Everyone. Um it's, it's, that's really who I am. I learned, uh, from my late father, mm. um, just the, the importance of making everybody feel acknowledged and, um, mm-hmm. how to ask meaningful conversations so that you, yeah. you enjoy the experience and that, you know, possibly the other person could gain something out of it too. I love um, that. I always knew I would write a book. I just never imagined that my first book would be a children's book, but you know, beautiful things happen by accident. I, I was an, an accident baby here. I am, you know, 29 years yeah. later, but um, you know, I always like to tell my students, you should write when you're sad and you should write when you're happy. And when my father first passed away, mm-hmm. I wrote this poem about the different like things that he had taught me and the values I picked up from him. And I honestly forgot about the poem And then when COVID hit and I was all sad and I pulled out Mm. my journal uh, and started writing again, I found this old poem and I finished it. And I reached out to a friend I haven't seen since elementary school. And I was just like, hey, it's COVID. I know the world's on fire right now, but I wrote this poem about my dad. You were always an amazing doodler. I know I haven't seen you since like fifth or sixth grade. Mm -hmm. Would you be interested in illustrating this into a book? 
And my friend Allie was like, oh my God, Raina, of course, I, I'd love to help you. I've always wanted that. to illustrate a book. And when Allie said, yes, I'll help you, I realized that Allie's name is short for Alan. And my late father's name was Alan. So uh, before it even got anywhere near. Shared. Yeah. COVID gave me the gift to be mm. so present that mm-hmm. I made that association. And I literally went to the mirror and I looked at myself and I said, whatever you need to do to figure this out, like you got to follow through on this one because in mm-hmm. life, we always have so many ideas and intentions mm-hmm. and we don't always follow through. And, and that's normal, Yeah. but I yeah. do not want this to be one of those things that I look back at and said like, shit, should have done it. Could have done, done it. it. Should have, would have, could have, you can't, you know, and this is one of these um, thought errors that although I'm a business coach and I help my, my, my business owners, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, boss ladies, boss up, you know, the, the thought errors that are in our brain, like shooting ourselves and living in the shoulds. And those are the things that prevent us from really moving ahead. And if you can work through overcoming those thought error patterns, then you are able to accomplish so much more. Um, I love you know, and I, and I, and as you were speaking, I said it was beshert, uh, which in, in uh, Yiddish means meant to be, or is it Hebrew? Correct me. Oh my gosh. I think, I think it, I think it is Yiddish. It, it is Yiddish. Right. Okay. Yeah. You're it's right. beshert. It's meant to be. And Alan was your dad and your friend, um, Alan as well. I mean, like, that's amazing. And there's yeah. certain things that really align in this world. And you, you know, you took the opportunity to put this together, even though, you could have said, you know what, I, let me just go and, and uh, binge on TikTok and eat, you know, potato chips because we're in, we're in lockdown. That's amazing. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. By the way, you have a brilliant quote. Um, Anger is like fire. It could only grow to do more damage. Nothing puts those fires out better than kindness. Yeah. Kindness is cool. Where do you come up with this stuff? Oh, my God. In, in the gym, in the car, with friends. <laughs> Um, you know, even when I was working at my old job, the rose grows was just sort of like a saying Mm -hmm. when one grows, we all grow. Um, they were just things that sort of like came out, you know, from my experiences and, you know, people are always telling me like, you know, you, you do so much like stuff, like, you know, book and speaking and like this, like how does everything connect? And the way it all connects is, you know, I only touch projects where I can authentically like be myself and where mm-hmm. we promote kindness, conversation, resilience, because, you know, public speaking, fundraising, mm-hmm. those are all things that you can learn and develop over time. Right. But kindness, conversation and resilience, um, those those are three like core values that every single mm-hmm. person on this planet needs. Oh, my gosh. That, okay, I need to quote you on that. Uh, kindness, conversation, and resilience. I think yeah. that that is so true because I think that especially in this world of, you know, COVID, post-COVID, whatever you want to call it, everything that is that is happening, you know, we in, misinterpret our conversation so many times. But if we just stop to, 
you know, stop assuming we know what other people think or mean or want from us and just say, you know what, I'm just going to send kindness their way. Um, Or I'm just going to listen, right? Have the conversation. And if they do, if they do say something or if they're, you know, if, if they, you know, hurt you, not that they can hurt your, you know, you hurt yourself by what you're thinking, but really you, you become resilient. Like, Hey, you know, I messed up or I screwed up or that relationship, I can bounce back. And these are key things that would make us all better if we really went after them for sure. Yeah. And, and I'll should say too, you know, through sharing your, your challenges, through sharing your tragedies, um, you know, I, I've always been vulnerable. I never realized till I was like an adult that that was like, you know, like a strength. Like I love telling my Uber driver, you know, my life story or like, you're never going to believe what just happened when they pick me up. Yeah. But, um, recently, and I know I touched on this in the mastermind yesterday, when we talk about, you know, how powerful our, our thoughts are, um, you know, financially, I've always been in a position where every month I've, I've always paid off my Amex, you know, mm-hmm. thank God my parents paid for my education. Um, but through a series of events starting this past May, um, mm-hmm. I got to a point where I was just paying that minimum yeah. and it got to a point, I'd say two months ago where every single morning I would wake up and my very mm-hmm. first thought would be I owe Amex zero, 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 like whatever, the, right. number whatever was. the number was. Yeah. And it crippled my entire day. And Mm -hmm. I'm not someone who gets embarrassed or is ashamed, Mm -hmm. but this was something that I was like, I, I held it in. I didn't want to talk about it with people. Mm -hmm. And a couple things happened that changed. Number one, um, you know, really good friend of mine, Krista shout out. Um, (laughs) we, we just met recently, but friendship's not, how long you've known someone it's, it's how that person treats you. Yeah, for Um, sure. And having, you know, the, the courage to share that with Krista and share that with some other friends. Mm -hmm. Once I put that out in the open, that was step one. Mm -hmm. And then step two was anytime I thought about Amex or anytime I thought about boy drama or anytime Mm -hmm. I had a thought that wasn't good because no matter how, happy or successful or unsuccessful, whatever it is, you're going to have good thoughts and you're going to have bad yeah, thoughts. For sure. So for the last month, every time I have a bad thought, the second it comes to my brain, mm-hmm. I've been telling myself I am healthy. I am wealthy. Yes. Most of the time I say it, I really like, don't even believe what I'm saying. It. I'm just saying it to not think that that bad thought. Mm. But when I you in the last month I've paid off half my balance I've booked eight speaking engagements I've launched a nonprofit all these people who've been in my life the whole time mm-hmm. who are now supporting me and helping me including you it wasn't that y'all weren't there before it was that I wasn't putting myself energetically right. emotionally physically in the space to even receive girl I the, the support. You know, amen. And here's the thing, you know, even and and you and I had this conversation briefly, too. Right. Because I I had the choice during covid to either 
feel sorry for myself. And boy, did I feel sorry for myself. And I had to journal about this. And, and, and I, um, I think I talked about it. I don't know if I talked about it on a podcast, uh, you know, because I haven't really been recording, but, or am I, I might've said this to my group coaching class, but like, I had to really push myself and realize that by feeling sorry and feeling bad about like poor me, sick, meh, want, want, right? Then my brain, then I'm going to feel like shit. And when I feel like shit, then I don't do the things. And then I just sit in my, you know, two, three day old pajamas, right? My hair is not combed. I jumped in the shower and I went back and I, and I said, you know, this is one morning I woke up and I'm sitting there and I realized that the result I was getting of feeling shitty is because I was thinking I was having a shitty time of being sick. And was it yeah. hard to get out of bed? Of course. Did I feel phenomenal physically? I didn't. But when I, you know, uh, Dr. Fogg, I, I'm a certified tiny coach habit. I had tiny habits coach. Uh, Dr. Fogg, one of the tiny habits that he teaches is open your eyes. And when you open your eyes, you tell yourself it's going to be a great day. And then you whoop, whoop, celebrate it. Right. And that, that morning, OK, I had to pee, got up. OK, hi, I'm just going to be a great day. And the dogs are following me to the bathroom. I'm like, boys, <laughs> it's going to be a great day. Whoop, whoop. And I didn't feel like it, but I said it. And then I was like, I'm going to jump in the shower. Then yeah. the, what, what was the next best thing? I'm going to comb my hair. No, you know what? I'm going to wash it and I'm going to blow dry it. And that it's like, okay. And at the end of the day, I felt better. And we get so stuck in the minutia that that guy cut us off or my boss yelled at me, but we have the power to not allow it to hurt us. We can't allow that, you know? and, and, And if we think back to, you know, the resiliency of our human race, even of the people who went through the Holocaust. Think about yeah. the goodness and kindness and beauty that they put out into the world despite what they went through. So, yeah, I, anyway, I'm off my soapbox for the day. <laughs> yeah, no, I just, I, it's, you know, it, it's so much easier to be kind than it is to, to be mean. And it takes a lot of energy to be mean. It and drains you. Yeah. And, you know, when you feel bad about yourself or you're down on a situation, mm-hmm. helping someone else out is is always going to bring yeah. you more light and, and more Agreed. energy. And this mm-hmm. is why I love a lot of your message. And this is what I love about you, because I think that even, you know, in what you were talking about, you decided, you know what, I don't know where my, that money's coming from, but I'm going to, you know, I, I'm going to change what I'm my tune. Change yeah. the radio station. And, and and when I tell you that that station is so changed, for those of you who are just meeting me for the first time, my cat is now modeling for Chewy. My cat is bringing in there money. So I want to hear you say now, I am healthy. I am wealthy. I know it sounds yeah. dizzy, but it is, it is that mantra is working out great for me. It is, you know, I, I, um, I have, uh, my husband thought I was nuts when we first got married, um, I I say to myself, money comes easily and frequently to mm-hmm. me. And I have these fake $100 bills and I write on them that says, 
money comes frequently and easily to me. And I have them in like weird places of my house. So like when I'm going down to the laundry in that, I hate the basement. Okay. I don't hate it, I guess, but I, it's not my cup of tea to go down the rickety old steps to the dark, damp basement, but I have it in there because I want to see it and remind myself that money comes easily and frequently to me. And, you know, we have to focus on that. Yeah. And, and my biggest advice too, for business owners is don't focus on the number, focus on, I have the ability to help so many people. I have the ability to inspire, you know, someone I have a program or I have a product that's going to change lives because when you go at it from a place of service and love, Mm. you're going to, you're going to attract the clients and the gigs and the speeches and the programs that you want. Yeah. When you're coming at it from the angle of, you know, my, my product costs a hundred dollars. And if I sell 200 of them, I'm going to get this amount of money or I owe Amex this amount of money and I'm going to get it like this. Yeah. Um, The formula doesn't work like that. No. And, and, and even in your job, if you're looking to, um, you know, if you're looking for that promotion and all you're focusing is like, oh my God, I need it. I need, I need, I need a raise. I need to make more money. Look at it from, you know, how, can I change to mm-hmm. grow with the skills that will make a larger impact in yeah. the place, yes. in the work where I, I, whatever it is that I'm doing. Um, whether, whether yeah. that's in your office or outside <laughs> of the office, like when you're talking about growing a skill, when COVID first started, um, a bunch of my speaking engagements have been canceled. And I was like, okay, as a speaker, I tried, I'm done. Let's get a full-time job. There were no full-time jobs available. Mm-hmm. And I listen a lot to Gary Vaynerchuk. And one him. of the things that Gary preaches is get stuff and flip it on eBay. So I went on Facebook and I started mm-hmm. sourcing all these books, Harry mm-hmm. Potter, whatever, people cleaning up their house because it's COVID. Right. And I would take those free books and I would sell them on eBay. And my brother, Julie, used to make so much fun of me. Be like, oh, Raina, you made 13 cents. Oh, Raina, you made $2. Mm-hmm. Well, Learning how to ship those books for eBay came in real handy months later when I had to yeah. ship a thousand of my own books all around the country. That's fabulous. So no, first of all, no experience is too small or Never. too insignificant. You know, even as an entrepreneur, I take mm-hmm. on side hustles. Recently, I've been doing a lot of catering, you know, for uh, a girlfriend of mine and I learn stuff every time I go. I learn how to plate the food. I learn yeah. how to set the table. And these are all things that, um, you know, are only going to enhance mm-hmm. my future endeavors while also helping me accomplish my financial goals. Absolutely. I mean, like, uh, uh, you know how my brain works, right? So now I'm thinking, ooh, she knows how to plate. She knows all these things. She could possibly create like this whole other arena where she's in her mentoring to young girls teaching them this skill that if they want to be caterers, they can do a hundred, you know, a hundred percent. When, when I was in college, I was, mm-hmm. you know, limited to, to babysitting. I didn't have a mentor who said, Raina, you're speaking for all these nonprofits. You should charge them. Raina, you know, you're organizing all these events. Mm-hmm. You could be getting sponsors. I didn't have that kind of support. Right. Whereas with the teens I'm working with now, they're launching businesses, they're launching podcasts, things yeah. that I wasn't able to do until my late twenties. They're now accomplishing at 15, 16, 17. And when we look at the future of the Mm -hmm. workplace and we look at 
how many women, you know, receive venture capital. I'll never forget when I worked in the nonprofit world, when I would interview interns, Mm -hmm. the majority of the applicants were always women. So at a young age, women Mm -hmm. are invested and interested and intrigued by leadership. It's just, there needs to be more spaces for them to get the skills and have the opportunities to be heard, seen in a position of leadership because it doesn't, doesn't exist in the schools. And if you're not lucky enough to be a part of, you know, a network or a nonprofit or a certain community, then unfortunately, you know, your, your, your children is, is going to miss out on that development at a, at a critical time in their life. What, what you just said in, you know, and I want to unpack this a little more because, you know, you're talking about the amazing things that your mentees are able to accomplish at a young age, right? You, they're 15, 16. Now let's move this another step further. How old are you, Rena? I'm 29. She's 29 and she's a speaker. She's a philanthropist. She's traveled the world. She has a podcast. She has a business. She's launching a non-for-profit and she also has written a book. Now, if you are listening to this and you're like, oh, holy shit, I'm a terrible person because I have not accomplished anything in my life and look at her. I want you to know that one, number one, get out of your own, get out of Lorena's lane, stay in your own lane, put your eyes on the prize of where you are, because I am so sure that you have had a big impact. You just haven't had that record that you're keeping of what you've accomplished. But more importantly, you did not have that role model because in when we were 29 we didn't he, see a lot of our mothers doing this we didn't see a lot of our grandmothers maybe sometimes we did but ultimately as women we haven't had you know all these women in the c suite we haven't had all these women just breaking barriers in Rena's yeah. in a point in which she is doing that and we no matter how old we are have the opportunity to continue to grow and do these things so that we are not the exception to the rule. We are the norm and stay, stop the comparison, but really focus on what is it that you can do now? You know, think about, you know, I think of, you know, so many different women, Uh, Mary Kay Ash, for instance, founded Mary Kay Cosmetics, which still, if you look at their sales, In the world, they probably have the most sales. Okay, well, we can go and sidetrack ourselves on that. But the reality is that she started a multi-million dollar company at age 40, right? Age doesn't define us anymore. Mm -mm. Age is a number that if you stop thinking about it, just think about what you can accomplish today by giving of your skills and committing yourself and intentionally deciding what you want. Yeah. And, and I, yeah. And, and I would add, I think one of the ingredients that has made me so successful has come from my parents training mm. me at a young age that everybody has something to teach you no matter how old they are. Yeah. So for me, even though I know people are different ages, my whole life, I've always talked to everybody the same because 
I've, I've just, I've, I've always felt drawn to people yeah. no matter how old you are or what your situation is. And I think having that ability to have input from, from such a, a, a large gap, yeah. um, just gives me, you know, unique forms of, of, of support, um, as well as more meaningful, you know, connections and relationships that enhance my day-to-day life. Yeah. And, and I think that, you know, that, that is such a huge accomplishment, you know, for sure that you've taken what your parents taught you and you're implementing that in your life. Rena, what is one big lesson that you want other people to know? Be the first to say hello. Oh, I love that. I can't, I can't tell you how many times throughout my life people have always said, you know, in my, in my yearbook or in conversation, like, you know, you were the first one to invite me to sit next to you. You were the first one to say hi to me. And when we're in new situations, everybody's like having, you know, some kind of anxiety. So if you... I keep saying this because I really believe that confidence takes courage. Mm. But if you have the courage to be that person, um, then, you know, people are really going to be drawn and want to want to be around you. Yeah, that's amazing. I love that. Um, One of the biggest things that I think that we see right now in our society is that people are splintering themselves because of beliefs, you know, and, and I'm not here to judge. I'm not here to say your beliefs are wrong, but I I'm seeing so much drama lately. Um, you know, your, your message of kindness definitely is one that is important, but how do we create bridges with each other? Yeah. So it comes in two ways. Number one, we need to celebrate differences. Mm. Um, Something that I learned like really impactful from our friend, uh, Kimmy Wilson, shout out to Kimmy, go sign up for her box. Yeah. We one time, you know, had a call and she was very emotional and she was saying, don't tell me that you don't see color. Don't tell me Mm. that you don't see my skin. My experience in this country is different. And she went on to say that, you know, I come from a background where I've always been friends, you know, with, with people of all races mm-hmm. and nationalities. And I've always said, I don't see color. I don't see skin tone, mm-hmm. but I realized in that moment, it it is about celebrating the yeah. differences. It is acknowledging mm-hmm. that we are different um, to understand each other. doesn't mean that, you know, we have to agree Um, And for me, what was really cool was when I was like working on this book, when we talk about differences, it's not just differences in in politics and how you believe, but Mm -hmm. we can also leverage our differences when it comes to our talents and when it comes to our passions, because, Mm -hmm. you know, I probably had 30 plus people contribute and making this book a thing because Mm -hmm. they all had skills that I didn't have. Right. So the book is truly like a celebration of, of, of all of our, of, of all of our differences. Yeah. So it's, you know, finding ways to, to, to really like listen to, to other people. Mm-hmm. It's not, um, 
it's not our place to tell somebody else that they shouldn't, you know, feel that way. Yeah. Uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I, I was having an argument with a friend and he made the comment that was like, no, it didn't happen like that. You shouldn't feel like that. Like da, 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 da. <laughs> and I just looked at him and I was like, I'm over what happened, but I just want to point out that when you're having a conversation with somebody, whether mm-hmm. you think you did something or not, mm-hmm. when the other person says I'm upset, then you acknowledge that that person's upset right. and you apologize when you start deflecting mm-hmm. to it meant this, or it did that right. you were invalidating mm-hmm. my experience. So right. like, I don't give a shit if you're actually like, sorry, but like, don't sit here and tell me that how I feel is incorrect because clearly if I'm communicating it, then this is how I feel. So like when it comes to building bridges, listen and, (laughs) and, and don't, and, and, and don't like push advice. Don't invalidate the experience. It's such a good advice. Um, we, we definitely, um, you know, can never say that we have walked on somebody else's shoes. Yeah. Like and, as a yeah. As a white woman, I've never experienced racism. As a Jewish student in college, I was cyberbullied. I had a fake eviction notice put on my door. I faced Holocaust discrimination. I went through a lot of shit as a Jewish mm-hmm. person. Yeah. Because being a Jew makes me a minority. Right. But for most people who see me on the outside, they're like, oh, right. you know, white woman. Yeah. Probably never experienced anything like that before. It's life. funny. We we actually, um, Dan and I, you know, my 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 handsome hot husband, hashtag, uh, and I have traveled. And one of the things that drives him crazy is, and, and I tell him it's because of my bracelets, because I like to wear a lot of bracelets, which I've taken off. Look there. I've taken them off so that I don't make a lot of noise in the podcast. But, right. um, but when I go when I go through security, I, I'm a little more colorful. I, I am a brown skinned person, maybe not as brown as others, but I typically get stopped. And he's like, I remember he was he he said he we were trying to catch a flight from we were we. We were in Switzerland in Geneva visiting my cousin and we were flying to to Spain and we were running late. And he and like I got like talk about pulled out of line, patted down, frisked. I, I've never been more intimate with a, you know, it wasn't TSA because we were in, in Europe. But yeah. I've never been more intimate, but I have been very intimate with other TSA agents. Uh, and he's like, and- I hated that my Hispanic wife gets pulled out of line all the time. And, yeah. you know, for people who, you know, people can say, oh, Julie, you know, maybe you were wearing too many bracelets or maybe this. But I've still had the experience. Yeah. Um, it's it's your experience and you know yeah. I need to get to the airport earlier because if I experience some of this racial profiling bullshit, mm-hmm. I can't afford to miss my flight. Yeah. And we we have to just, you know, even if you don't believe that I'm being racial racially profiled, which may or may not be the case, I don't think many times I am. I really honestly think it's my bracelets. But um, <laughs> but if someone says that to you, just listen. Don't invalidate the experience because we, we all want to be seen. We all want to be known. We all want to be understood. And 
just saying, wow, I'm sorry that happened to you goes a lot further than saying, oh, no, you weren't being whatever, right? Fill in a blank. So that's important. Um, What's the future for you, my friend? The future for me is traveling the world. Um, Sign me up. When's your next trip? Where are you going? Um, so my next working trip is, uh, Memphis, Tennessee next month. Um, I'm going on tour with the book. I'll be speaking in, um, a few different elementary and middle schools, all about the girl who said hello to everyone. Um, you should come to Connecticut. I would love that. Okay. You know Um, what? I know someone that knows someone that maybe we can work something out. Hold on. I need to make a note of that. Um, I would, oh my God, I totally, I, yeah. Okay. Let's talk about this offline. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, So you're traveling for the book. I'm, I'm stoked about that. I'm working with some teachers on some lesson plans to go along with my book for different age groups. So good. K through 12, also students, um, Mm -hmm. with special needs. Um, so it's, it's again, if I didn't have the support of, people like you and other people mm. in my community, um, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have the strength or the bandwidth to accomplish all that I do. Well, you have a lot of bandwidth. I'm going to tell you that. And you have a lot of um, gum, gumption. What is the word? I can't even speak lately. My God, Dan is afraid. Okay. So I learned to speak English. I learned, you know, obviously I was born in El Salvador. My dad is American. So he would, you know, speak to us in English, but I definitely, you know, Dan is afraid that as I get older, I'm going to revert to only speak Spanish. Oh, I love English. Oh, my God. I'll um, get him some Rosetta Stone for Christmas, though. Right. You think? Um, One of the biggest things that I I love about you, and I don't think a lot of people will know unless they go stalk you on social media, which they should. um, But tell me about your love of shoes. Oh my God. When you have awesome shoes, you go awesome places. And when you talk about confidence, when you are comfortable, you naturally come off more confident. Like, first of all, I will tell you in my college life, some of the most wildest, the most fun nights were the nights where my hair was in a bun. I had no makeup on and a t-shirt and was not expecting an adventure. And, um, I just kind of made the decision a long time ago that, I don't really want to wear high heels anymore. Like I still wear them occasionally, <laughs> but galas, dates, work, I'm always in sneakers and a dress. And, you know, through the years, I've definitely had people come up to me and be like, your sneakers are distracting. And, you know, I'm not going to let them dimmer my shimmer. I just say, you know, thank you very much. The best is, you know, when I'm at some of these big fundraising galas, you know, you have older women in like their seventies and their eighties coming up to me and they're like, can you wear those? And I looked at them. I'm like, it's 2021, baby. You can do whatever the hell you hell want. Yeah. And they're always like, whoa. whoa. I know, like, right? Oh my God, how funny. I have to say, I've been, I, I've of course been to several galas and, and events and um, I love dressing up. But one of the last gala, oh, it was actually before COVID, right? The last yeah. gala I went to was, um, for the children's hospital here in Connecticut. And mm-hmm. my friend is in charge of, you know, putting it together and we were helping volunteering. And I actually wore not sneakers, but I wore flats. And I was like, 
I don't care if these are not fancy flats. I don't care. I'm going to yeah. be comfortable. And, and guess what? When midnight rolled around, I was still dancing. And guess what? And I do have a nice collection of high heel shoes. Um, yeah. So yeah, there's a, there's a, there's, there's a time and a place for everything. And I truly believe everybody should have like something unique when it comes to their wardrobe, whether it's like socks are your thing or earrings are your thing, or you do something cool with your makeup, or you've always got on bracelets, you know, for some women, it might be something very expensive, like a handbag collection. And for others, it could be something as small as, you know, I just like always like to wear, you know, a watch, whatever it is. I love that. I love that. You know, I could probably talk to you for another hour, but I won't because I got to give my voice a rest. Um, it's been so fun to have you. Uh, Raina, how do people connect with you? And if they are interested, if they know uh, some teen girls that maybe need to um, be mentored um, to become the women of tomorrow today, um, how do they connect with you? Fabulous. Uh, thanks for thanks for putting that uh, self-promotion in there. You can find more information about my group mentorship at teen, T-E-E-N dash tribe, T-R-I-B-E dot com. Um, you can also learn more about me and uh, also my private mentorship at therosegrows.com. I'm active on all social media channels. If there's anything I can do to support you, support your daughter, help you write a book, answer any questions that you think I may have some experience or connections in that area. Uh, when one grows, we all grow and I want to support you. Jolie, thanks uh-huh. for having me on the Casa de Confidence. Well, thank you so much, uh, Raina Rose. And you're doing amazing things. Continue to do what you're doing. You're creating a legacy for yourself, but most of all, you're empowering women to go out and have a legacy of their own. And thank you for creating evidence that we can do anything that we set our mind to, no matter how old we are. And don't forget, go confidently in the direction of your dreams. Love it. Toodles. Welcome to Confident You Radio. This is Julie DeLuca Collins, and I am thrilled that you are joining us for this special programming and episode. You know what? We are getting into the holiday season, and one of the biggest things that I want you to do is to feel confident, feel confident in your own skin, feel confident about finding peace in the middle of chaos, feel confident about living in your purpose and really going out and sharing your goodness into the world. So for this wonderful summit, I actually have gathered some of the incredible individuals that have visited our Casa, Casa de Confidence, and they are here to share with you specifically some of the things that have worked for them. These conversations are designed to inspire you to go from a chaotic life to peace, to be able to learn to love and accept yourself, no matter what the circumstances are, to ensure that you love yourself before you expect to get the love from others. I am also sharing an incredible conversation in which you are going to learn how to turn your voice and your challenges into your victories, because we all have these challenges. We all have these things that pop up that 
you know, if we allow them, will keep us down. But I want you to know that comparing yourself to others is definitely the recipe for failure. So today in this wonderful summit, we are talking about how to be able to use your voice for change. I am also sharing with you a great interview with someone because we want to go ahead and overcome perfectionism. We want to really come into our own and we want to great, you know, be the queen of our life and wear our crown really regally while serving others. Because let's be face it, all of us are always going to be serving others. We're females, we're givers, we're, we're individuals who, if you're tuning in, you're a lot like all of us that want to just be of service. And I encourage you to remind yourself that you have this crown. So today I'm bringing you these incredible women and make sure that you follow Casa de Confidence and Confident You Radio. Stay tuned for this wonderful programming. Welcome back to another episode of the Casa de Confidence podcast. And yes, this is your host, Julie DeLuca Collins. It may not sound like myself yet, but I am still here bringing you amazing conversations. And today, I'm not going to lie, I was so excited because I love this young woman. She is someone who is my no BS um, sister. She is a life coach, certified coach. I have had the pleasure of being coached by her. And also, she has been a part of my coaching program as well at one point. So this is all in the family. Welcome to the amazing Christina Gonzalez. And again, Christina, now that you're part of Casa de Confidence, please introduce yourself and tell us more about you. Hello. Well, I am Christina Gonzalez and I am the Curvy Girl Dating Coach. And I help plus size women gain confidence as they navigate through their dating life. So I just want every woman to feel good and feel worthy and just own it every single day. Like if they ever have the thoughts like, I am too fat for somebody to date me, or I need to lose weight before I go on a date, or they're like, I'm just, I'm afraid that like, they're going to be disappointed when I meet them in real life. Those are all the thoughts that I've had, plus oh a thousand God. more thoughts. I love this. I couldn't love this anymore because here's the thing. The reality is that we live in such a world that there is a lot of um, stereotypes of what you should look like, who you should act like, what you should be doing. And the reality is that the world is made up of so many different individuals and you are going to be empowering amazing women to come into their own and guess what i know that as and and listen when i was in my 20s and i was dating i remember of course you're going to hear this right um I, I remember thinking oh my god who's going to ever want to date me and i was a size 14 first of all Yes, And it wasn't until um, I had to do a lot of work on myself that I know that I am worthy of love and I'm happy in my wonderful relationship with hashtag handsome hot husband, but it's not about me. Christina, tell us about your journey here and, and how did you get here? And I know that I made, I alluded that you are part of no BS. So take us through this journey with you. 
Oh my God. There's, there's so much. So I'll try to like shrink it down. So, you know, I was single for 10 years and I had so many ups and downs about being single. So it just until recently, you know, I've just kind of booed up a little bit, you know, like a lot of it, but anyway, so yeah, but in for 10 for 10 years from 27 to 37, I was single. And that's like the time where you're supposed to have these societal expectations, you know, where you're supposed to be married and you're supposed to have babies and you're supposed to buy a house. And that's just not true for everybody. And that Mm -hmm. is totally okay. You know, and you know, I just made it mean so many crappy things about myself that I was un unworthy of love and that I was just no good for anybody. And, you know, just, just ugly, ugly thoughts. And I just don't want anybody to feel that way anymore. Like it took me, you know, again, the 10 years plus more, I'm still working on myself every day. I'm not perfect. So, you know, just to get through those like really crappy thoughts and learn how to trust myself. And I want everybody to feel like sexy and bold and just own every single day of their life. And so, yeah, Yeah, you know, there's one thing that, and I just, I wrote it down because I want to make sure that I come back to it. I wrote two things down. You, you said I made it mean in ugly thoughts. Yes. Tell me when did you first realize that you had ugly thoughts because we all have them, right? There are these thoughts that are thought errors that we really hang on to and become these like recordings in our brain that we can't erase. But when did you start? When did you start to realize that, wow, that's not a very nice thought? Well, like 10 years later, (laughs) well, like really when I went through no BS, you know, um, and I, hired my old life coach and I learned that there, that there it's normal to have ugly thoughts, but you don't have to believe them. They're just words that go through your mind and you get to decide what, what they, what they make you feel like and how you're going to act around it. And, you know, so it wasn't until I did some of my like personal work with no BS that I was like, Oh, all this stuff is like just sentences running through my mind. Yeah. I, mean, I don't have to make it mean anything. And I just started like journaling and just investigating and, you know, seeing, seeing like what, who I truly am and how I can make myself, you know, be this, you know, not have those crappy thoughts. <laughs> you know, that, that's, that's so good that you talked about, you know, journaling and investigating. But for those people who maybe, um, are under a rock or new to my and my podcast and have never heard me talk about no BS. Tell us a little bit about what that is. So no BS is a um it's a weight loss program. It's um hosted can I say it's Corinne yeah, of course. hosted by Corinne Crabtree. She has a podcast called Losing 100 Pounds with mm-hmm. Corinne. That's how I started listening to her. It's actually a coworker of mine who um, referred me to her podcast. So I started listening to it and I was like, mm, I like this. Like she's real. She's, you know, she's all up in my head telling me the things that I say to myself, like real talk. And so just more and more. And this was back in like 2018 or so and 2017, 2018, one of the two. But um, 
I, you know, started following, you know, her, she had a free course and I took her free course and I saw some results and I decided to join her, um, her Her membership site, right? Her membership site. So yeah. And just in there, she's got monthly programs and she, you know, um, has, she has a different focus every month and I just, and that's how you and I met Yeah. And I met you through camp. Yeah. Yeah. So I remember the first time I met you at camp, I just thought you were so adorable and you, I I was a mentor for the no BS program and you were one of the people in my group. And I just thought, Oh my God, I'm so excited. I've seen her post. She's adorable. And I got to know you a little (laughs) better and and that was really fun. Um, and, and over the course of the time that I've known you, I'm so excited because I, I see this, not only with my clients, but with people in no BS and in different arenas in which if you are doing the work to shift the parts of you that don't serve you, you start to blossom and you really became committed to changing. And, you know, we all start a a journey of change for different reasons and our reasons shift. But I love to see how you continue to evolve and shift and really um, you shed layers of you and, and reinvent. And, and that's been really fun to watch. And I, I love Ooh. just seeing you thrive, which is so key in, in this journey of life. You know, we are all thrivers. We just need to realize that every movement, whether it's forward or backwards, is a movement that allows us to thrive. Don't you agree? Yes, I agree. And I mean, I just love being in a space with people that are growing and we're all at different paces and different speeds. And we just love to have each other's back and Mm -hmm. show each other like what we learn and what our experiences are. And it's just, just a fascinating, you know, environment to be in. And I love being a part of it. Yeah. And, you know, it's something that not a lot of people when they're growing up or coming up the ranks of life, right, that we're necessarily exposed to. Um, What was growing up like for you? And what was the journey that finally got you to a self-improvement track? I mean, I had a good life growing up. I mean, I had, you know, a multifamily home. I had my parents are still married. And, you know, we had my grandparents and my um, aunt that lived with us. And I was the youngest sibling of two, you know, my sister and I, and, you know, just typical, very typical, like American dream family. And, you know, and I just, I was in a lot of activities and a lot of sports and I was athletic. I was an FFA. I raised a pig, like oh my God, what was your pig's name? <laughs> um, Luli. Luli. <laughs> I don't know why I named her Lulu. That's adorable. But That's adorable. Yeah. So but now FFA, because I'm the city girl in me, I want to make sure I think Dan belonged to FFA. That's future, future farmers of America. Okay. I was in, okay, this is going to blow your mind. I was in future homemakers of America. Love it. That's awesome. Future uh, future homemakers of America. And I, I was in future teachers of America too, of course. Um, and yeah. I remember a friend once told me, you should join future business leaders of America. And I was like, business? I'm going to okay. be a teacher. That's awesome. <laughs> not that I ever I had any, any it, not that there's anything wrong, first of all. But I never had any inclination that I wanted to be the person that stayed home and, and was the mommy because I never wanted kids. But I had to join future homemakers because in Florida, you were supposed to, um, you were required to take home ec. 
So mm-hmm. as a practical arts in order to graduate. So you automatically were, you know, made a member of the group, which I thought was that's, crazy. I mean, that's how it was with FFA. <laughs> like I, I graduated early from high school. I went mm-hmm. to high school in three years instead of four years. And I'd always taken summer school with mm-hmm. like the classes that I didn't like, not because I was like, doing bad in a class, I took it as an elective in summer because I was like, oh, I hate history and government. I'm just going to take it. So I only have to take it. You hated history and government? Oh, don't hate me. I hate you, but that was my favorite (laughs) class. Yeah. And I was like, let's just knock it out. Good for you though. That's so smart. Yeah. So I took those all, you know, as a, you know, as an elective in summer school, just to knock it out. And then I could have more electives and have a less like weight, yeah. uh, uh, like a workload. Oh in my God. School. How smart are you? Well, I graduated in three years. There you go. That's <laughs> why you graduated in three years. But yeah. And so I just, um, ended up needing extra electives to kind of fill mm-hmm. in the gaps. So I was like, ah, I'll take floral design. And that was, um, That's amazing. floral design was the future farmer of America class. Uh-huh. So I was, they were like, oh, well you qualify to raise an animal if you want. I was like, okay, I'll just get a pig then, you know? Oh my God. So, okay. I'm sorry. I know that like, I have to chase this little thread. Sure. So did you live in a big house and was your pig outside or how did that work? No, so so we, had a, we had a school farm. Oh, so, okay. That makes sense now. Yeah. It okay. was just a school farm and all of us had our animals there. And some people that had land, mm-hmm. you know, had acres or whatever, had their own animals, but we just had a school farm and I would have to like drive there every day and feed her. Oh my God. That's a lot of work. Clean her up. This is lot. why you're so conscientious. You see, America has good education things going on. You, they <laughs> created a very conscientious person. And for the listeners who don't know, because I, I just assume everybody knows you're in Texas. Yes. If you don't know, I'm in Texas. <laughs> yeah, so. that makes a lot of sense. That's pretty cool. I think Dan, um, well, I mean, Dan grew up in a very rural part of the of the Connecticut. I don't know. I mean, he grew up in a farm. He had horses at one point. I don't know. I, we're going to have to talk about him later. Maybe we'll talk about his experience as a future farmer, which he's not. He's in aerospace now, which is so weird to me. Yeah, I'm definitely not a future farmer at all. <laughs> but it was fun for, you know, the year that I did it. That's pretty cool. And now, you know, and again, in growing up, you you had this wonderful home life. You um, pretty, you know, standard. But now you did it right away go into pursuing a career in coaching? No, I was a healthcare. I'm in healthcare. Okay. And so I, you know, wanted to be in high school. It's like, I'm going to be a doctor. I'm going to be in healthcare. Cause I've always loved helping people. Mm-hmm. And to me, I guess at the time I was just, you know, like helping people medical field, you know, mm-hmm. so I'll go to medical school and I'll be a doctor and whatever. And then, you know, I graduated early. I went to the university of Houston to start my basics, but like First, University of Houston is a um, commuter school, mm-hmm. you know, so I would commute every day. And um, then I graduated early, so I didn't have friends. <laughs> and so I'd be in these classes with 300 people. I didn't know anybody. It was just not, um, you know, high school was easy, but that environment was just not easy for me. And I was just kind of lazy. I kind of realized, like, I don't want to put in the effort for medical school, you know, and that's okay. You know, I was totally just like, okay. Yeah. So I was like, okay, well, I need to 
come up with something fast because I still want to help people. Mm -hmm. I don't know what to do. And at the time I did not, you know, and I still don't want to be a nurse, but nothing against nurses, but I knew I didn't want to be a nurse, but I was like, well, what else is there for Mm -hmm. me? You know? And I went to some um, seminar thing with, um, in allied health. And I ended up being a clinical laboratory scientist. So I graduated from the university of Texas medical branch in Galveston, eventually, you know, many years later, (laughs) and I became a clinical lab scientist and I worked in microbiology for several years and, um, and then a lab supervisor and, then I just, you know, as I started, um, my, you know, again, doing no BS Mm -hmm. and I started to grow and learn. And I was like, this is a way that I can help people. And like, I can still help people and it doesn't have to be in healthcare because that was the only time, like 20 years ago, however long it was that I graduated, Mm -hmm. you know, like that was the only thing that I could graduate 20 years ago. Not 20 years ago, but it was a while ago. All right. Because I was going to say, there's no way it can be 20 years. (laughs) I think I graduated in 07 from my college degree, something like that. It was a while ago. But um, so, you know, I I just kind of discovered like you know, coaching is a way I can help people. Mm -hmm. I have always been like the listener slash advice person, the, you know, no judgment zone, open-minded friend that is always an ear for people. And I just, you know, kind it kind of slowly evolved. I knew eventually that I always wanted to help um, single women. Mm -hmm. And because again, I had gone through that for so long and I loved watching my transformation of having these crappy thoughts and making myself feel so negative and low and unworthy that like slowly evolving into something so much better and feeling so much better and having such more serving thoughts for myself. I was like, I want to share this with other people. And I was at a seminar recently And one of the speakers there that I love to follow on social media, she, um, you know, kind of pulled me to the side at the end and I was like, she's talking to me. And (laughs) and she was like, you know, I, I heard you talk about your niche and you know, how confident are you? Why don't you, you know, you're coaching single women. Why don't you coach, you know, plus size women? And the like explosion of fireworks came and there was a band playing in my head. And That's I was amazing. like, oh. yeah, I, I love <laughs> like, in business when individuals get there. Right. And they have this like, holy. And, you know, for many, for many of us, I think that there's such fear that when we niche down, the further we niche down, the less we are going to be able to serve others. But in reality, we can serve more when we really are so clear and really niche, niche, niche down. And I I love that about you. And I and I've seen a complete change in you. And that was, um, you know, it's been in the back of my mind. Oh, I need to ask Christina. And you know, one of those things that you like forget to take action on because you don't put it on your calendar. And then is I've seen this transformation. I'm like, she's glowing. I want her to share this whole new journey that she's on. And because it's, it's, it's wonderful to watch, but for you, you know, you're in a, you're in a good place. You're dating someone, your career is, is great. And then you're thriving as you're, as you're growing as a coach. Um, what obstacles though, 
do you feel really define you in your life? What obstacles have I had to define me in my life? You know, I think a lot of it, again, is um, understanding feelings. Like, you know, if I was mad, I just talk trash about being mad. If I was sad, I would just like overeat or overdrink or go to sleep and ignore like stuff, those feelings of sadness or anger or whatever, and just, you know, anything. And I ignored and um, being happy, like, okay, I'm happy. Yay. And I didn't celebrate that or figure out why. So like all of these emotions that we experience and just ignoring them or just brushing them off. I think that that was a huge obstacle (laughs) because now that I can like see the whys, you know, like, why am I really mad instead of talking crap? about, oh, this person made me mad and this and that, and I can't believe them and they should do this. Like Mm -hmm. there's so much energy that is just so not serving me. So like figuring out, okay, what is it really that I'm mad at? Like, you know, they are just, they just did something. They said something, you know, (laughs) so what, why am I really mad? And like taking the time to like step back, acknowledge that it's okay to have a feeling and then just like thinking about it. And then moving on to it, be like, okay, well, there's no sense of being mad anymore. I'm over it. So like, how can I truly get over it? So I think that was a huge obstacle that was different for me before, Mm -hmm. which is so much help, like more helpful now. Yeah. You know, one of the things that um, I I see the parallel in your life is that you are a scientist in in your uh, J-O-B and you investigate, Mm -hmm. but this is exactly what you started to do in your life to overcome some of the thoughts that weren't serving you is really investigating like, oh, why is that making me mad? And really being able to kind of put that puzzle together, I think is is, is that parallel. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. It's just like, okay, what's not working? <laughs> just like when you're a scientist, like something isn't working, this isn't happening. So what, you know, what can we do to make it better? <laughs> and I think that that is a huge parallel. And since I have that little science brain, you know, it, it comes you know, I wouldn't say easy because it's not easy, but you know, it, I can becoming more experienced, not only with your own experience, but now that you're working with clients and moving through that process. Absolutely. Yeah. I actually, um, I spoke to a client today and, um, we, we were really wearing our little lab coats and investigating like, well, you're feeling this way, but what, why? Right. And it's amazing how we don't ask that question enough, whether mm-hmm. um, we're feeling crappy about our relationship with our spouse or, you know, for instance, for me mm-hmm. in the past three weeks, it really has been uh, a, a, an interesting journey of the mind because I really felt like I was in a, oh, I, if you asked me where I was three weeks ago, <laughs> oh my God, I had my shit together. I was like, look at me doing my work. My brain is such a great space, all these wonderful things. And and listen, wonderful things continue to happen. But when I got diagnosed with COVID, first of all, it was like, you have COVID. And I was like, shit, how does this happen? Okay. I know how this happened, but shit. And and then I, I went into like beating myself up because I worked so hard to stay safe because that was a big fear that I had. Um, especially having an autoimmune and Mm -hmm. I did everything. And then all of a sudden the control was taken away from me. Mm -hmm. And then I, I decided, I'm like, well, how do I want to feel with all of this? Right. And I'm, I set up a goal for how I wanted to feel. 
And then all of a sudden, my body was fighting and my mind did not want to fight my body. Like I laid in bed. I'm like, I think I'm going to die now because there mm-hmm. were days that I felt like that. And mm-hmm. that, that feeling like, you know, and, the, and then like the, um, this past week on the, on the episode, I have my friend Seth and he talks about the smile from the inside method. And mm-hmm. it really was reconnecting to, you know, being able to, you go through shock when something happens, right? And then you go through, he calls it the M, S is for, shock, you know, smile. M is for acceptance. And you yeah. like have to accept what's happening, but sometimes you don't feel like accepting it. And that you don't believe in that. <laughs> and then um, I, it, it, I forgot what the I is now. He's going to kill me. Anyway, but that's not about him. It's, but that's that's what happens in our life. And I think that, um, I had to really, you know, start to really investigate again, all these feelings again, and start to work and chip away at some of these things that were causing me discomfort and causing me to really, you know, kind of sit in the poopy diaper like Corinne talks about, right? Right. Well, yeah. And that's the thing. It's like our brains want to feel you know, comfortable and norm, you know, like they don't want to be in discomfort, but you know, they want to keep us safe. Like that's the brain's job is to keeping, to keep us safe. But, you know, sometimes we got to feel a little discomfort (laughs) to get to the other side, you know, (laughs) because you just have to kind of teach your brain, like, stop that brain. You just want to keep me, you know, Mm. normal, but you know, I need to get through that discomfort to get to the other side. So it kind of fights you, but yeah. And, and, and there's, and I think that being aware too, that that's, what's going to happen. Right. And it's normal and we cannot allow ourselves to feel down because we're having these thoughts. That's just Mm. what the brain does. And then the other right. thing too, and I, I, I've, I've started to use the analogy that, you know, in, in shifting our thoughts, we can't just shift. We can't just flip a switch. Mm-mm. We can't it, because that's not how it works. Um, right. Our brains and our thoughts that don't serve us are not on a switch. They're on a dimmer and you have to gradually turn the knob. And that's what really gets you going and makes that progress for you. That is such a good analogy. I love that. I love analogies. So I don't know. My brain sometimes just creates these. I'm like, oh, I was like, I'm writing that down. You can use it, but give me credit for it. I was like, that's brilliant. Uh, But yeah, so listen, Yogi is probably going to bark in the background in response. Like, sorry. No, never. Listen, don't you, did you forget already? I have that rule. No apologies when you're talking. (laughs) That's true. Apologies. Yes. Um, Who would you say up to this point has influenced you the most in your life? Well, I mean, I'm not, I'm trying not to be on the Corinne Crabtree boat, but you know, she did. I I talk about her all the time. Um, you know, it's just like, I was about to say, I'm sorry. No, we're not saying I'm sorry. No, but Corinne Crabtree again, Mm -hmm. like, she is just the real, real, you know, she like going in, she speaks the truth. She tells it like it is. She is no BS. She is Absolutely. the of no BS. And so she really has changed my entire perspective in life. Like, you know, I go into this, you know, this program thinking, you know, oh, I'm going to lose weight and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, I've had some success losing weight, but the, all the other things that I've learned is just incredible and has really like 
turned a lot of my perspective around. And not only that, she is like a business, good, yeah. awesome, amazing person. Oh no, absolutely. And I mean, <laughs> okay. you know, and, and again, I mean, I've, she is I've bold. been a friend of Corinne's since forever. I've been part of her memberships forever. And for the people who don't know Corinne, um, you can go back and look, listen to her episode that was published in January. Um, it is episode, uh, hold on, I was going to look it up. It's episode 57. So definitely check out the episode with, with Corinne. She is our guru mentor uh, for many of us. But, you know, it, the thing is, and, and if we're going to compare ourselves to Corinne in some ways, she had to start somewhere and she had to make hard choices and she had to put herself to the discomfort. Uh, and I know that um, you actually shared that as one of your favorite quotes. Um, you, and, and I was taken back by that, first of all, because um, I love that. You said that discomfort is the price of growth. And, uh, you know, I, I've, I had that said to me by a coach, mm-hmm. by a friend as well. Um, It wasn't Corinne at the time. Um, But, you know, the whole concept that, you know, for me, the moments in which I've been the shittiest, and even now during COVID, I was in a lot of discomfort. But I think that the growth that I'm starting to feel and see have been the currency that I've paid for that growth. Yeah, and being going through that discomfort. Um, What made you come up with that as your life mantra quote? I think I just use it all the time. Like, you know, anytime I'm just like uncomfortable and I'm like, okay, why am I uncomfortable? I'm like, oh yeah, because this is new, you know, and I just have to get used to Mm -hmm. whatever this new thing is or, you know, and just, I don't know. I just feel like the reward is at the end of that discomfort, like just getting through it. It's, I mean, and even if it's not, you know, sometimes we just need to make the next best decision. And that's also one of my mantras. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So those two, but usually, you know, dis- I don't know. I'm just, discomfort is a, you know, uncomfortable feeling, but just sitting through it and allowing it and just letting it be there and be present to whatever it is that you're trying to accomplish, it just, it's so worth it. You know, like if you don't know how to do something and you try to do it, it doesn't feel good because you don't know what, you know, what's going to happen. It just getting through it. Like Um, the first time you do a podcast, it's uncomfortable uncomfortable. and you're really nervous. (laughs) But this is not your first podcast. First of all, it is. Yeah. Oh my God. I'm so honored. First I of all, know. I, it's not going to be your like, last oh my God, podcast. I'm so nervous. It's not going to be your last podcast because number one, you know, you are very outgoing and you have some phenomenal um, things to share. Your personality is just a natural for this. So it's not your last, but for you, you know, in, in, in working with the individuals that you're working with, um, what have you found that has surprised you about working with Kirby ladies in the dating scene? Um, I don't know if, I don't know if anything's like really surprised me, but because I feel like I've been through it. So I just, I'm (coughs) love that they're not alone. Mm -hmm. You know, um, what has surprised me? I just, I think the growth of knowing like when, like, for example, when they say like, oh, I'm afraid, I don't want to put headshots 
or I only put headshots on my dating profile. I don't want to put my whole body because <laughs> I'm afraid they'll be disappointed when they see me in real life. I'm like, girlfriend, you know, mm. why, you know, why, yeah. like, if they don't know and they see you and they're disappointed, who cares? Move on. They're not your person. Not and your like person. that clicking of like, no, oh, like, oh, they're not my person. There's a lot of other people online. I'm like, yes, girl, you're sitting there swiping left and right. So just as much as there's other people for them, there's other people for you. And that <laughs> click is just, that surprises me. I love watching you know, the click of like, Oh, I do have options and I am worth it. And you know, like, I I think that that's such a key thing. Um, you know, I look back at my twenties and, and again, I don't have a lot of pictures of me in my twenties because I had such low self-esteem. And I mean, we, we can go in and like talk about like, Oh, maybe that would led me to my last marriage or, you know, but the reality is that we're searching for so much when we already have what we're searching for. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I, I've been loving your Instagram, by the way, too. Thank you. Yeah, it's been really fun to watch. Um, but the one thing that I, well, first of all, okay. When I see your Instagram and, and you've been posting different things, I think, oh, you go girl. Like um, you posted <laughs> the one thing about like, you're not a half. Um, oh, Yeah. That's so good. Yes, because you are a whole person. So Mm -hmm. I don't exactly remember what it said, but something about like, I'm not looking for my whole half or my other half because I am whole. Yeah. And there's so much truth to that. Like somebody is supposed to be like the ice cream on, like the the cherry on top. Right. You know, like you are already whole and complete just as you Mm -hmm. are. You are just amazing. And you go girl, you are great. Just who you are. And And, and there is going to be that person for you. Absolutely. And I think that, you know, um, in my 20s, I guess I was in my 20s when um, Jerry Maguire came out and there was the whole thing like, oh, you complete me. And it's like, really, dude, like you've, you've have all these gifts, even, and even if you're married, right. And and I'm married and I have a fantastic spouse. He's loving, supportive, um, you know, we, we can drive each other crazy as normal people do. That's normal, but yeah. I, yes, my life w- would be devastatingly empty without him because I love him so much, but he doesn't complete me. Right. I was like, but you are, you still got it going on, girl. Yeah. And I think that that's the one thing that no matter whether you're in a relationship or not, you got to really create that first and foremost relationship with yourself. Mm-hmm. You're, you're a great example of, um, being an independent, capable woman. Um, you bought a house. Yeah. I bought a house by myself right, right before my 30th birthday. <laughs> so that was very exciting. So now I always know how long I lived in my house because I got it when I was 30. So I'm huh. like, I've had it for eight years. Amazing. <laughs> so now, but so a lot of women, um, what's your advice or what would be one of the things that you say to women that, you know, they're waiting to travel till they have the person in their life, or they're waiting to buy a house or they're, they're, you know, they're going to do X when Y. What is your advice for them? Don't do it. Just do it. Because again, like you are whole, (laughs) you know, and you don't need like to have somebody to accomplish those things. If you're going to wait to travel until you find somebody, (laughs) you might 
you know, never see the world. (laughs) And I'm not saying you'll never find somebody, but you just don't, it's kind of two different things. Like there's, there's effort into dating and you got to put time. There's time and effort that you have to put into everything. And if you, you know, I asked a girlfriend the other day, cause she said she was tired of being single. And I said, okay, well, you're tired of being single, but let me ask you, what are you doing to not be single? Do you have a dating profile? Are you going out to meet people? Are you getting set up with people? Are you telling people, you know, it's like simple, like when it, like you meet people, you tell them you're single and you tell them you'll go on a date with them. (laughs) But if you're not doing those things, then you're going to be single. You know, know that's really a great parallel for people in business too, because I get people who say, oh my God, I have no clients. I'm like, well, who are you telling you have a business? Are you telling people what you do and how you help? Or if you're not, then of course, you know, you know, you're not going to have people coming to you. So I think that that's great advice. Yeah. And so it's kind of separate from the traveling and the buying the house and stuff like that. So it's like, you know, you can't put them together. So it's like, if I'm going to wait to, to, you know, go travel before I find, you know, and until I find somebody like you got to work on both, you know, go travel and maybe you'll find somebody on the airplane. Agree. You know? Agree. <laughs> like, and then, you know, they like to travel you know? <laughs> and so that's kind of my advice and get the house, you know, you, maybe the realtor's cute and he's single, you know, yeah, you absolutely. never know. And so I just, I think I got tired of waiting and what the reason I got my house was I I was living with my sister at the time and she, it was her and her husband and they were moving into a bigger house. They were going to buy something and I was going to rent an apartment and I was like, okay, well I'll just rent an apartment. And my dad was like, why, why don't you just buy a house? It's it's probably cheaper. You know, you have the money you're saved just to go do it. And I'm like, well, I, I'm not, that's not what I'm supposed to do. You know, like Mm. I'm supposed to go buy a house with, you know, with a husband. And he was like, you know, my dad was like, just go buy a house. You'll go get another house with another, with a husband later. Just go get one. He was like, why would you not do that? I was like, oh yeah. I think that happens a lot. And, and and it goes back to those cognitive distortions of the things that we say, oh, I should this, should that. And the reality is that, you know, who told you that that's how it should be? There's no like right. book that says, follow this. I mean, it's unwritten rules that we think that will define who we are and will make us better or, you know, put us in the right path. But the reality is that it's okay to be in your own journey. Right. And that is totally okay. And that's what I want, you know, women to realize it's like, we're on our own story and our own path. Mm -hmm. And when people like tell you, like when you go to like the holidays are coming up and when they tell you like, Oh, did you, do you have somebody and you'll find somebody when you least expect it? And it's like, I'm going to find somebody when I find them. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You know, (laughs) that's so true. I, I remember again, going back and, and, Oh my God, could I have used you girl? Uh, and, they, and I am sure there's others who really are going to um, find you and be like, I need you because the thing is like, you know, we, we sit around and like, oh, oh, I don't have a Valentine's. Oh, I don't have someone to like, or even when I was dating, like I remember when I was dating my ex-husband, you know, we met when I was 25 and then we got married shortly before I turned 30. So five years dating, I spent many a wasted New Year's, Valentine's, Christmas, not that he celebrated Christmas because he's Jewish, 
waiting for an engagement ring. What the hell is wrong with people? And then you become so disappointed because we have this manual of what should be happening or how people should be doing things. And when the whole time you could have just been enjoying the moment. Correct. I remember there was a, (laughs) there was a new year's Eve. This is so fantastic. It was a new year's Eve. We flew to Whistler in British Columbia, Canada. And it was, I mean, Whistler, and, and and not I didn't waste my whole time wondering if I should I was getting engaged or not because obviously mm-hmm. we flew on New Year's Eve and by the time it didn't happen I you know moved on but still it was disappointment but I remember like we were in this beautiful beautiful Vancouver Canada is one of the most gorgeous cities I've ever been to and I wasted the moment waiting for something that wasn't meant to be then. And right. I think that, you know, um, Seneca, the, the Roman uh, philosopher, he talks about this and I'm going to, I'm going to butcher it, you know, but I was just, it's one of the things that I was reading, like, you know, the moment that we have right here, right now, never comes back. Right. And, and we just, you know, think that it's going to be a better moment if, and the reality is that it's always a better moment because we're alive. And that moment is the only one we have right here, right now. That is so true. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So true. Yeah. Um, What's your advice for women that are going to be going through holidays and maybe are in that moment that they're hoping they meet the right person or they're hoping to have that uh, Hallmark movie um, (laughs) ending? Right. Well, you know, I think that... um, there's, you know, all kinds of things like you get invited to holiday parties and you contemplate whether or not you're going to go because you don't want to go because you don't have a date and you're trying to struggle to find like your best friend to come take you, you know, to be your plus one and whatever. But then you finally decide to go and then people start asking you about your personal life and your business about your being single. And if you're date, are you seeing somebody special? And then you like, you know, you're trying to keep it cool and put a smile on your face and be like, not right now. I think after a while for myself, like what I would say is I'm dating everybody right now (laughs) (laughs) because I didn't have anybody special. So I was like, everybody's special. I'm just dating everybody. Like (laughs) I just didn't know what to say. And it was so awkward. And then it would stop asking me questions, (laughs) but you know, I think my advice is just, just go and there's so many things I would say maybe before you go mentally prepare yourself of what that event is going to look like for you. Like, how do you want to show up to the event? Like how, you know, what is going to happen? That's going to be the worst case scenario for you to be like, you know what? It's time to go. I had a great time. And you walk away and you still enjoyed your moment or how can you, you know, like give yourself a game plan. So So that's, that I think is a really good thing. Just that visualization of what are your boundaries? What, how can you have this wonderful time? And what is it going to mean to you? Like when you go to New Year's Eve and New Year's, you know, at, at the stroke of midnight, like, are you going to be sad because, you know, because you don't have anybody to kiss or whatever, or are you going to be appreciative that you're around all these friends or all this family right. and you're, you have health and you have, you know, people around you that are surrounded, or do you just want to be by yourself and like watch uh, the New York ball drop? I don't know who does it anymore. Is it, yeah. it's, like, it's not Times just, Square. 
Yeah, the Times no, Square guy. No. So, oh, well, I know Ryan like, Seacrest. New- Ryan Seacrest. There you go, Ryan Seacrest. It's Ryan like, Seacrest not- Productions. Oh, <laughs> so yeah, like you might want to be your, in your by yourself in your PJs. Visualize it. Like it's okay if you want to do that too. So just give yourself a game plan of what you want to do for the holiday and make it something special for you. That feels really good. Like I know for Valentine's day, a lot of times I did like, I would, you know, treat myself. I would go get a massage. Mm. I would go get a facial. I would get like some champagne and some strawberries. I'd give myself flowers, just whatever. Like, and it wasn't, I didn't try to make it cheesy, but I just made myself feel really good. Like go watch a, you know, a good movie, just whatever. I would do anything that, you know, even if it was something like, I'm just going to go get my nails done. You know, I had lots of years to come up with different things to do. So, you know, or just make it another day. That's such good advice. And I think that um, the more that we practice, right. And I think that this whole visualizing and practicing, and it doesn't have to be, you know, if you're single, but even if you are in a relationship and you're married or, you know, how do you want to feel and really set an intention and work towards that? Because if we really understand what's important to us and we really are driven by these values and really driven by the the person we want to become, it really makes a lot of sense. I think, you know, I've hung on to that very um, closely in the last week and a half, because when I realized that I was in a poo-poo place, I was like, Julie, you're not going to be able to do everything. You're not going to be able to, you know, there's still some discomfort physically. Um, but how do you want to feel? Just don't say fuck it, right? Oh my God, Dean, it's going to be right. right. I have to. Anyway, sorry. Um, but you have to decide and visualize and really sitting down and saying, okay, I'm going to do these simple things, just one thing. And and I, I reverted a lot to... Um, I've been listening a lot to Dr. Fogg. Did you know I went through a tiny habit certification? No, that is awesome. Oh my God. It's like the most amazing thing. I love him, Dr. Fogg. And, and uh, I learned cool. so much from him. And really, again, the whole concept of, you know, we cannot change at the flip of a switch. It's those tiny incremental changes that really add up and make a difference. For sure. For yeah. sure. That is awesome. Good for you. Thanks. Christina, are you confident? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I I mean, I'm a human. Yeah. I'm not always confident. I do believe that our life experience is a uh, 50-50. So mm-hmm. again, um, we don't know happy without sad or mad without, you know, not mad, whatever <laughs> the opposite of that is. But, you know, like I do give myself time to talk to myself with it, to be kind to myself and to, again, feel the discomfort and discover why and know it's a totally normal feeling and just like, go for it. You know? So like, I do feel that I am confident. I don't, I'm not perfect. I <laughs> am new at things. I do have discomfort. I do have to, um, give myself time to like, um, give myself evidence that I can do things yeah, that I'm for capable. Sure. I, you but know, yeah, confidence I, I is something that um, the more in, in, I use the example, the skills, confidence, and motivation, the more that we um, gain skills or have that evidence behind us, 
the more confident we're going to feel. And the more confident we feel, the more motivated we're going to be to try to continue to hone in our skills and whatever it is. So I'm a firm believer for that. Um, I know that you've made some dreams come true. Um, what dreams are in the works for you and what are you looking to accomplish in the next few months and maybe into 2022? So many, you know, I, I'm loving growing my business and that's just super exciting mm-hmm. and just helping all these beautiful, amazing women. I, love it. I am looking to do, um, eventually I would like to see, a like a group membership. I want to build a community of women mm-hmm. who are just so there for each other and have each other's back. Like I could just see having these like curvy girl retreats where everybody's <laughs> each other's wing woman. Ooh. And, you know, like I would love for them to be like brave and be like, Hey, I'm going to fly to New York. Any curvy girls out there that, you know, want to meet up. You, know and- you should connect with. Uh-huh. Um, she was a guest in the podcast. She is a plus size blogger. Her name is Callie Richards. Um, okay, we're friends. That down. She's, she's on Instagram and TikTok and clubhouse. I mean, she's on all the socials, but, um, I'll see if I'll, I'll, you know what? Hold on. Smile. Uh, hold on. I went out of the window. I'm going to tag her on this. Okay. So I'm going to, um, I'm going to post it on Instagram today, but Callie, um, it's a plug size blogger. Go follow her. She's actually hosting these, um, I think she just came back from a place from Mexico or, and she's going to Greece next year. That's awesome. And she's like, curvy girls, don't wait for life to happen. Come with me. And cause she's yes. a traveler. She's done that. You guys need to. Yeah. We yeah, need to be our new bestie. Yeah. You need for to be sure. in each other's universe. Um, yeah. One last question for you, Christina, because I hear you have a hot date. I do have a hot date. Ooh, where are you going? We're just going to go and have dinner oh and then God. maybe go somewhere else for dessert. Nothing too grand. Okay. Well, I have excited. not had a hot date in a long time. <laughs> so maybe I can convince Daniel that we need to at least go down the street to the pub down the street. But right? I don't know. He hurt his wrist at work today. So. We'll see. Oh no. Yeah. You'll be fine though. Um, at the end of the day, um, when it's all said and done, what is the legacy that you want to leave behind? I, that's a good question. I I just want to leave, I don't know, just a legacy just for my, I mean, mostly for my family. Like I just want my family to just, I don't know. I just want them to be like, covered and good. And I just want everything. Like I have a niece and nephew. I just Mm -hmm. want to just provide everything that I possibly can for them because they're like the best people ever. And I just, I want to put a footprint for these, you know, all of these women out here that they are worthy and they are loved and they are just perfect, exactly how they are. And, you know, we all have room for personal growth and just I just love, I think it's a beautiful thing to, to have a community of women that are building each other up. And I want to set that example for what is possible for people. I love that so much. And I, I, I know that you are well on your way of doing that because you, you bring people together. You have that knack. I see that how you're a relationship builder and I honor you for that. Thank you. 
you, you're amazing. I'm so proud of you of everything that you do. You're going to continue to touch the lives of amazing women. You are growing in your confidence, not only personally, but in your business. Thank you for being a part of the podcast. Will you come back again? Absolutely. Thank you so much for inviting me. This is wonderful. Well, I'm going to talk to my podcast friends and you need to get on more shows, girl, because you got a message for for the world and your message is um, something that people need to hear. Thank you so much. You're amazing. All right. Well, don't forget, go confidently.